Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I am Todd Dandruff Wittellis. This is being recorded live and broadcast live on October 2nd, 2022. The time right now is 10, 12 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. This show was supposed to take place two days ago. I wish it could have because there was very, very breaking news three days ago, and the show is perfectly timed to comment on all of that. Unfortunately, a cold, which I had caught last week, I first showed symptoms on Saturday. That's why the archives from last week were a bit late, because I couldn't edit the show and put it all together. I really didn't feel well on Saturday. But starting from Sunday, I was slowly getting better. And by Thursday, I felt just about all better. In fact, I even went out on Thursday night, and I was sure that this was not going to affect Friday's radio at all. But I was wrong, because on Friday, I woke up with the cold back all over again. I don't know how that happened, but the symptoms returned. I had congestion. I had a cough. I had low energy. I had body aches. was not good. I didn't have COVID, by the way. I even tested for that just in case. It has been about three and a half months since I had COVID, so it was possible to get it again, but that's not what I had. So I got sick, and I could not do the show. And then I was hoping to do it Saturday, but then I had a very bad cough Saturday. The cough got worse on Saturday than it was on Friday. So there's no way I could do a show coughing all the time. Now, the cough is not totally gone today. I may need to hit the mute button a few times to not not cough in your ear, but I'm going to try to do the show. One thing we are going to do today is keep it to a single topic show. And I actually came up with a lot of topics to talk about as I do each week. But this week, we're actually going to cut all that off and just talk about the one huge topic in poker this week, which is the situation on Hustler Casino Live that occurred on Thursday between Garrett Adelstein and a new player named Robbie Jade Liu. Very, very big story. I actually rank it as the sixth biggest story in poker history. So this is a huge thing to cover. There's so much info. There's so much stuff to talk about. It is not... 100% clear what happened. It's far from that. So we're going to break the whole thing down. It's a very interesting story. It's even a bit of a mystery. So I'm going to approach this from a very logical and reasoned and unbiased standpoint. And I can say this because I don't really have a connection, good or bad, with any of the parties involved, nor do I have a connection, good or bad, with The Hustler or Hustler Casino Live. Yeah, we've had Ryan Feldman on this show before, and... I like him, and we get along, but we're not friends. I don't even know Nick Vertucci, who's the other owner of Hustler Casino Live, and I don't know Garrett Adelstein. I know of him, but I don't know him, and I don't know Robbie Jade Lou. So this is perfect for me to comment on because I am someone who really has no bias in the situation. I just want to get down to what the truth is. And a lot of people are coming in with bias one way or another or preconceived beliefs that they don't want to challenge. And that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to break this down very fairly and very honestly on both sides. I do have my feelings and opinions, which will become clear, but I'm doing it from an unbiased standpoint, and I promise you that. The rest of the topics we are going to do next week, I'm going to table them all to next week. One thing I do want to quickly mention before we get on to the main topic is about Coolio. Because Coolio died this week, and maybe next week I'll have 
some clips to play, you guys. I didn't have it prepared for this week. I should have, but I don't have them. I'll have to get them from someone who has them. But Coolio actually threatened to kill me, Brandon, and Brian Mikon in 2010. I kid you not. That Coolio, not a fake Coolio, not a representative of Coolio. Actually, Coolio himself threatened to kill us 12 years ago. Now, obviously, 12 years later, he is the one dead, and all three of us are alive. He never tried to carry through on the threat. But the reason he was so angry was because we did a radio prank on him. And once he learned it was a prank, he was furious. And a bunch of other things happened after that. But I didn't want to continue messing with him at that point. I didn't think he was going to really kill us, but I did not want to continue messing around. It was a one-time prank as far as I was concerned. But basically, we did a prank call to him on my old show, Donk Down Radio, that I did with Brandon and Mike on. And it was a very good show back then. If you guys remember listening to that, uh, people really enjoyed Donk Down Radio with the three of us. And, you know, eventually personal issues put an end to that whole thing. But Brandon's still with us, and that's nice. But anyway, we made a prank call to Coolio and pretended that we were representatives of some studio and we wanted to produce Dangerous Minds 2 and have him star in it. And we gave him all these outrageous stories about the way it was going to go. And he bought it all. And we even got him to say funny things on the radio. It wasn't really cruel or bad. Like It wasn't like we were humiliating him. We were just pranking him and making a joke out of the whole thing. And pretending like a movie was coming out that wasn't. But he didn't take it very well. And he had someone's number, not mine. It may have been Brandon's, it may have been Mike Cosby. but he had someone's number. And he called up and left a very angry message about how we're going to get killed and buried in the desert, <laughs> something along those lines. So that was weird, wasn't it? That Wasn't that weird for me to get a message from Coolio? I mean, it wasn't personally to me, but it was about me and two other people, and one of those other people is the one who got the message. forgot if it was Brandon or Mike on, but wow, that was kind of weird to have a famous rapper threatening to kill the three of us. I did not expect that when I got into the poker community, but a lot of wild things happened in those days. As time passed and it was clear that Coolio was just blowing smoke and was just temporarily pissed, I thought the whole thing was funny. I never called the police about it or anything. I, I never really thought he was going to kill me. At the same time, I didn't want to like make more calls to him on the radio. I, I told Brandon and Mike, you know, I think I'm done with this. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. I mean, yeah, we can play the message we got and we can tell everybody what happened, but I didn't want to continue with this. So when I heard Coolio died, I thought, okay, I guess he never carried through on the threat. I guess he's never going to actually get to kill any of us. We all outlived him. And I actually don't hold anything against him. I mean, yeah, he made a threat, but we did prank call him and we did get his hopes up that he was going to be in Dangerous Minds too, which was never going to exist. So, you know, all's fair. So Coolio has passed away. I think he was 59 years old. Just wanted to get that out. And maybe next week I'll have some clips to play you of maybe the prank call or of the message. I don't even have this stuff in my possession. I'll have to see who has it, if anyone Hopefully someone has it. be kind of entertaining to listen to all these years later. The rest of the topics we are going to table until next week. 
and I have a number of things to talk about, and I'm sure there will be more. So next week will probably be a long show, because not only will we probably have an update about the Robbie, Jade, Lou, and Garrett situation that we're going to talk about extensively tonight, but also we're going to have new topics in addition to the ones that I'm delaying to next week. So anything you saw on the agenda is now going to be held over till next week. And if you're listening for those, I apologize for that. But this show is really a deep dive into that situation. If you want to call the show, the phone number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. That is the way to reach me. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. That is an old 70s rotary phone which sits on top of Mount Charleston, which is about 40 minutes away from Las Vegas by your vehicle. It's always about 30 degrees colder there than Las Vegas. It's a nice place to visit, but we have an old rotary phone that sits in a cabin up there. You can't text it, but you can call it. 702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston line. If you want to text me during the show at any time or after the show or before the show or whenever you feel like, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 775-372-8355, the main phone number is the one you should text. We have a call to listen line, which you just call up and listen. It's very simple. You call the number and you listen. You can't talk to me, but you can listen to the show. If you call up when we're on live, you will hear it live. If you call when we're not live, you will hear one of our streaming reruns where the system picks one of our more than 400 shows that we've done over the last 10 and a half years and plays them from start to finish. That phone number is 518-931-1189. 518-931-1189 is the call to listen line. It is free to call from any phone that can call the U.S. for free, except for T-Mobile, which will cost you one cent per minute, which I do not get. It does not require a smartphone. It does not require a data plan. It does not require an app or a computer. It doesn't even use up any of your data, and you don't even need a lot of bars. And the best thing, it will never buffer and never freeze, no matter how bad your connection is. It just works. It just plays. It never freezes up. 518-931-1189, the call to listen line. More than 2 million minutes have been listened to on that line. And by the way, that's a fairly new phone number, so throw away any other phone number you have for that line. We have a free roll tonight, $50. The poker room finally works again. It is finally working, at least for the moment. 25 for first, 15 for second, 10 for third. 25 for first, 15 for second, and 10 for third. I can send this to you by Zelle, by Cash App, by bank transfer, by cryptocurrency, or other methods you could think of where money is transferred online. If you want to claim your winnings, PM Dan Druff on the forum. That's Dan with a space and then Druff, Dan space Druff on the forum. You can also email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, or text me at 775-372-8355. I prefer a forum PM, but make sure you understand the rules to qualify for the free roll by going to pokerfraudalert.com slash free roll. It's all lowercase, pokerfraudalert.com slash free roll to understand the rules to qualify for the free money. This week, we are using donations from three people. Reno gave $15. That is the listener named Reno, not the city of Reno. Crypto Ninja gave $23, and Joe D gave $12. So thank you to you guys, and we have plenty more money to give away in future weeks that is being held back. So the return of the free roll, and I bet it won't have a very big field because this show was announced last minute. I wasn't even sure if I could do it tonight. And I decided, you know what? Normally I'd wait another day, but I am tired of waiting. I'm going to do it. So we have our free roll. We have our show. Free roll starts at 1025 
Pacific time. So you still have time to get in there. In fact, you have even more time than you think because there's 25 minutes of late registration. You have all the way up till 10.50 p.m. Pacific time to get in to the free roll. There's really no agenda this week. I'm just going to talk about the Garrett Adelstein situation with Robbie Jade Lou on Hustler Casino Live, and I'm going to probe it from many different ways. That's the entire show. There is a chat room. You can click on that to chat with other listeners if you're listening live. I will not be checking it that much, but you can chat with other people, and I'll take a look every so often. If you do want to communicate with me without calling in, texting me is the best way to do it. I check those every so often during the show. There are several ways to listen to the show in the archives, because most of you don't listen live. We're on late at night. People on the East Coast, even people on the West Coast who have to work the next day usually cannot listen to our show starting this late at night. Most people catch it in podcast form, which you can do so on various platforms. We are on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and I recommend Spotify because you, you can actually click the links to timestamps to topics and jump right to the topics that you want to listen to. We are also on iHeartMedia, Stitcher, TuneIn, and in fact, TuneIn can be used to listen to the archives and to the live show. You can pick one of the two Poker Fraud Alert entries on there and you'll see which one is which. There's the Bullhorn app, which I also recommend because it's just like Spotify. You can click on the links to jump to the timestamps you want to listen to, and it has its own call to listen line. So you can use a call to listen line to listen to the archives if you want. That's really cool on the Bullhorn app. We are also on Amazon Alexa. Just say, Alexa, play Poker Fraud Alert Radio Podcast. Say it slowly, but say those words and it will play. We're also on Audible, which is owned by Amazon as well. So many different ways to listen to the show. And if there's any other way you'd like me to add, let me know. And as long as it doesn't cost me too much money or time, then I will add it as a listening option. You can also play or download the MP3 I make of the show each week. You just go to the Radio Archives subform on Poker Fraud Alert, and all the shows are listed there. Just click on the MP3 or click on our little player, and you can play or download the MP3 right there. And it works on every device. You don't need any kind of external player. It just plays and works. So that's always a nice option as well. We give you the most listening options. I do not know of any poker or gambling show out there that you can listen to on this many platforms. And if you know of one, then tell me, and then I will beat them. I will always have the most listening options because I want to make it easy for you to listen to the show. I don't want to force you to listen to platforms I like. I want you to pick the one you like. The one we're not on now that I know a lot of people want is YouTube, but that's because YouTube is a pain in the ass. There's no way to auto-upload to YouTube. So I just don't feel like going through the hassle. But maybe in the future. Anyway, let's go on to the single topic here. So what happened at The Hustler? And keep in mind, I wasn't home when this whole thing happened, so I had to follow this on my phone as well as I could from commerce, and it wasn't particularly easy, but I was following it. So it also took me a little while to catch up, especially because I got sick right after that, so I didn't quite have the energy. So I have spent a lot of time catching up on this because I knew that my listeners would want to hear my take on this, but I wanted to give an informed take. I did not want to just spout off partial information or make assumptions that turned out to be incorrect or base my opinion on only part of the story. 
So I wanted to know all there was to know before doing radio. And that was another thing, delaying it. That's kind of what delayed it tonight. Once I decided to do it, I still felt like I had more to take in before doing this segment. Chicago Joey has been doing just nonstop coverage on this. He has done three extremely long shows in a row, three days in a row. I think they're like seven to ten hours each, all on this topic. He got a lot of interesting people to call in, and I'm going to play some of it. Obviously, I can't play all uh, 25 to 30 hours, nor am I going to play even 10% of that. But I will play parts of it. So, Thursday night I'm at Commerce, and I start getting messages all over the place that there's a big thing that has happened at The Hustler, at Hustler Casino Live, people asking me if I'm watching, telling me to turn it on. Very, very big deal, they told me. And they were right. It turned out to be a big deal. So Hustler Casino Live has been the stream to watch in 2022 and the last third of 2021. It just got off the ground immediately doing well. Ryan Feldman and Nick DiVertucci have done a great job with making it the best and most interesting poker cash stream in the world. And it's not even close. They've blown away Live at the Bike. Live at the Bike tried to make a comeback, and it has been irrelevant. Nobody cares about Live at the Bike. It gets a fraction of the ratings. Hustler Casino Live is killing it. It has knocked Live at the Bike off of its longtime perch of being the premier poker show that you're going to watch to see cash streaming. And... That's kind of surprising because Live at the Bike was dominant for so long. But then again, it's not because Ryan Feldman was a big reason it did as well as it did. He was very good at putting lineups together. And without Feldman, the show just struggled big time. I'm talking about Live at the Bike. And Hustler, with Feldman, immediately did really well. So they've done a great job with it. They've put, it, they put lineups together of people you want to see play. Not necessarily the best players. There's some great players on there, but there's some players who are amateurs on there, but they're interesting amateurs. And the game is a combination of amateurs and decent recreational players and pro players. And they always put a good lineup together. And we've had so many different stories about things happening on there that are of interest that are worth talking about. Now, it's not always good. There have been some scandals, not really Hustler Casino Live's fault, but there have been players on there who have behaved badly, but it still gets people talking. You've heard the whole thing about any publicity is good publicity. And since Hustler Casino Live was not seen to be at fault with any of these things, at least not really by any rational people, then all of this controversy was actually great for them. However, there is one type of controversy that a stream never wants, and that is the Mike Postle style controversy where there's an allegation of cheating where somebody can see someone else's whole cards and then crush them accordingly. That scandal rocked Stone's Casino Live three years ago when Veronica Brill came out and accused Mike Postle, who had been crushing everyone on there at mostly low stakes, but it added up to hundreds of thousands of dollars in profit over an 18-month period. And Veronica Brill, who wasn't well-known at the time, took a big personal risk to call out a very popular player on there, accusing him of cheating. 
And then the poker world started to analyze it, and almost all of the poker world ended up agreeing that they felt that Mike Possible was cheating. And this pretty much decimated Stone's Casino Live, and they went away. I don't know if they ever came back, but they'll never be what they were. They were quickly growing. They were quickly gaining popularity. They were getting more and more high-profile players to show up and play there. That's done. You're never going to have any relevant players to come play there again. Nobody trusts them, and that's that. They really had their rep ruined by this whole thing. And we never got complete answers about who was involved and what was really going on. But from watching 18 months of footage of Mike Postle, it became pretty clear to everybody with a brain who understood poker that something was not right there. And we've talked about this ad nauseum, and in fact, I even got sued for talking about this, as did a bunch of other people who talked about it, including Chicago Joey, including Doug Polk, including Matt Berkey, including uh, Bart Hansen, including Veronica, who was the main target because uh, Apostle just despised her. She wasn't the main target financially, but the main target from an anger standpoint. That really has etched into everybody's minds that you always have to be worried on these streams where whole cards are transmitted to a control booth, which then on a delay puts the cards out for the viewer to see. It has to be on a delay, otherwise people could watch the stream and signal their friends somehow what to do. But the thing is, even if it's being broadcast at a delay, the whole cards, of course, are being seen in real time in the control room. And if there's either a corrupt person in the control room or if there's some way to intercept that communication, then a bad actor could find out the whole cards of everybody at the table and then they could cheat. So Hustler Casino Live, which began last year, almost two years after the Apostle scandal was uh, brought to Twitter, the Apostle scandal was really, it began when it was announced on Twitter that this allegation existed when Veronica Brill brought the allegation to Twitter in the final week of September of 2019. Ironically, this scandal, which has some similarities to it and also involves a live cash stream, the scandal also is in the final week of September. So kind of a coincidence that the final week of September is when these things seem to happen. But anyway, Hustler Casino Live started in August of 2021, almost two years after the whole Postle situation. And we had Ryan Feldman on here for about an hour and a half talking about both his time at Live of the Bike and also his new Hustler Casino Live product, which had not aired yet. And I asked him, how are you going to keep it secure? How are you going to make sure that you do not have the issues that Stones did? So Ryan had what sounded like a pretty good answer. And he listed a bunch of security protocols they have there. Among them, you're not allowed to have your phone at the table. Because what was accused of Postle was that he had his phone in his lap and his phone was allegedly receiving the cards of other people at the table. And if he wanted to see what anyone had, he could just look down and, and see his phone in his lap. That was, that was the allegation that was going around. And uh, exactly what was being done was never figured out. But uh, that was the allegations. Anyway, of course, if you make sure nobody at the table has a smartphone then that really cuts down on what information they can receive. Even if a bad actor has gotten the information somehow, then it's a lot tougher to transmit when nobody has a smartphone to receive the transmission. So that was the main thing they were doing. But they also had all kinds of protocols in place regarding who has access 
to the control room, who has access to the card data, etc., etc., etc. So Ryan was insisting that they had state-of-the-art security and that they had thought long and hard how to make this extremely secure because there's big money played for on there. I mean, these are all high-stakes games. I'd say they range kind of between middle-high and high-stakes. Even the, quote, uh, middle-stakes games play very big because they're very deep. So there's a lot of money that could be stolen if someone were to breach the security there. So Ryan said right on this show that they take it very seriously and they are not going to let it happen. And up until this week, there had not been a single allegation that this was occurring. Now, there was one guy who went on there who already had a bad reputation and he was accused of uh, trying to look at people's hall cards and it looked pretty clear that he had and that was a scandal we talked about here. But that's not Hustler's fault. Uh, They can't control what someone tries to do with their eyes or leans their head over and all that. So um, that wasn't a breach of their security. That was just good old-fashioned peeking at people's hall cards and others not protecting their hand as well as they should. So I wouldn't say this is anything you can blame Hustler for. But that was really the only cheating allegation that occurred regarding Hustler Casino Live. There were a lot of other uh, controversial situations that occurred, but it was mainly from uh, interactions between players, not uh, from anything that was illegal or any kind of cheating. So as I said, Hustler Casino Live doesn't mind the publicity from crazy things that happened on the stream, even negative things that happened, as long as it is not perceived to be their fault in any way. You know, anything that gets attention, anything that makes this stream worth watching and it's going to bring you back the next time to watch is good for them. And they know it. So that's fine. You know, they're putting together an entertainment product. They're not putting together a game of all top pros who are all super highly skilled, who are always going to act in a respectful fashion to one another. That might be interesting from a standpoint of watching the very best play against each other. But as far as viewing poker just for entertainment, it's kind of boring. So they don't want that, and that's the right decision. So I think Ryan, who has put these lineups together, has done a tremendous job. And he's gotten some very high-profile YouTubers like Mr. Beast to play on there. And they they had one stream where a number of them got together and played on there. And Phil Helmuth was being a huge nit, if you remember. They've really put together incredible lineups that people are going to want to see. And they've been very successful, and they deserve that success. So I will say all of that. But this past week, they had something occur that they don't want, even though it's getting now mainstream attention. This was covered in USA Today. This was covered in the New York Post. This was covered in the UK Daily Mail. I'm talking about the scandal I'm about to get into here. The poker scandal that just occurred this week was covered in these major publications that have nothing to do with poker. So you know it's a big deal. I actually ranked it the sixth biggest story ever in poker, which is huge if you think about it. The sixth biggest story ever in poker. By the way, the Postle one I feel is bigger. I feel that's one of the other five. In case you're curious, the other five are Chris Moneymaker winning the World Series of Poker main event with a $40 buy-in to a satellite and kicking off the poker boom. The UIGEA, which made online poker explicitly illegal in the U.S. and caused the number of sites to leave the U.S. market, like Party Poker. That was in 06. The Ultimate Bet and Absolute Poker Scandal, which I was the initial whistleblower on. I was the initial one who called it out. 
But that scandal, actually two different scandals together, but they were one company at that point. But uh, the UB and AP scandal was another huge one. Again, got mainstream coverage. Then Black Friday, when all of these three big sites that were serving the U.S. market after the UIGEA, PokerStars, Full Tilt, and UB, got busted and went down. And then Full Tilt turned out they had stolen all the money, as had UB which is pretty shocking, at least with Full Tilt. And then the Postle thing. So those are the five stories I feel were bigger than this. But I think every other poker story that we have covered in our 10 and a half years on the air has been smaller than that, except for those five stories. And four of them occurred before we started this show. I was on another show for some of them, but as far as Poker Fraud Alert Radio, we began in March of 2012. And... Most of these occurred before March of 2012. So this is really the second biggest story we have covered. So I was pretty eager to get on here and cover it. I know a lot of you wanted to hear my take on it because unlike the Postle one that had almost everyone in poker thinking the same way, if you go back to 2019 when the Postle thing broke and when Joey Ingram and Doug Polk went over all those hands from 18 months of footage if you looked at poker Twitter, almost everybody thought the same way. I'd never seen poker come together the way it had. There were a few people who were saying, no, we don't agree, but one of them was a longtime friend of Apostles, so you had to kind of discount that. Boy, was the poker community of one mind there. I'd never seen anything like it. But this is very different. This is very split. There's a lot of debate on this one. In fact, this one is arguably more interesting because it is a lot harder to decide what the truth is. And this is a huge story, and it has some pretty big implications in a few different ways, and I think it has not been covered properly. And that's why it was killing me to have this cough and this cold where I could not cover it because I wanted to cover it. I wanted to get on here and cover it the right way. And you know what? Props to Joey Ingram for doing these three incredibly long shows, having all these people on who were involved. I mean, he really got an amazing group of people calling in, many of whom were directly relevant to this story. And we're not going to have that here. So props to him for that. And he had very, very high viewership, even in the middle of the night. And he was incredibly dedicated to spending all day and all night doing this every day for three days. And he was doing this kind of from a neutral standpoint. He kind of just let people talk. He didn't present his own opinion very much. So that was great. He did a very good job with uh, just covering what's going on and letting other people speak and not making many conclusions on his own, but asking good questions. I mean, he's done a great job. But as far as people who have made conclusions from this, I have not been impressed. In fact, it's been the opposite from a lot of people who I usually agree with too. A lot of people who are very smart, and very logical, and very good at analyzing things like this, a lot of them blew it. So I wanted to do it. I wanted to give you guys my take, which I know other people will listen to and say, oh, this Todd guy is an idiot. This Todd guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm sure we'll get that, but I really wanted to get this covered in what I feel is the right way. And that's why, despite having a cough tonight, and apparently some connection issues too, I'm doing it. So there's a lot, a lot to go over here. But I'm going to start from the beginning, and I'm going to play you 
the hand in question, since this is an audio show, you can't see it, so I'm going to have to describe it to you, but fortunately you don't have to see very much to get much out of the segment. The beginning would be nice if you could see, but I'm sure you can find this all over the place because it's, it's pretty easy to find. It's all over YouTube. It's even in the mainstream news now. But I'm going to play you this hand. Then before we go on and discuss everything connected to it and all the subsequent events and all of that, before I give you my opinion on all that and my takes on all that, I am going to give you an overview on how I felt about Garrett and Robbie themselves, because they're the main two involved here, Garrett Adelstein and Robbie Jade Lou. Robbie Jade Lou is a female. Her, her name is spelled R-O-B-B-I, Jade Lou, L-E-W. I'm going to tell you my impression of each of them in general, both before and after this whole thing, though I, I didn't have much of an opinion of Robbie beforehand. I didn't know who she was, but I will tell you about my impression of them in general, and then we'll go on and, and, and talk about everything else. So a lot to discuss here. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to play you this particular hand, and I'll describe what's happening, and we will go from there. So it folded around, and th this is a uh, big game here. This was a 100-200-400 game with a $400 big blind ante. So this is a huge game. And it folded around to the button, who actually folded Jack-9. That was uh, Eric Person, who plays a lot in these games. He was the one who had uh, mocked Helmuth in that heads-up event that they had together. I'm surprised he actually folded Jack-9 off from the button. I wouldn't have folded Jack-9 off from the button, but he folded Jack-9 off from the button, maybe because Garrett Adelstein, who's known to be very aggressive and obviously a great player, was his direct left. Maybe he didn't want to get 3-bet and then have to play with Adelstein with Jack-9. So for whatever reason, he just let it go, and it was small blind versus big blind. So let's listen to what happens. We're going to start right after Eric mucks his Jack-9 off from the button. So Garrett has 8-7 of clubs. Garrett Adelstein. He just limps from the small blind. <laughs> that was like one of his first TV appearances. One of his first ones, yeah. That was like before he won all those tournaments. You can ignore the table talk, by the way. That's just random stuff from beforehand. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. Wow, Robbie really mixing it up here, calling Garrett's raise with Jack. Okay, so I guess actually uh, Garrett, it showed that he just called, but it, I guess he must have raised. That's Bart Hansen commenting, by the way. But uh, I guess Garrett raised... And then Robbie defended with Jack-4 off. Bart is saying she's really mixing it up. But okay, you know, if, if you think an aggressive player is raising you from the small and you just want to call with Jack-4 off, it's kind of hard to play post-flop. You never know where you are unless you flop two fours. But okay, fine. She called it. So that's, that's not horrendous. The flop, however, was horrendous for her. The flop was nine of clubs, ten of clubs, ten of hearts. Now for Garrett, that's great. Yeah, he has eight high at the moment with eight seven of clubs, but he has an open-ended straight flush draw. He has eight seven of clubs, there's nine ten of clubs on the board, and also the ten of hearts. So he has clobbered that board, though his hand isn't made yet, and she has completely missed it. She has the jack of clubs, but her four is a not a club, so she has trash. If this played the way it normally would, he would bet, she would fold, move on, we wouldn't be talking about this, but obviously that's not what happened. So let's listen to what happened. Back four off, it's blind versus blind, and Garrett here has flopped a straight flush draw, 10-10-9 with a couple clubs. 
He's going to bet 2500 So he bets 2500 This should be it. She should just fold, right? But she does not. Wow, and Robin's going to call here with Jack 4. With- yeah, Bart's pretty surprised, as I would be. And we see the turn. Now, you would think, uh, well, what if the turn is a jack? What if it's even a four? What if it's a club? Then she at least has the single club draw. What if she picks up a straight draw if, like, an eight hits or a queen hits? But that's not what hits. It's a three of hearts. A three of hearts. This should really be it. Okay, she wants to float it once. Maybe Garrett will check fold thinking she has a ten. If he doesn't have anything, of course, he's never going to check fold this uh, open-ended straight flush draw, even though he missed the turn. But she doesn't know he has that. So she floated the flop. That is sometimes a strategy to just float the flop with complete air and then raise the turn. By the way, I have done this before at the World Series of Poker. I have floated the flop with a complete trash hand that missed, or at least it, even if it's not a trash hand, just I completely missed the flop, small versus big, and I'm the big. And sometimes I will float the flop with absolutely nothing, planning to raise the turn. And the reason that's not a bad play sometimes is that if the opponent missed, they will let it go if you have the image of someone who won't do this. Now, I don't do it all the time or they would never let it go, but because sometimes people have the impression of me that I'm a tight, middle-aged white guy, I can sometimes get away with pulling this. And the good thing about it is you have not hit the board at all, then it's very easy to let go or not put any further money in if you get called or if they re-raise you. Whereas if you have some piece of it, then you go, okay, well, are they, are they re-bluffing me? And then you got to decide what to do. And do you, do you try to catch something on the river? The good thing when you don't have anything is you have two moves. You have fold or raise slash bet and hope they fold. And that's it. You, you never have to call. So I have done this before, and it's been successful at times when I've done it. So you could say maybe she's doing that. Maybe she's just calling the jack four to pop him on the turn. Now, that's not going to work here, obviously, because he's got this monster draw. But let's hear what happens. Turn is a three, puts backdoor hearts down. And this is usually when Garrett will lay the hammer down with combo draws. So he bets 10K. The pot's getting a lot bigger here. He bets 10K. Now she has to decide what to do. Now, the problem here is that now there's a lot of money put in by Garrett on the turn. So at this point, remember, this isn't limit hold'em here. This is no limit hold'em. So at this point, he has put in 10K. So for her to raise him off, she's going to have to put in a lot more than that. And uh, do you want to waste it at this point? If Garrett's just firing, 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 what if he has it? What if he's got a big draw? You know, you've got Jack high, and in fact, if he's got a big draw, you may not be beating his draw. She actually is, but she doesn't know that. He could have a draw that beats her, which is important. So she can't just say, oh, I know he's on a draw. Well, what, what if he's got the ace of clubs? What if he's got an ace high club draw? What if he has uh, just Jack queen without clubs? He can't have Jack queen of clubs because she has a jack of clubs. What if she, he just has Jack queen? What if he has Jack eight? You know, there's a lot of different draws he could have that would be ahead of her, even if they get all the money in and they both brick, he would still win. So you've got to keep that in mind when you think someone's on a draw. That's usually when you would call with a pair or ace high or something where you're going to beat most draws if they miss. But she could easily lose to draws that miss. That's why 
you really should just be done with his hand. And when he's firing off 10K like this, you got to think, okay, he's either got a big draw or he's got a piece of the board. He may even have a 10 for all you know. So at this point, you've got to abandon it. This is different than the bets being small or them checking to you and trying to run them off. And like in the examples I gave you, where I will sometimes try the move, we're just floating the flop with air and then just either betting the turn with check to or raising the turn. That's only when the bets are small. But if, if they're coming out firing big at me, no, I'm not just putting in a lot with air and hope they fold. Because when I'm firing big at me, I assume that they probably have something and they're not going to fold. Otherwise, they wouldn't fire this big because for all they know, I could have a piece and I'm in position. So at that when there's like the big firing at me, I think, okay, they've got to have something here and I, I'm done with my air. So I try this move when I'm getting the sense that they don't have anything. But here, you're not getting that sense from Garrett. You're getting the sense he has something here he's not going to lay down. And as I said, the jack four is going to lose to a lot of draws anyway. So this is when it's time to toss it. So does she toss it? I think you know the answer. He's going to bet 10,000. I think Robbie should have probably been out of his hand pre-flop. So she says they're thinking. She's got a, one club and one heart. And now, by the way, she has 129 behind, 129K. Garrett has her very well covered with 800K in front of him. So uh, he has way more than her. So she has 129K further to invest into this hand if she wants to be stupid enough to do that. And she starts reaching for chips. And Wow, look at this. What is she thinking about here? Is she going to raise it? She does a min-raise. So he bets 10K, and she raises the very minimum she can raise. So she doesn't just call. She min-raises to 20. So you could say, okay, well, maybe this is her way of running him off his hand, not knowing that he's got a monster draw. Maybe this is her way of running him off his hand in the cheapest way possible. You can't run him off by calling, and you can't raise less than 20K total. So she puts in a min-raise of 20. But it's still 20 freaking K, though. So... This pot's getting very big when she has no pair, no draw. We saw her raise ace-king a little bit ago for a min-raise. Here she's going to min-click. What uh, Bart's referring to is she had a missed ace-king on a board that had like two, three, five, seven on it. And she raised the turn. She happened to be against ace-eight. So she actually had the best hand, but at least there you could say she kind of has a draw. She, she she may have a draw to the four if the opponent didn't have a six to make the straight. She may have the draw to an ace or king that can win the hand, so at least there's some places ace-king can go there. Here, jack four off, there's nowhere it can go. She can't even make the flush at this point because there's two clubs, two hearts, and she only has one club and one heart. So she has nowhere to go with this at all. She can't make a straight, can't make a flush. There's already a pair on the board, so really, she's in horrible shape, and yet she's raising. So what does Garrett do? Remember, Garrett has eight high, but he's got a tremendous draw. Jack four, and you know Garrett is just so experienced. Oh, wait, hold on. Let me scratch my face. That's the shit I got. How often would she do this with a 10? Could he possibly bet three bet here? I mean, she just min-clicked the turn. So it's Garrett who's thinking now. Garrett is sitting here thinking, what do I do here? Because he doesn't know what she has. So she floats the flop and then min raises the turn. So he's got this monster draw, but he still only has eight high. And he's thinking, okay, well, 
do I just put it in and hope I get there on the river? Because even though he's got a monster draw, since there's only one card to come, he would be an underdog against a made hand. So the question is, does he want to put her in for the rest? And he may be thinking, okay, well, she could be raising me with crap. She could be raising me with a nine, with a three that just hit. She could be raising me with a hand that she will fold if I put pressure. And if I don't put pressure, then if we both miss, then I lose because I only have eight highs. That's what he's thinking right now. He's thinking, do I really want to shove it all in with this monster draw with eight high with only one card to come? Where if she's got a made hand, I'm an underdog. Where if she doesn't, she may fold, especially if her hand isn't that great. That's what is what's on his mind right here. If he calls, there'd be about two pot-sized bets left. So, I mean, that's what's got to be going through his head here. And yeah, what Bart's saying is that regarding how many chips she has, he doesn't know she has air. So he's thinking about how much is there left for her to put in when he calls. And then if he hits, then what happens? Remember, she's in position. So then does he bet out and make it obvious he hits something and she might fold? So it's going through his head as maybe the best play is just to put it all in now have some fold equity, meaning that uh, there's the possibility she'll just lay it down if she doesn't have something strong enough. And this way, if he does make the draw, then he gets fully paid. So he's thinking the upsides and downsides of doing this. I think he's considering bet three betting. And yep, there's the all in. So he goes all in. So now she has to call $109,000. 109000 now with jack four offsuit, no draw, no pair, nothing with one card to come. Now that should be it. She can't run him off now. He's all in. All she can do is call or fold. Well, you fold at this point, right? Now you may be wondering, what if she does think that he has eight, seven of clubs or five, six of clubs or one of those things that, uh, seven, six of clubs, something that I guess five, six wouldn't be a straight drop. Seven, six of clubs or uh, seven, eight of clubs. Then... Yeah, she could be ahead of him. But his draw is so big and her hand is so weak that even with having the jack high being the best hand at this point, she still is not a favorite to win. She would only win 47% of the time. So even if she puts him on his exact hand, she's still only a 47% favorite. But of course... She doesn't know what he has, so he could have a monster already. He could have flopped a boat for all you know. He could have a 10 for all you know. He could have a draw that beats you for all you know, like a jack-queen. So this is an insta-fold. There's no question here it's an insta-fold. There's the all-in. This is what Garrett was basically trying to do, is if she's got some crap, run her off of it. And then he wins with an 8 high without having to make the draw. So that's what he's trying to do. He made the right move, and she should fold here. Any even semi-reasonable player would fold. Even a novice player would fold here. Why would anyone call the Jack-4 here? Garrett, like I said, he's just so experienced in bet patterns, bet sizing. She... Sort of acted a little bit with Jack Eight of Diamonds from a few rounds ago. What Bart is referring to here is that 
a little while before this, she also had a hand against Garrett, where she had Jack Eight of Diamonds. Uh, didn't flop much. On the turn, picked up a flush draw with Diamonds, but unfortunately Garrett made a boat, so she was drawing dead. And then on the river, she didn't make the flush, so that should have been it for her. And then when he made a fairly big bet on the river, she sat there a long time and, in fact, even used a time chip to give her extra time to make a decision with freaking Jack High. She ultimately laid it down. We'll discuss his hand a little bit later. But uh, Bart is suggesting, well, maybe she's just purposely stalling here to make it look like she has a tough decision when she really doesn't, and then tosses it. Now, I will say that I have done this, but to a lesser extent, when I've played at the World Series of Poker, where I will get caught bluffing and someone will raise me, and I know my hand's going in the muck the second they do it, but I don't just instantly toss it or it's clear to them that I had something very weak. I will sit there and think about it, or fake think about it, and then toss it. I, I won't put people through torture. I won't sit there for five minutes with a fake decision, but I might sit there for you know 20 seconds, 30 seconds, and then toss it, just so I don't give away any information. So if there is any tell they thought they picked up that I was weak, that uh, it doesn't confirm that in their head. And uh, this way they don't know if they ran me off a hand that was uh, fairly decent or, or complete trash. They don't know. So I, I do it for that reason. But she's taking quite some time here. And he's saying, well, maybe this is just for that same sort of thing she did earlier. She's going to put a time chip out. So here's the time chip again. She's... She's actually making a real decision, it looks like. She said that she thought Garrett had a draw the, a few, about 20 minutes ago, and Garrett had the full house of the queen four against Jack eight. And she took some time with it. And then she said... I just want to call to see it. I think he might have me, though. I just want to call to see it, referring to seeing what he actually has this time. I think you might have me, though. So that's interesting. So she's actually saying out loud. And what she says at this point doesn't matter because Garrett can't do anything further. He's already gone all in. So she can talk all she wants. And that doesn't help him. But she said, I think you might have me, though. Which he doesn't, actually. He's actually behind her with eight high. Even though she's a he's a slight favorite to win, thanks to the huge draw. And she says, I might want to call it just to see it. Which is pretty crazy to put in 109,000 just to see what he's got. Remember, she didn't get to see the previous one with the Jack Eight of Diamonds hand when he had the boat, she ended up folding that because she only had Jack High. <clears throat> Three's no good. Now that's an important thing to this hear. That's why you shouldn't be hand in hands like this. Okay. Three's no good, she asked. Remember, the three hit the turn. Now this is a source of endless debate now. She is saying, though you can't believe everything someone says at the poker table. People all the time represent they have some hand with what they're talking about and then reality don't have it so threes no good is implying like she has a three in her hand she's hit a pair of threes on the turn and that him coming over her she's not sure if he's got a draw or can already beat the three so she doesn't actually have the three three actually is good but she doesn't have it anyway so she says three's no good but she could be just trying to get information out of him and he's just sitting there stone-faced she doesn't have a three so, you want me to call you? I don't know what she's thinking about here because she loses to some bluffs like like king queen queen jack types of things too. I vote no. I call. Oh. She calls. <laughs> Poor Bart. 
<laughs> Bart is just he, he's just beside himself. She calls. He's just he can't believe it. I don't blame him. That would be my reaction to watching this. Like when I watched this, I didn't have this suspense because I had already heard what happened. But uh, for Bart, he's like, "What the hell?" She calls. So yeah, there's still one card to come. This is not a river call. This is a turn call with jack high no draw for one hundred nine thousand dollars into a pot that she has already put uh, much less than 30000 into. Never once, but it's up to you. Yikes. Oh, my God. So he still doesn't see her hand. This isn't like tournament style where you turn over your hand immediately. They both have their hands face down. So Garrett, a little bit nervous because he only has eight high. And now they're asking about how many times they want to run it. Now, they're not referring to Phil Galfon's site, Run It Once. They're referring to something that is done in these televised cash games and also sometimes in just these bigger cash games that are not on stream where because there's a lot of variance as far as these huge pots, players will sometimes agree to basically deal two or more rivers and then split the pot that way. So this way, if they go one and one, then they split the pot 50-50. If one person wins both, then they keep the whole thing. If the other person wins both, they keep the whole thing or they can do it three ways. You can just do multiple rivers that basically replays the river several times once they're already all in. And that's just to bring down variance so a bad beat doesn't define the whole hand. So Garrett's saying that he'd like to run it twice and probably because he would like to have at least one shot out of the two to get that monster draw to hit. He knows that with this draw being so big, then there's a good chance that one of the two at least will hit. And he doesn't know what she has, but that's what he's hoping for. And she hasn't answered yet. Now, truthfully, this doesn't matter as far as odds. Your odds don't increase to win the hand because you run it uh, more than once. It just will bring down the variance. So rather than the one river dealt, meaning you get 100% or 0%, the multiple rivers will mean that you can win 50%, 33%, whatever, of the hand without having to worry about one card meaning the whole thing. That, that's all they're doing. They're not changing the odds here. So, for variance's sake, he's saying that he liked to run it twice. Let's see the hand. So far, so good. What is going on here? Once, but it's up to you. Oh, so he's actually saying I prefer once. I thought he said twice, but okay. She prefers once, or he prefers once. I guess she wants to do it twice. (laughs) They haven't showed their hands yet, though. (sighs) Is it possible that her hand might be misread in the card graphics or something? Because I have a shitty hand. You do? Yikes. <laughs> you do? Yikes. Now, he's not saying yikes. He's thinking to himself, okay, good. I'm in better shape than I thought. Because, for example, uh, if she had a boat, then he would be drawing almost dead. He'd have to get a straight flush to beat her. Or at least even if she had a 10, then that really brings down his outs. But uh, the shittier her hand, obviously, the better position he's in. And he's probably shocked to know that he was actually a favorite here. Got it. Three. Okay. Yeah, three? What? No. No. I just thought he's. I'm, 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 this is a pure bluff catcher. Okay, a pure bluff catcher. Okay, so at this point, I want you to remember this. At this point, right there at the two eleven fifty nine mark, 
And you can find this on the Hustler Casino Live YouTube channel, this entire stream. But this began around, I think, like 2.10.45. Right now, we're just at about the 2-hour, 12-minute mark. And you can see the entire way this went down. And you will hear right at this point here, 2.11.59, she said, this is just a bluff catcher. Well, yes, that's true. It is true her hand is shitty, as she said. It is true it's just a bluff catcher. So she knows right here that she has jack four. There's no question. With jack high? But, but... Yeah, I don't, I don't have, I, I, I think he has to be. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go to the river. The river is a nine. Okay, now, Jar- Garrett knows he's lost. The, the river being a nine makes the board 10, 10, 9, 9, 3, and only two clubs. So he has eight high. So as long as she has a card in her hand that's above 10, then he has lost. Or if he has a, a sorry, above eight, he's lost. She has a 9, 10, jack, queen, king, ace. Then she's won the hand, or she has pocket threes, she's won the hand. So he knows he's screwed here. He knows it's highly unlikely that she can't beat eight high. So she did win this. He knows he lost this, but he hasn't seen yet what she has. She doesn't know that she has won it. She's not going to assume that jack high is going to win, but let's hear the rest. It's not fucking that one's you, for that sure. They're going to run it twice. She's going to... So it's funny. They both think they lost. Garrett says that one's you for sure because he's got eight high. And she says, I don't think so because she didn't hit anything. She didn't hit a jack or a four. So she's thinking, OK, what can I beat here? So this kind of shows that she doesn't think he has eight, seven of clubs. And she doesn't think he has seven, six of clubs because she's already saying she doesn't think she won it. Small pair. Yeah, she's a three you, you give me that much credit? Small pairs referring to like if he had pocket five, she had pocket fives, pocket sixes. Well, that would lose to eight seven here because there's already two pairs on the board, tens and nines. So that would give her six high or five high if she has a fives or sixes in her hand. So he says small pair, and he she says you give me that much credit. Almost like she has far worse than that hand, at least coming into the river, and th- th- I guess that's the truth. I don't know. I uh, she's good with the first one. She doesn't want to turn it over. So someone else at the table saying, turn it over. They, they want to see. This is a huge pot. They want to see all the drama. And she's like, no, no. And she's kind of holding her cards back. She doesn't want to turn it over yet. But she doesn't have to yet. She just has to to collect the pot. <laughs> if the cards are correct. <laughs> and the second river is. And the river breaks out again. The river's an ace of spades. So again, she wins with Jack High. And again, Garrett has eight high. So Garrett knows he's lost now for sure. But of course, she doesn't know that she's won the both. Oh, my eight God. Oh my so Garrett's God. the first one to turn over his hand and shows the eight, seven of clubs. So, okay, that's a very nice thing to see if you've made this incredibly dumb play that somehow it worked out and you won this entire pot running it twice against a monster draw like that with Jack High no draw. But that's what she did. So he hasn't seen her hand yet, but she has seen his. <laughs> I need. I want to see. Does she have Jack Four? She had four Jack What? Whoa! Now Garrett just the smile on his face, kind of the phony smile he had, even though he knew he lost this big pot. The phony smile he had, and the pleasant demeanor vanished. All of a sudden. He has this look on his face like, oh, my God, what just happened? And he seems very, very upset, very upset, 
very suspicious, very angry. <laughs> Everybody's laughing except him. Whoa, that's look at Garrett's face. That is yeah, that's a fucking poker right there. That was sick. Wow. That's strange. That was sick. Oh shit. That is super, super strange. You can see his reaction. Like what is well, he's not saying anything. Man. Just sitting there quiet. Very nice to fucking stupid. Jacob, you look like you want to kill me. I'm mean, not Jacob. I'm mean, like you look like you want to kill me, Jacob. Uh, she's right, he kinda does. He's silent, he's saying nothing, and keep in mind, he wasn't being a sore loser before he saw her hand. He was still, I'm sure he was kind of pissed off inside, but he was still putting on the fake, jovial, friendly guy act, and as soon as he saw her jack four, he just went silent with a really, really angry look. He wants to vomit. (laughs) I was not in the hand, I want to vomit. (laughs) Wow. I'm speechless. I mean, I'm speechless. I mean, usually Garrett would be fairly congratulatory if somebody made a hero call like that, but he seems somewhat disturbed here by what just happened. I don't. Call of the year right there. It's literally like the sort of most disturbed look that I've ever seen Garrett give. And obviously the reason why he would be that is how how can she call? Like maybe he thinks that she she saw his hand somehow or so, I, I don't know. Yes, that's exactly what he was thinking. We're going to find that out shortly. So yes, Garrett is sitting there thinking, did I just get cheated? He's sitting here thinking, there's no way she could have made that call with jack high, no draw on a 10-10-9-3-2 club board for all that money, unless somehow she knew that he had eight high himself. He had a huge draw, but he still had eight high. He's thinking that's the only way she could have made this call. And what do you know, it works out and she ends up winning both sides of the run it twice. So he is just beside himself. He's furious. He doesn't know what to say, doesn't know what to do. He's super angry, still hasn't uttered a word yet. <laughs> nothing, I think nothing happened. The flop goes uh, bet call, the turn goes bet raise shove call. Oh, like what? What do you mean? He, that's him talking about the action there. This is the first thing he's saying. Like, like, wait. Now he's quiet again with an astonished look on his face. I don't, I don't understand sort of what's happening right now. So that's his first form of an allegation. It's not a direct allegation. I don't understand what's happening right now. So that's not saying I don't understand why you made that call. I don't understand what's happening means there's something weird about this whole thing. In Garrett's opinion. That's what he's trying to say. I don't understand how this whole thing could have gone down this way if this was normal poker. There's something that just isn't right. This is a new pot, right? If my jack was in a club, I would have been out. So she's starting to give justification. If my jack wasn't a club, I would have been out. Now that's a little bit weird because she can't make a flush. This is on the turn. She has a single club, and there's only two clubs out there. She can't make a flush. She can't make a straight. 
only thing she could make is a pair of jacks or a pair of fours. That's it. So she said, if my jack wasn't a club, I would be out. And that's kind of weird, right? What do you mean if your jack wasn't a club? Yeah. You know, you've let me do this to you several times now. Yeah. So this is when the taunting starts. You know you've let me do this to you several times now. So Garrett is the most successful player on this Hustler Casino live stream. He's just crushing it all the time. He also was extremely successful on Live at the Bike. He's a legend in this streamed high-stakes cash poker world. He also was on Survivor nine years ago, by the way. But he is someone who everyone looked up to as far as his cash game skill on these uh, televised streams. Now, I will say, tournament-wise, he doesn't have much results. He has like 170k total in tournament caches, and he just doesn't seem to play tournaments very often. But on these streams, he just dominates. And here she is mocking him, despite having made a horrible play, she's mocking him that she's, she's doing this to him several times, that she's just crushing him. She's reading his soul. So she's now needling him about it. I don't, I don't know what's happening. I'm just testing it. Yeah. This doesn't seem super funny to me, and honestly. I, no, like, when you, bet, when you bet that, like, high big yeah. stack, why do you go on a high twice? I thought you were on ace high. Ace high. Okay. Keep in mind, she said that there, too. I thought you were on ace high. Well, then that makes the call even worse. If she thought that he was on eight high or seven high, it's still not a good call because you can't be sure, but at least she's almost 50-50 to win the hand. But she said she thought he was on ace high, in which case it makes no sense because then if they both miss, then she still loses. The only way to call against a monster draw is if you think that if the draw misses and you miss, that you win. But that wouldn't be the case if he were on ace high. Like if he had, let's say he had ace six of clubs. Well, that would give him a very big advantage here because she could not win without a jack or a four. And it couldn't be a club either. It could not be a four of clubs. So that would give her very few outs. So why would you put all that money in? That's far bigger than the existing pot if you thought he's on ace high. So that's something people were focusing on as well. Uh-huh. And then so why call a jack eye then? First of all, <laughs> a little bit of a straight draw. I have blockers on there. No, 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 no. On the turn, though. So you called all in on the turn because... because yeah, yeah. you don't have shit. That's right. She you thinks you can't shit. be a jack high. Oh. That was Eric Person. What, what I have. It's, what I was like. it's about what I don't think you have when you play against 50. me. Eric Person defending this a little bit. She's talking about blockers. Now, let me quickly explain what a blocker is for those of you that don't know. A blocker is a semi-advanced concept in poker where you're looking at a hand that you have and thinking about what your opponent has and thinking that you having a certain card in your hand makes it less likely that they could have uh, something that they would be going for in their hand. So a blocker can be one of two ways. It can either be that uh, you already have a card that they are likely looking for, and so that takes away some of their odds to hit, or that it's less likely that they have a hand with that card as well. So a good example of this here, with her talking about the blockers, and Eric Person just mentioned it, is that since she has Jack of Clubs, she knows that there's no way he's being aggressive here with Jack Queen of Clubs because 
he can't have that since she has the jack of clubs. So she knows he can't be doing this with jack queen of clubs or jack eight of clubs. It's impossible for him to have that. So she can cross that out as far as possibilities in his hand where he could be going all in against her. So then she could have reasoned, okay, well, if I know he's not doing this with Jack Eight of Clubs or Jack Queen of Clubs, which would be a disaster against my Jack Four, but since I've got the Jack of Clubs and he doesn't have that, if he is doing it with a draw, then it's probably on the lower end, she may think. So she could think, well, maybe he has Eight Seven of Clubs, which he did, or maybe he has Seven Six of Clubs, or King Queen of Clubs, he could do it with Ace King of Clubs. Um, There's a number of things he could still have that would beat her, but there's a number of things he could still have that would be drawing that wouldn't be beating her. So maybe that's what she meant, but that's not what she's verbalizing here because she said she thought he had ace high, which wouldn't make any sense. So she's just kind of spouting off reasons. The only thing she could say, and it would still be a horrible play, but the only thing she could say that would not be as horrible would be, well, I have the jack of clubs, so I eliminated any hand with the jack of clubs that you could be getting aggressive with, so I thought you probably had lower clubs. Okay, you know, that would at least be a reason. But she's all over the place with her reasoning, and he's detecting this, so this is making him more and more suspicious, that even if you follow her reasoning, it doesn't make sense what she did. You let me do this to you post-stream, too, last time we played. Yeah. I'm like, keep letting me... I mean, obviously, I'll just say it. Gary thinks that this hand was not straight in some way. I mean, there's no doubt about it. This is the most disturbed I've ever seen Garrett at the table. And and I don't think, and I think Andy's disturbed too. He 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 doesn't. If you looked over there, it's like, well, what what just happened here? Now we've got uh, Andy stacks at the table. We've talked about him before too, but he's a frequent high stakes stream player as well. And he has not said anything. He's just sitting there stone-faced himself. He's not accusing her of anything. He's not getting involved in the conversation. But he looks kind of nervous. Not nervous, but he looks kind of concerned, shall I say. Everybody else, uh, they're not really acting concerned. Uh, Phil Ivey's at the table. So far, from what I've seen, he hasn't said anything. And I, I already mentioned Eric Persons at the table. You're not the only one that gets lucky sometimes, Garrett. You don't have to get that upset. She's taunting him again. Robbie did that for Andy. Robbie did that for Andy last night. She did that for you. I'm putting me in this. Honestly, I don't know what's going on right now. So Andy finally has to comment because Eric Person says she did this for you, Andy, referring to getting Garrett because Garrett from the previous night ran Andy off of Pocket Kings with a bluff. And I think that's what he's referring to. So Andy's going, oh, don't bring me into this. I have nothing to do with this. Yep. That was the most insane poker hand I've ever Andy. Not, that can't, like, that's not a poker hand. That wasn't. I, I, I played you and not the hand. What's the yeah, problem? Played I played you. So don't let me play you. She said this later on on Chicago Joey's show that she's playing him. She kept saying, I played the man when she was on Joey's show, which you'll hear later. But she's telling him right now, I played you. I played you, not the hand. Which sounds good if you don't know much about poker, but that's nonsense here. It doesn't make any sense. You can play the player only if your play also makes sense. If you're trying to play the player and you're not understanding where you are in the hand, then you're just playing yourself. Oh, just don't let her play you. (laughs) 
I mean, I don't know if that's a function of that she thought she could call. I mean, yeah, okay. The reason why this is, of course, so strange is that. But she had the blocker to the straight force draw. That's boom, that's the key card. Eric, you done? I saw that shit. It kind of looks like Eric is just enjoying laughing about this the, both her weird explanations and also Garrett being upset uh, Eric just kind of like uh, needling everyone here yeah. <laughs> there's some reason you did it there's multiple reasons I did wow. it you only needed one you thought Jack High was good that's like some spiritual like guide from outer space I ran it twice because like, I didn't think your Jack High something? could like, be good oh, like, that is like you have been involved that moment. But it was. I know. Yeah. That doesn't make a lot of sense either. I ran it twice because I didn't think Jack High could be good. Well, what were you hoping to hit then? If Jack High isn't already good, you could be drawing dead in so many ways there, or you could be drawing very thin. So why do you really want to run it twice then? It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay, now that's an important statement. Most men just bluff me, and I'm used to it. Remember that too. So a few things to remember so far, aside from the weird way this hand, hand went down. She said that she didn't have a three. She said that she didn't have a very good hand. She was pretty convinced she lost when the board was 10 10 3 9 9. You know, she actually had won, but she had thought she lost. And that she th- said she put him on ace high, which is weird. And that men are always trying to bluff her. Remember all these things because it will be important later. I, it's a situation where it's like is it possible that she just doesn't know this is what's got to be going through Garrett's mind the streamers have gone crazy does she just not know that she can't call with Jack High there and that a bunch of bluffs beat her or was the hand not straight in some way we are on YouTube no I mean it's going to be a clip Oh, that's <laughs> but both Garrett and Andy. It's all on its own sorry, right there. So sorry. <laughs> right, sorry. Fucking right. amazing. <laughs> oh, that's right. Think that The game's going on now. They're playing another hand, and Garrett's just sitting there looking shocked. He's oh. still looking shocked. Get a therapist in here or what? Get a therapist in here or what? Referring to Garrett needing a therapist. She's really just needling him hard. And I'll say this. When I play poker and I put a bad beat on someone or I make a really good hero call against someone, which this wasn't, by the way, but I, I have had all those situations. I don't sit there needling them or laughing at them or making fun of them about it or saying they need a therapist. If they're going to sit there pissed, I let them sit there pissed. And I actually try not to talk about it. <laughs> I need one after that. At least I don't 82% much. of the time he's going to make something on two boards. <laughs> I don't feel so hungover anymore. I don't know if that stat's true. It might be true, but Eric Person saying that with that monster hand that uh, 82% of the time he's going to win at least uh, one of those two. And he f- did not. <laughs> oh, man. Wow, look at Garrett. He's just, he's like, oh, he's like, he's like, like he's seen a ghost almost. You know that there's all kinds of things going through his head. Now, I have a lot of experience with this. 
from years ago with the possibility of someone possibly seeing the cards. And we saw this whole sample from Robbie today. Remember, she called drawing dead with the Jack Eight of Diamonds, so it's just really strange. What Bart is referring to there without directly saying it is if she's cheating, then why did she call drawing dead earlier on the turn, also against Garrett, with that Jack Eight of Diamonds, that even if she made her diamond, she was going to lose and then probably be expected to put in more money. So if she can really see the cards and is cheating in some way, why would she ever call the turn drawing dead? <laughs> see, never on that other hand. Ever. First time. You had me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had to look at it twice. Just like, <laughs> Eric's going to bet 17000 here. And obviously it's much different if she had ace high. If she had ace high and raised the turn and he jammed and she somehow thought, like let's say she had ace king and she somehow thought he was bluffing, that would make sense. But that just doesn't make sense with Jack Four. Look at this. This is crazy. They zoom in on Garrett at this point. And you see his very pouty, sad face. In fact, people have been sharing that all over Twitter. Okay, so let's discuss this somewhat. But before we get to discussing the hand itself and was there cheating and everything else that happened after this, there's a lot more to the story. I want to take a moment to discuss my impressions of Garrett and of Robbie Jade Lou, who I just became familiar with this week. Robbie, that is. Garrett is obviously an excellent cash player. He's been really successful in these high-stakes streams, and there's no question about that. I'm not going to discuss his poker ability. It's well-known in the poker community that he's an excellent cash player. So let's uh, skip past that, aside from just saying he's an excellent cash player who is crushing these stream games constantly. But what about Garrett the person? Well, Garrett is someone who kind of appears in a lot of ways to be like the perfect guy. Garrett has a very even temperament, He doesn't seem to get rattled, except here. But he doesn't seem to get rattled. He congratulates people on nice hands, even when he's lost a lot of money to them. He never causes a scene at the table. Even when people get nasty with him, as I've played before on this show, he uh, stays very calm. On his Twitter, he acts very humble. And he also shows that he has a rich life out of poker. So this is not a guy whose entire life is poker, and he has nothing going on outside of that. So he's married, he takes all these uh, vacations to beautiful spots. You can see on his Twitter, there's a picture of him ballroom dancing, I assume with his wife. It's a black and white picture, and he's uh, dipping her all the way to the ground and pointing to the camera with a big smile on his face. So you can see that Garrett is a well-rounded individual, not only a great poker player, but a great ballroom dancer, too, who has a great time while he's doing it. This is a guy who comes off as very zen, very in touch with his feelings, very empathetic, not arrogant at all despite his tremendous poker success and all the respect the community gives him, has a very, very nice demeanor at the table, is always polite to everybody. Isn't this exactly what we want for poker? 
Isn't he a wonderful human being? Well, I'll tell you. When I see people who don't show emotion at the table, when I see people who always seem to be putting on a face of being happy and calm and respectful and nice and never arrogant or full of themselves, you know what I sometimes think? This person might be a phony. You're a phony! Hey, this guy's a great big phony! Because that's not human. I like to see the human side of people. I don't necessarily want to see the worst side of them, but I want to see that they behave like a normal human being. And when they seem to be dedicated to showing everybody how perfect they are at all times, you do sometimes wonder, is there some sort of darkness being hidden? Are they putting on this perfect act because there's a lot they don't want you to see? I'm not saying that's the case with Garrett, but I kind of started getting that impression. In fact, Garrett also, unlike many poker players, he takes very good care of himself. Now, I, I thought he was over 40, but it turns out he's only 36. Somehow I heard he was over 40, and I'm thinking, wow, he looks great for over 40. Well, I guess he's not over 40. He's 36. But still, he's not really young. But when he was on Survivor, he had his shirt off all the time, and he had uh, all these muscles, and uh, he had this great physique physique with a six-pack abs, and uh, you still see these days he's in very good shape, and he's very muscular, and you can tell this is a guy who takes very good care of his body when he's away from the poker table. You just look at him and you go, okay, is he like the poker player with the perfect life off the felt as well, or is there more to him? Is there more to him that we're not seeing? And I've always kind of wondered that. I don't dislike him. I've never met him, to my knowledge. If I have, I don't remember meeting him, but I don't think I've ever met him, and we've never interacted, so I don't have any beef with him. I just have kind of wondered, is there like more to him? And we did get a bit of a glimpse of this at the end of 2021, when he had disappeared for a while and then finally reappeared on Twitter. He hadn't been on stream, he hadn't been on Twitter, he's just kind of gone he reappeared in December of 2021 and announced that he had been gone for several months because of very, very bad depression. Well, this isn't something I laugh at or look down upon because I went through very, very bad depression and very, very bad anxiety at the same time, like at a very high level for both in 2018. And most of you know about that. And those were the worst three months of my life by a wide margin. And even though I'm much better now, it actually was so bad it did some permanent psychological damage to me, which I will never get over. So I can feel for anybody who goes through that. And mine was unusual in that I was able to break out of most of it. And also I had never had that prior to when it occurred at age 46. So mine was unusual in its timing and presentation. But most people who are experiencing depression like that, and obviously he doesn't have depressing things in his life, to my knowledge, he just seems to have clinical depression, which is not related to the way your life is going. It's just a, a chemical disorder in your brain. So it's something usually hereditary. Usually it appears first between ages 13 and 26, and then you're stuck with it. And you can sometimes control it with medication, sometimes you can't. But Garrett was saying the depression was so bad, it basically crushed him and he had to take a break and leave for a while and uh, that he was back, that he's feeling somewhat better now. But that was the first indication I saw that Garrett wasn't living a charmed life on and off the felt. That was the first 
human thing I saw out of Garrett, that he was having major problems with depression. Again, I was not looking down on it. I went through it myself, and it was awful. And I wouldn't wish this upon Garrett or anybody. But it was interesting. The first thing I saw out of him that was indicating he was human. But he seemed to be somewhat better and had returned to the streams. And Hustler Casino Live was going by that point. But from this whole thing, we start to see some sides of Garrett. And not yet. At this point, he's just kind of suspecting something was wrong, which is understandable. This is a very weird hand. I've never seen anything like it. So, yes, I understand why he thinks something is wrong, and I don't blame him for being suspicious, especially because it's on a live stream where the whole cards are being read by the system. Given the whole thing that happened at Stones, it's understandable why he is very concerned, especially with a new player in the game that's only her third time on the stream. So I understand why he is bothered right now, and there's nothing wrong with that, and I would feel the same way if I were him there. But uh, after that, the way he behaves is not appropriate, and we'll get to that soon. But I just mentioned the possible darkness he could have been hiding before this, and I'm not just talking about the depression. I'm talking about something beyond that, to where maybe the Garrett that we see presented to us is not the real him. So that was uh, kind of what I was thinking about him before all of this occurred. Now, Robbie J. Lou, I had no opinion of before because I didn't know her. But from seeing her here, I get a lot of impressions right away. So, I don't know if you've seen the images or video of her, but she is in her late 30s. I have since found out she's 38. She clearly had plastic surgery done. She has a low-cut shirt on showing her boobs, which look like they were done as well. Looks like she had uh, plastic surgery there. She is wearing either very, very tight pants or leggings. She is trying to show off her body on the stream. There's no question. She's trying to get attention with her body. If you go to her Instagram, you see a lot of pictures like that as well. But beyond that, I noticed that she has this paranoia that she is being bluffed by men, that she's being pushed around at the table by men, that men don't respect her bets. Men think that she's a weak girl and they can just uh, raise her and she's going to fold. And she's got to take a stand against these men that are pushing her around, which I've seen before, by the way. I've seen female players before whether it's an accurate assessment or not, believe that men are trying to push them around and feeling like they have to take a stand more because they are female. So this is definitely her impression. She says it here. She says it other times. So she seems to have this paranoia that men at the table are raising her a lot and that she's a weak girl. Weak meaning not physically, but uh, the way she's going to play poker. So that's one thing I noticed. The needling and everything that she's doing of Garrett and her general demeanor, she seems to be fairly arrogant about her poker play. She seems to think she's this great soul reader, that she can play the player, not the hand, and she can be successful that way. That she knows when you have it, she knows when you don't, and she can see right through you, and that she's going to beat you this way. And she's a great player, you just don't realize it yet. And she's very proud of herself, and when she does this to you, she lets you know it. She lets you know that she's beating you because... She can see right through your bullshit. So she doesn't just quietly see through your bullshit and beat you. She wants you to know it. Now, obviously, this isn't true because uh, she played this hand horrendously. And I saw other hands she played in this stream horrendously. But this seems to be what she thinks, or at least this is the persona she is presenting. It's a very brash, in-your-face, obnoxious, hey, I keep 
doing this to you and I keep beating you. And she even mentioned she did it to him, quote, off stream another day when it was something which wasn't shown on the Hustler Casino stream. But when they played after the stream was over and she was telling Garrett, hey, I do this to you all the time. I, I crush you all the time by bluffing you or picking off your bluffs. And you don't even know it. And she throws that right in his face after he's lost that massive pot. So that's kind of off-putting, you know? She wants to be really brash and really in your face about her tremendous reading skill. Now, this is her right to do. In these televised games, they, they do like when they have players with personality. But it isn't very friendly, and it's not a very nice way to behave. I just kind of get the impression that she constantly feels like she has something to prove and also has an unrealistic belief that she's a great player when she really isn't. That's kind of what I see. So let's go on here with story. Keep in mind what I said about these two players, because it's going to be relevant as we move on. Garrett continued to be very bothered about what happened. And eventually, he went and reported to Ryan Feldman that he felt there's cheating in the game. He did this off camera. He went uh, out of his seat, and he reported to Ryan Feldman that he thinks that she cheated in some way, that she knew what cards he had, and that's why she called. He doesn't know how she did it, but he kind of felt like it was stones all over again, that she knows what he has, that's why she called, otherwise it makes no sense. Now, this is fine. It's fine that Garrett, who is suspicious that someone at the table is cheating, and that he was a victim of it for a lot of money, for six figures, that it's fine he goes to one of the two people who owns the stream and who runs the game and says, hey, I think I'm being cheated here. So what can you do about this? Can you look into this for me? That's fine. Again, I would probably do the same thing. And remember, he did this privately. He didn't announce at the table, hey, you're a cheater. He got up and he went and told Ryan he suspects something. Totally fine. But here's what was not fine. Ryan then asked her to get up and talk about what had happened. Now, if it were just with Ryan, that would be fine. Again, if they suspect she's doing something that, or he's possibly doing something that is cheating, then it is important to talk to this player or throw them out of the game until they can figure out what's going on. So it's fine that Ryan went to tap her on the shoulder and get her. But what isn't fine is that she was brought out into the hallway. This is not a private hallway, but it was a hallway. It was off camera. You couldn't hear what was being said. And she had to talk to Garrett there, which is already a huge mistake. If Ryan wants to talk to her, if Ryan wants to say, what happened here? Garrett's very concerned that maybe you were cheating. So we've got to talk about what happened. I need to totally understand why you made this call. Uh, your logic was all over the place. And we're going to be scrutinizing this hand very much. Whatever. Like, if he wants to talk to her and... and just get an impression from her why she played the way she did and then go from there and maybe even ask her to show some things to prove that she doesn't have any kind of device on her or whatever it is, then that would be fine. Because they do have a high-stakes game to protect, and this hand was very weird. But to just leave her with the angry guy who thinks she cheated is not good form. That was a tremendous mistake. They should not have been put there together in the hallway off-stream. At least on stream, everybody can see what happens. So if Garrett is a dick or he's out of line or if he gets threatening, well, then it's right there on camera. But to take 
her off camera into the hallway with the guy accusing her and then just kind of backing off and letting the two of them discuss it, that's not right. Because Hustler Casino Live has the right to question her. They even have the right to remove her from the game so they can figure out what's going on. But what they should not be doing is just placing her with the angry other player who just lost to her and thinks she's cheating. Because what if she's not cheating? Then you're putting her with this dude who's furious, who thinks he was cheated, and it's very, very uncomfortable. And if she was innocent, she doesn't deserve this. She shouldn't be put with him in kind of like a semi-private scenario. Semi-private meaning, again, it's not uh, somewhere in the back room, but it's off stream. And they're having a conversation like in a hallway. So she shouldn't be forced to talk to Garrett in the hallway. She can be told Garrett would like to talk to you in the hallway, and then she can say yes or no. But to actually bring her there and say, okay, you, know, you two talk, that's not good. So that was a mistake on Husser Casino Live's part. Well, we don't get to hear or see what happened in that conversation. However, Ryan Feldman told two different people afterwards that he overheard part of it. And I believe him. I believe that he did overhear this. So he told both Matt Berkey and his partner, Nick Vertucci. Remember, he's the co-owner of this, Nick Vertucci, along with Ryan. He told them both, and both of them relayed it in days since. So I'm not just guessing this, and it wasn't told to me privately. This was uh, said publicly by both of them, that Ryan said that he heard they were going back and forth, and then Garrett said, this is going to be seen by millions of people. So he was accusing her of cheating and saying that this hand is going to be seen by millions of people, basically saying that this is going to be very embarrassing for you, that millions of people, well, it's not going to be millions, by the way. Well, maybe now that it became such a big story, but had this not blown up into a huge thing, this wouldn't have been uh, seen by millions of people. But he said, this is going to be seen by millions of people, he said. And the implication was that you're going to be known far and wide everywhere as a cheater. So she started getting very nervous, you know, cheating or not. If, if you think you're going to be presented this way to millions of people, you're going to get nervous, right? So she said, well, what can I do to make this better? And he said back, according to Ryan, well, you could give me my money back. And then with that suggestion, she actually did. She gave him back $135,000, the amount he put in the pot. She gave him a refund. So it was like the hand never took place. Remember, they were the only two in the hand because it was small, big, small blind versus big blind. She refunded what she had won from him in full. She said, what can I do to make this better? He said, well, you could give me a refund, and she refunded it. Now, Garrett disputes this. Garrett says that he did not ever ask for a refund. But Ryan says he heard it, and what is not in dispute because Garrett has admitted the second part, that he did get the money back. So there's no question. Garrett has already admitted that he got that 135k back from her, which is insane. It's more insane than the hand itself. And that's where I feel the poker community is making a huge mistake, because that is not getting enough attention. The biggest part of this whole thing is not whether or not she cheated to win that hand, which we will discuss during the segment, but the biggest thing to me is that she gave him the money back and he probably asked for it. Unless Ryan was wrong with what he heard, she said that he said that and Ryan said that he said that. He said that he didn't say it, but I think I believe he said it. But even if he didn't say it, he got a refund for a hand he lost 
And yet there is no concrete evidence or even circumstantial evidence that she cheated. Spoiler alert, in this whole segment, at no point are you going to hear any kind of concrete or even circumstantial evidence that she cheated, nor will there be any other hand I present to you that she played in the same way. And yet, he got a refund for $135,000 by pressuring her in the hallway. That is crazy. That is insane. That should not have happened. I will tell you right now that should not have happened. That is a horrendous thing to have happened. That from an unproven cheating allegation from player to player, that one of them is pressured into refunding the other. Not by the casino. I believe that Hustler never pressured her. I believe Ryan never did. I believe Nick never did. But Garrett seemed to have, and she gave it back. And Hustler knew she gave it back. Well, there's more to this. She was not there alone. She had a friend in the game, someone also who was not known to the poker community. This is a guy who goes by Rip. Rip was wearing a cowboy hat, and his real name is Jacob, and he is apparently Jake Paul's boxing manager. You know Jake Paul, the social media star who then started to get into MMA and boxing? Apparently Rip is the manager of the boxing part of it. He claims that, and people have found pictures of him like with Jake Paul at the boxing ring, so there's probably truth to that. He has some involvement with the Jake Paul boxing thing. And as you'll hear later when I play a segment of her on the Chicago Joey show, she admits that Rip was staking her, at least 50%. So Rip had some of this action, which meant if she gave back 135 k to Garrett, that at least 50% of that was really Rip's money. And Rip is in the game, too. Now, I don't know if it was disclosed to everybody that they that he was staking her, but that's the least of the issues here. But obviously, Rip is going to have some things to say about this when he finds out. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to fast forward this whole thing to the 254.19 marks. This is about 34 minutes past what I last played you. 254.19. And you're going to hear Rip getting really agitated about this whole thing. And what Rip's going to do is he's going to actually get up, approach Garrett and Robbie after she had given him the money back. I'm not sure how he found out, but he found out that she had just given the money back and he's furious about this. And he jumps up and confronts Garrett about this and is understandably angry because, of course... Half of this is her of his money, and maybe it could even be more than half if maybe he was taking her more than fifty percent. So listen to this. What is that? That that's Rip out there. So they're starting to hear commotion. There's a hand going on, but the, everybody kind of stops playing the hand. Everybody turns their back, whose back is to it, and everybody else facing it turns their head that way, and uh, you see Rip. And his cowboy hat, which is now off his head, he's holding his cowboy hat, and you just hear kind of yelling. With the hat? What is he doing out there? He seems heated about something. I think that's what she did. Well, she definitely gave the money back. I saw it. But like, yeah, she took it from the rack here. She, it was her rack. She gave him $150. Okay, I see. So I guess she came to the rack, took out the money and then brought it over to Garrett, and he took it, and they saw that. So as soon as Rip saw that happening, 
he deduced what had occurred, that Garrett had pressured her into giving the money back, and then he jumped up and ran over there to both of them. What? What is going on? That's rip. That's fucked up, man. You know what he's yelling at Garrett. This guy fucking takes the money back she won from you? No. This guy fucking takes the money back she won from you? No, he says. He's a pussy. You are a fucking pussy. <laughs> he yells at Garrett, you're a pussy. You're a fucking pussy. I'm out. What is going on he here? Give her the fucking money back. He made her fucking give him the money back. This is really unanticipated. Yeah, fuck that. I'm out. I don't play in this fucking shit. So at this point, Rip's saying he's going to quit. I'm out. I'm not playing in this fucking shit. So he's visibly angry about this. He's really, really furious. He fucking made her give the money back. What do you mean made her? How do you he, make... He, he how fucking do you, told her to give the money back and accused her of cheating. How do you make someone give the money back? I don't understand. That's Andy asking, how do you make someone give the money back? Which is a good question. And he's saying that he accused her of cheating. I don't know. He took it. She fucking... He, he, he somehow talked her into giving the fucking but money. Why would she be willing to do... If she didn't cheat, why would she be willing to give why, the money why back? Why are you... And if she did cheat, why isn't she being arrested? Why was she giving the money back? Yeah, that's the understand. thing. I mean, <laughs> that's like, strange. That's too. Like, like, how but which is it? <laughs> There's only two outcomes here. <laughs> the fuck okay. is going on? Um, it's eight to call. <laughs> They're trying to play the hand as this is going on. Wow, man! I told you this game's fucked up. I warned you guys. What happened? Here? This game's fucked up. Call, call, and you're out <laughs> you just lost him too. Like, what's going on? The hell? Yeah, there's three people up from the table now. You have Rip, who's yelling about this. You have Robbie, who's up from the table, and you have Garrett up from the table. All three of them are there together off camera. Now Garrett returns at this point. Garrett re- decides he's done. He got his money back. He's bouncing. So. He is now loading the money into his backpack, or not the money, but the chips into his backpack, and he's done, and he's not saying a word. Garrett, are you okay? Nah, no. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was just asked, are you okay? He said, uh, 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 no. There's about to be like yeah. millions of things on that watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Can I some change, please? Yeah. So it kind of seems like Rip scared him into leaving. He says, it's about to be something, something I couldn't hear. But he sees that it's not just pressuring the girl anymore, that the girl's friend there, who it turns out he's staking her, is furious and is yelling at him and saying he's a pussy and just yelling, yelling, yelling. And he's like, okay, I got the money back. I'm just going to take it and leave. So he's grabbing stack by stack and throwing it the into bags. That Eric is giving is the face that I have. You had a camera in the booth here. It looks like Garrett is... Look at you, you got that shit back. Getting up. I, that's impressive. I don't know what's going on here. I think I've never seen that before. But apparently she gave the money back to Garrett, which is really bizarre. Yeah, sure. Because why would she do that? so good. I'm not even sure I want to play poker if that's how it is. You're the 100. That's really strange. That is really, really strange. You must really like Garrett. Because I'm mature. He does really like it. I do like Garrett. It's me. Man. 
Garrett now has... I told you, this game's fucking jacked up right now. Filled his backpack with chips, and he's out of here. There's no rhythm. Man. I want to play it. I don't know. I hope this game doesn't break. It's not. Andy Stack just wants the game to keep going. Break. You know, none of it makes sense. Like she calling doesn't make sense. They're giving the money back. Makes giving sense. the money makes no, even like, less how, sense. Like how can she okay. be cheating? Like there's no like there's no devices. Like there's and no way. What Andy's saying here is I don't understand how she can even cheat. We're not allowed to bring any kind of these devices to the table. It's not like it's stones where you could sit there with your phone in your lap. Here you can't do that. So how would she be getting this information? Even if someone has the information, how are they communicating it with her? He's really wondering like what's going on here. She was, like, she, yeah. So why would she give it back? I was like, my mind was blown when she made a call. But yeah. I understand. Like she gave him 125 back. She did. I know. That's what I'm saying. That's what everyone's mind's blown right here. What is going on? And the dude who we need to stick around says so he's quitting because she said like. Like, I mean, they're they're friends, business partners. So I understand, like you know, they are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this Mike guy knows that they're business partners and uh, that they're somehow associated here. <laughs> Someone else says they are. So I guess not everybody knew that. I don't know what that means. Why is that dude so heated, Rip? Anyways, Mike says they're business partner. I, I, don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. You're still hearing him yell, are you fucking kidding me? I'm not sure if that's at Ryan or Nick or if it's at Garrett or both. Right. Maybe, maybe we should take a break. <laughs> maybe we should take a break. <laughs> Someone says, they're like, maybe we should continue this game with all that going on in the background. Well... I don't know if we're going to pause the act. So then uh, about 12 minutes later, Rip is back. So he didn't quit the game as he said he was going to. And they have a discussion at the table with what happened. And Ruske here just with the call. Turn is a queen. Hey, you all right, Check. man? Check. Hey, I, I, I understand so they just your a- man, man. But so, so they just asked him, are you all right, man? I think it was Andy. And then he says, not really. Kind of what Garrett said, too, but this is Rip saying it. Garrett's long gone. You know, let's, let's, let's move on. Right. Let's play some poker, man. Yes, sir. No, I'm not, I, trust me, dude. It's, it's, a, it's been a weird weird couple hours here, you know, but let's... No, let's, the, let's the, the game. Garrett accused her of cheating. Okay. And, took, and asked her to give the money back. But why and did she, she agree, did though? I don't because understand. he said, I w- he, he threatened her that he was going to make a big deal out of it. <laughs> he said, I'm going to make a big deal out of it. And we're going to, if you're in this and this and that. Mm. But I don't understand. Like, just how, how can he prove that she cheated? Like, she was. I don't understand. Like, now she comes back and does not have the demeanor of someone you would expect who just gave away all that money. She's making some kind of weird noise. She's walking back there, kind of looking fairly happy. The one who's pissed off here is Rip. Basically, he's saying that the hustler is cheating. Exactly. That's like, he's, he's saying, saying the hustler is cheating. No, he, said, he thought I was cheating. How could you be cheating? Why'd you give the money because back? Because I why, called him. Why'd you give the money back? I said, I want minimal destruction. What's going to make you happy? He said, to give, you, give me my money back. He's a sore loser then. By the way, that was confirmed by Ryan Feldman, as I said. That, that's exactly how the conversation went. Sore fucking so, loser. So I'd like no, to get 120 from you also. I was like, I'll wear a 
cocky bitch. And I'm like, you no, know I'm, what? Take my fucking money. I'll like, put it back. Okay. Like. So this is her first explanation for why she gave the money back. Because you might think if she gave the money back after this, well, that is an admission of guilt that she got caught. And she's like, uh, how about you just take the money back and we're all good. But she's saying that she just gave it back because she didn't want to cause a disruption and that she's a, quote, cocky bitch and that she's believing that she's going to win it back. The hand blew my mind. I, honestly, it was like we just hand ever seen, but I don't understand like how you could be cheating. Like, because I misread the three, and he knows that. I I thought. Remember when I said, "Oh, our three is good enough." Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's not true. That part's not true because she checked her hand several times before making that call. She also thought that when that second nine hit, uh, well, I guess. That would make sense if she had Jack through the second nine hit. But she said she didn't have a pair of threes. She said she didn't have a pair of threes. And she also said at one point that she thought he had ace high. And she checked her hand several times. It really seems like she knew she had Jack four. She kept saying that she thought he was on a draw. She was all over the place with her explanations And apparently she did have Jack-3 the prior hand, and that is what some people who are defending her are saying, that she remembered having Jack-3 the prior hand and had forgotten that she uh, actually had another hand since then with Jack-4, which I have had happen before, where I have, especially if tired, believed that the hand that I'm currently holding is the one that was the hand before, and then I, at some point, find out the bad news that... I was confused and I had folded that hand previously and now I'm holding something totally different. So I've had that happen a few times. However, I will say this has only happened when I've checked my hand once and only check later on when the hand's over or when it's near over and realize I've made this mistake. I've never sat there checking my cards over and over in big moments and still thought I had the wrong hand. That just doesn't happen. So I don't believe this thing about she thought she had Jack-3. I think this is an excuse after the fact. And as you'll hear, her stories seem to be all over the place here. She also said, I have a really crappy hand at one point, which would imply that she had worse than Jack-3 there on the turn. Because Jack-3 would at least be beating all the bluffs and all the uh, draws. But Jack-4 would not be. So I don't believe that part of it. That doesn't mean she cheated. I'm just saying I don't believe this part of the explanation. Jack, you're the four hundred. Yeah, but do you understand you offering him and giving the money back? I just, I was like, are you gonna come back in here? He's like, no. I was like, I'll give you your money back if you go back in there and you don't ruin production and you don't like act weird and stuff. He said okay, and then Jacob flipped out on it. So this is her story that she told him that she will give the money back is when after he asked for it. Okay, I'll give it back to you if we just kind of move past this whole thing. If you just come back in, continue playing, don't bring this up again, and we'll just keep going. And later on, she's going to say to Joey that she felt that she could just win this back from him and that even though 135 k is a lot of money, that in this game, it's not a lot of money. Which isn't really true. It is a lot of money in this game. But yes, you can win it back. You can win 135 in this game easily. You can win a lot more than that. So that she just felt that in the context of the size of this game and how some of these big pots play, that she could win it back. Almost like you're bringing the fish back to the game and giving them some money to return to keep them happy just so you can win it back from them. 
<laughs> and I laugh because he's the most successful player on this stream and on the Live of the Bike stream over the last few years. So how is he the one she wants to bring back to the game? But she claims that's what he agreed to do. And then when Rip, a.k.a. Jacob, jumped up and kept calling him a pussy and yelling at him, at that point he decided to bounce. Because I, mean, I saw you give him $130,000. Is, is that not a reason to freak I'm gonna out? I'm going to that money back. I'm not bothered by that. You're, you're going to win the money back? I'm not going to deal with drama. I don't You deserved it. You won I mean, the hand. I think the I fact that, like, well, you giving him the money back, like, I just think it's, like, Makes it worse. What does this do? He's it makes it worse. Walking it makes it worse. Out. He's walking yeah, but, out and making but, it dramatic. But, I mean, He's I'm just saying, like, like him accusing you of cheating. Well, everyone like, knows why I gave my money. Lucas. Why I gave him this money back. Well, why? He was being extra, and I didn't know how to deal with it. So here, is Check. this going to calm you down? Good, go, have it. So that's been her story the whole way. That he was pressuring her, and that she was so confident in her ability that she could beat him back out of that same money or just win it back from others at the table that she's just willing to let that go. Even though it's a lot of money, she's willing to let it go to just end all the stress and all the drama. We all need to um, money on this table. Well, I respect that. But he's accusing you of something that's like very serious. Yeah. Like, he didn't. He gave into it. He was like, it would, it would just make me feel better. Yeah. Yeah. It just make you really? feel better. Yeah. He gave into it, but he still took he, the money? I was like, yeah, he's like, I don't... Like I'm gonna go three thousand. Three thousand is the best. Three thousand? Yeah, three thousand. If it wasn't accusing me, why do you take the money then? I don't know. He's upset. He's really upset. Okay. I think I would be like really shocked if that was my hand and I lost to the jack high. But like, that hand blows my mind, you know. But like, I, I just don't understand like how you could be cheating. There's no, like, you no, know. No, there like, isn't. There's that no, was already like, clarified. I'm not. Yeah, it's just, of course you're not. Over there, it's like, you did nothing There's no way. Because, like, if you're cheating, that means, like, yeah. Hustler Casino Live is, like, helping you cheat, no, which makes zero sense, right? It makes no sense. So, like, why would... Like, <laughs> here's what her hand was. So, like, that's why I don't think you should give the money, because, like, you're not cheating, right? So, Honestly, it's to calm him down, because it's... Yeah, to calm him down? <laughs> but I don't want you guys. I appreciate production and what they're doing. And so, like, in order to, like, mitigate the aggression and, like, whatever is going to make him really tilted and upset, I'm like, you know what? Is this what you need? I was like, cool. Here, have it. You have to have a lot of money <laughs> or somebody else's money to give away $135,000 to calm someone down. But that's what she's saying. For it's, eight? Like, it's almost like giving in to somebody being, throwing a tantrum. That's what it felt like. I'm like, okay, you good? Here you go. Let's play poker. Is this possible? Is this possible this is really why she gave back the money? Or did she feel like she was caught red-handed cheating and thought this is the only way to defuse it and just basically back out the whole thing? Which one was it? And this has been a source of the endless debate in poker ever since. Literally went off stream and took the money back. He wanted to talk to me. Insane. When when he talked to you about, it, he called you outside to talk to you about. It? Is that what happened? And so, what was the conversation? I explained to him my reasoning and rationale behind it. Twenty-four. I was like, he's like, well, I'm going to go. Shouldn't they give him money? What's going to make him stay? He's like, if you split it. But the thing is, it's not going to make him happy. But why did you give him the whole thing? You wanted to split it. You just gave him everything. I don't know. I don't know. Split it. What? he meant there was split the pot where they both take back what they put into the pot. So he doesn't win, she doesn't win. But that's BS. She won the pot. And had the board run outcome differently, let's say she uh, lost both hands, 
he wouldn't have given her back half. He would have kind of laughed at her calling with that terrible Jack Four and thought, okay, well, what a fish. Okay, well, I'm glad I got that money. And like what? Like I, I and Ryan, and Ryan didn't want anything to do with it. And if he wants to be a bigger man, he can oh, back and give me yeah, So she's saying here that Ryan wanted nothing to do with it, which Ryan also said. Ryan said he kind of backed away through this whole thing and let them talk, and that if Garrett wants to be the bigger man, he can come back and give it back to her. I'm not, gonna, I'm not dealing with that now. You, I told him. He, he doesn't, doesn't deserve a dime. What do you That's mean give you half? That's the he thing that, that it he doesn't make like, sense. He's upset. Yeah. But I don't think upset doesn't justify you having to like give the money back. He's like still not happy. This is my guess. straight up. He's like an ex-wife. He's never happy. They just take. If Jacob didn't go after the bottom man, the guarantee, like the agreement he had is that he's going to come back down and take up chill. The table can't believe all this. <laughs> why am I upset? Fine. I mean, like, why, why would I? Why would that make me so upset? Uh, well, now, huh? now they know. Now they know. <laughs> so he's basically trying to get it across that. He is staking her, at least somewhat. He says, why would that make me upset? And why would that make me upset? So he wants the table to realize that he's not just a psycho, that he has a vested interest here, and that he has a good reason to be upset because some of this was his money. And she said, oh, now they know, now they know. Rip is still shaking his head. Rip here with top pair against a deuce. They're playing another hand. Okay, so let me stop this here. Now, you might think that Rip and Robbie are probably dating. So she's the attractive girl at the table. They look around the same age. I said she's 38. I don't know how old he is, but yeah, 38 would be a good guess for him too. And he's staking her in this game. Clearly, she's not skilled enough to really be ready for it, but he's staking her. He's furious that the money that he's staking, 135 cages, vanished into Garrett's backpack that Garrett doesn't deserve to take. So you would think, okay, there's just some dude staking his girlfriend who likes playing poker. But she is married to a rich L.A. lawyer, and he is married to a woman, and they have a newborn son together. Hmm. Hmm. That adds a layer of complication to this, doesn't it? (laughs) Anyway... Let's skip over to her interview, because they hadn't yet interviewed her on camera regarding what happened at the 3.37.55 mark. We will hear the interview with Robbie. Hey, so I just want to explain to everybody what's going on so there's no confusion. Um, In that particular hand, Garrett was upset because he thought there had to be something going on for me to make that call. I made some references when I was on stream about why I kind of made that call. There's um, two things that were going on over there. So I'm holding the jack of clubs 
There's two clubs on the on the board. After the flop, I have a backdoor flush draw and a backdoor straight draw, which is why I made the call with the 5,000 bet that he initiated. Um, and then when the turn came, it was a three. And you will hear me say on stream, are threes any good? And the reason I said that is because I thought I was holding a jack of clubs and a three of whatever. So I thought, and I say that I think I have a bluff catcher and it's not good enough. So when Garrett shoved on me, there's multiple reasons I called that previous experience where I know that he's often bluffing. I also assumed in a hand that I also um, folded to him earlier on in the night, the same night when I thought that he was just on a draw but let him have it, that he was just on a draw, which means he did not have a made hand after the turn. And I thought that I'm holding, you know, a blocker with the jack of flood, like jack flush draw missed and straight draw missed for me. Um, so with a three as a bluff catcher sort of thing. I didn't look back at my hand to see that it was jack four. I ran it twice because I knew I was probably going to lose that unless, I don't know, anything better came than... All right, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Again, she said she only has a bluff catcher. That's not true. If you've got a three, you've got a bluff and a draw catcher. You're basically catching anything that isn't a made hand. Now, maybe that's what she meant. But having jack high no draw, which really is a bluff catcher and only a partial bluff catcher, and having a pair of threes on that board, which actually is a bluff and draw catcher, because for the most part on that board, if the person has a draw then they do not beat a pair of threes at the moment, whereas they could easily beat jack four. So this doesn't make a lot of sense. Maybe she's confused in the way she's talking, but it kind of looks like she pivoted to this I thought I had a three story as a way to explain the hand that may not really have been the way she was thinking. Doesn't mean she was cheating, but it means probably... She didn't really think she had jack three, especially because she checked her hand multiple times during that whole thing. Then, then pocket threes, I guess, or like not even pocket threes, like a, a pair of threes. And I knew I had to run it twice to have that opportunity. So we ran it twice. And unfortunately for him, I won that hand despite even having threes, which is still kind of mind-boggling to me. Um, I won that hand, though, fair and square, and it is what it is. He wasn't happy with it, and I said, Garrett, will you come back on stream? What can I do for you to come back, not make this dramatic? I really appreciate and respect production. I know it's hard work to keep everything in order. Um, there's a lot of money on the table. It's upsetting for me when I lose and win. It's upsetting for anyone. It doesn't matter how much money you have as far as bankroll is concerned, but um, it's important that like everyone is at peace and we don't cause enough disruption. So for me, I'm used to people bluffing me, which is why I often call. Um, and I know that... Garrett now, I kind of believe that part. I do believe she has this paranoia that people are always trying to bluff her. And that's a natural feeling to have when you feel like people are raising you a lot and betting into you a lot. I've had this before where I'm having a losing session and every time I'm betting, they're raising me. And I'm thinking, crap, are they just taking shots because I just keep losing every hand? And, you know, in some cases they are. But in some cases, I just keep running into real hands. 
and I talk myself into believing that they are just taking shots at me, and then I try to call them down and up. Turns out they had a monster. So I think because she's a woman, I think she is one of those women who kind of enters believing that men are going to take shots at her. And there are some women who are like that, and there are other women who think, okay, I'm going to look at this objectively, and there may be some scenarios where men do this to me, and there may be some scenarios where they don't do that at all. And I'm going to look at each time and see which men I think are really doing this and which ones are not. I think Robbie here believes that most men do this to her. I think she is paranoid about this, and I think that may have informed her play here. I think that part's true. Let's go on. He was super frustrated with me, and he wanted to talk about it. And I said, let's let's do what's going to be the most amicable ending for production as well as moving forward. In my mind, I think I'm good enough that I can win the $130,000 back. That's a lot of money. So I, just, I so the whole understanding was, please come back and continue to play. And if you feel like it's fair that I give you this money back, um, fine, have it. Come back and play, and let's just continue playing. It's just poker at the end of the day. And uh, and and I and I do think of myself in some regard that I will get that hand back, fair and square, because ultimately he didn't think it was a fair hand for him not to win and I guess maybe it wasn't a fair hand for me maybe we should have just split it right there at, and then at the table what? that's a weird thing to say why isn't it a fair hand you played it in a stupid manner but okay it worked out that's the way poker goes sometimes you can do a dumb thing and win the pot and other times you can do a very smart thing and lose the pot that's part of the game luck is a big part of the game Eventually, when you play enough, it smooths itself out, where usually the luck will kind of turn to average over time if you play enough hands, and your skill compared to the other players at the table will more define your results. But luck in the short term is a very big factor in poker. So what does she mean that I don't know. I, I'm confused by the last statement. Whatever it was, um, I was okay with giving him, him the money back. I really was. People may not feel that way. I don't like drama. I want to keep it minimal, and it is what it is. And um, I just wanted to really mitigate and reduce the level of drama that it would entice that was going in that direction. But he didn't come back, and, and that's because of uh, alternative people that felt differently about me giving money to him. I'm okay with it. I don't give a shit. I want everyone to chill out. It's not that serious. If it doesn't bother me, I, I, it is what it is. I don't feel like I should have won that hand. I should not have won that hand. That's weird. I don't feel like I should have won that hand. That doesn't mean she was cheating. He may have actually convinced her that she just didn't deserve it because she played so poorly and got so lucky. And she's like, okay, look, I kind of deserve to lose this anyway because I didn't play it well. And uh, I happen to get lucky. So fine. If this is going to end all the drama here, I'll just give you back your half. We'll pretend we didn't play it. I kind of think that's what was on her mind. I think that the call would have ultimately been okay if I was holding Jack 3 and I wasn't. And then unfortunately, I still ended up winning. And, and, and I can see where his pain is there. Um, and I think that's why I, I did it. I said, you know what? I, I can see why he's upset. And I'm okay with giving the money back. We're good. And if everyone wants to flip out about it, good for fucking you. I don't give a shit. He has his money. I'm cool. Um, and it, 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 
it wasn't, it wouldn't have been cool to call on Jack 4 personally, but I called on Jack thinking that I was holding Jack 3, and, and, and it is what it is, and I'm going to go back and play, um, and I love production, I don't want to cause any more disruption, we're good, uh, everyone can say what they want to say, but I'm cool, so me and Garrett are talking afterwards, and it'll be fine, and see you later. Well, talk about a first-person perspective. There it is. I'm, I'm still, <laughs> still a little unclear. Here's the thing that I know, at least about Garrett, is, is, is that I have a feeling that this is not going to be resolved tonight. There's going to probably be some sort of equitable thing that is... And somebody, there's just a single where the whole situation is resolved, you know, outside of tonight. Obviously, we know that she gave the entire amount back to Garrett. Obviously, Garrett can give the money back or he can give half the money back. So Bart's kind of perplexed by the whole thing, and that's understandable. Obviously, the poker world was going crazy over this because not only was there this bizarre turn call with a jack high that then happens to work out for all that money but then she ends up giving the money back and then she's acting like okay it's fine i just wanted to avoid drama i gave him back 135k and everyone's like we've never seen anything like this before and then her backer this guy rip is furious about it she's still acting like okay whatever i'll i did it it's it it's done i just wanted to diffuse the whole thing no one's understanding this. We've never seen anything like this before. So the poker world is talking big time about this. Obviously, Garrett has explaining to do at this point because he took back the money. Whether it was offered or not, he took back the money. And when have you ever seen this where someone rightfully wins a pot and then the loser gets back the money through some kind of pressure or even... Not through some kind of pressure. If you are a very successful pro who's crushing these games and then an amateur at the table makes a horrible play and gets lucky and wins 135k off of you, do you ever accept the money back even if they offer? No, you say, no, okay. Something was weird about this hand, but I don't want to take the money back. That's not how we're going to solve this. Now, something reasonable for him to have said, which he didn't say, he could have said, you know what? I don't feel comfortable with the way this all went down. I still suspect there might be cheating. I know you are insisting you didn't cheat. So how about you leave 135k with the hustler and we all sign a contract that the hustler will investigate and if no cheating's found, you get to keep the money and if cheating was found, then I get the money. Something like that. Something where it's being held in escrow while this is being investigated. But why should he get the money? Because he was alleging something, but it was not proven in any way. There was no evidence that cheating had happened. So why should he ever get the money back? And if you say, well, that hand's so weird, blah, blah, blah. I go, wait a minute. That means that anytime someone is convinced they were cheated, that you're supposed to give them back the money that they just won off of you? Of course not. This should never happen. Unless they found the proof right there that she cheated then I would say, yes, she should give the money back to Garrett right then. But anything short of that, and this was way, way short of it because nothing was found, there was no proof at all, no circumstantial evidence at all that she cheated. Why should she have given back the money? Why should Garrett have even accepted the money? So let's hear what Garrett had to say. 
but you're not going to hear it in his own words because he has not spoken anywhere. But what he has done was post a tweet with a six-part explanation on Notepad. You know, he typed it up on his phone's Notepad and then tweeted it out. So I'm going to read this to you. This is what Garrett's tweeting that night after he had left. I'll likely have more to say about what happened on today's stream later on, but a few thoughts. Poker is an extremely complicated and nuanced game. I don't fault anyone who watched the hand and doesn't conceptually understand how it's impossible to call in the turn there, but I will give you a very brief explanation, an explanation Robbie fully understands if you watch her 11 hours of prior footage. Jack-4 offsuit on a 10-10-9-3 board has very little equity on the overwhelming majority of my semi-bluffing hands, let alone all my made hands, which have her dead. Ambitious 3-bet semi-bluff all-in hands for me, like Ace of Clubs suited, even a hand as weak as Queen-Jack, I have Jack-4 drawing nearly dead. Comparing this situation to a wild Jack High River call down spot where, say, the board is Ace, King, Queen, 2, 3, have absolutely nothing in common with this situation. So he's trying to go over why this is an insane call, why Jack 4 is in such awful shape against almost everything, why this makes no sense, which I agree with, but he has to understand that she doesn't think like him. She doesn't have his skill in poker. So he can't reason this way. Furthermore, I've played and reviewed the stream from two other prior sessions with this player. Not only did she never consider making a call anywhere close to this before, but she instead very often folded bluff catchers to the river bets, only calling when her hand was quite strong. Now all of a sudden she is playing with a 10 times stack size to before and is calling a huge overshove with no pair, no draw. I'm well aware the scariest and easiest way for someone to cheat a live stream is to have a device hidden that simply vibrates to indicate that you have the best hand. I'm sure the plan was to min-raise the turn and win the hand on the river when I don't improve. But that all changed when I read her extremely weak on the turn and made an unorthodox play by raising all in. At that point, she would know she still has the best hand if she has a hidden device, and her lack of more in-depth poker knowledge made it so she didn't understand that calling there would always be a dead giveaway that she was cheating. Greed in a 270k pot, once she calls correctly, might have also played a role in the moment. Another common way of cheating is someone has the technology to know who will have the best hand at showdown by hacking into the card reader. In the end, there's obviously no way at the moment to know exactly how I was cheated. Now, he's referring to someone that could see the entire deck through the RFID transmissions that the deck does, and that she could see that overall she's going to end up winning, no matter what she's holding at the moment. And it will be extremely difficult to ever get to the bottom of it. Those that think cheating is impossible despite Hustler Casino Live's security precautions are misguided. Now, I do believe this last part, that it will be extremely difficult to get to the bottom of it, and that cheating is not impossible. I will say those are correct statements. That doesn't mean she cheated. I'm saying that it is possible cheating happened, and it's very hard to figure out whether it did or did not. The only thing I'm certain of is that there's zero chance... Hustler Casino ownership is involved. They are my friends. I trust them completely, and they would never be part of this. I would never play on any stream at all if I thought there was even a very small chance ownership or production was involved in me being cheated. It simply wouldn't be worth my time or anxiety. Now, I believe that Ryan and Nick are not involved in this, and I'll explain why later. I I agree with him. There's almost zero chance of that. As far as anyone else there, you can't dismiss it that fast, but we'll get into all that later. 
After the hand, her body language and word salad explanations, word salad meaning she was just kind of spewing words and not really meaning much, on why she called the turn on camera are extremely suspicious. After giving me a couple of jabs about how she outplayed me, she immediately becomes very defensive with nervous chatter. Putting it all together, I immediately felt very concerned about foul play. Okay, so that's reasonable so far. After having a conversation with co-owner Ryan Feldman, he amicably agreed that the three of me, Ryan, and her should have a conversation. I, I don't think this was him amicably agreeing. I think that Garrett was furious and was probably saying he's never going to play on this stream again. And Ryan's like, oh, no, we can't lose Garrett. He's a big draw. So let's uh, try to smooth this over and get her out here so he can have a conversation with her, which is a big mistake. Most of that off-camera conversation was more of her going on and on trying to justify the play in a way that came across very incriminating. Ryan then tried explaining to her that it wasn't us she needed to convince as it was about to go viral. I then said, Robbie, this is likely to be viewed by millions of people. Okay, so he admits that he said that. Her face clearly melted once I said this, fully realizing for the first time what she had gotten herself into. And then I continued, I think you know now you fucked up. At this point, we were all about to start walking back towards the stage, as I didn't know what else to do at that point, when she says to me, do you want me to pay you back what you lost in the hand? See, he's skipping something here. Though Ryan said, and she also said, that she asked, what can I do to make this right? And he said back, well, you could give me back what I lost in the hand. And then she said yes. So it looks like he modified this a bit. Knowing A, this was likely the closest I would get to a confession, and B, how impossible it was to get refunded in these cheating scandals, Postle being the best example, I took her up on her offer. Ryan neither encouraged nor discouraged her from doing this. By the way, Ryan did confirm that he didn't encourage or discourage any refund. But first of all, I think Ryan should have discouraged a refund. He should have said, no, this isn't the way things are done. And second, why is he accepting the money back? Why is Garrett not saying Hustler should hold it? Or at least Ryan and Nick should hold it. Why would it be him holding it? There's no proof she cheated. He may feel she cheated. There's no proof she cheated. There's no evidence she cheated. So why do you get the money back to hold yourself, Garrett? You shouldn't. To be clear, I never asked for a refund, he writes. Well, that's not what Ryan's saying. I never even considered asking as it would be such an obvious admission of guilt on her end. But once she offered, of course I'm going to accept my money back after being clearly cheated. No, it kind of sounds like she said, what can I do to make this right? And he gave a refund as an answer. And then she said, okay. And then he took it. By the way, he shouldn't have taken it even if it was her idea. Another note. She didn't misread her hand. She knew she had Jack 4. She looks back at her hand several seconds straight before calling. This is in direct conflict with her saying in her interview, I didn't look at back at my hand to see it was Jack 4. And he's right about that. And again, reviewing her 11 prior hours of footage, even calling her with a three would be incredibly suspicious. In fact, her line on every street was extremely out of character compared to prior hands. After getting the money I lost in the handback, her friend in the game, referring to Rip, suspiciously loses his mind at me after being nothing but incredibly cordial in her prior interactions. Well, yeah, you know why, because he was backing her. After several threats from him, I decide to walk away from the situation, Knowing I have zero interest in continuing to play today, I decide to head home. I've been in the public eye for nearly the entirety of my 20 years in poker, and my reputation in our community is what it is for good reason. If I thought there was any chance I wasn't being cheated, I wouldn't have accepted the refund. By the way, he hasn't been a well-known player for 20 years. It's more been the last, I don't know, like five, six, seven years. 
because he's been playing on these streams. If I thought there was any chance I wasn't being cheated, I would not have accepted the refund. Any chance whatsoever that she chose to repay me the 135k for any reason other than admission of guilt, I would never, ever accept the refund. That's ridiculous. If she said, okay, Garrett, you caught me, I cheated, fine, here's the money back, just don't say anything about it. Or even she implied, if she said, okay, well, maybe some things weren't right here, so how about I just give you the money back and then we'll be done. If I agree to give you the money back, will you agree that we just stop talking about it completely? And this will never be brought up again. Now, you can say that is what she's admitting, but she was saying she wanted the drama to be over. And Ryan confirms that all she asks is, what can I do to make this better? And he said, give me the money back. And she said, yes. There's one of two things that could have happened here. Either she knew she got caught cheating and asked, what can I do? And then he said, give me the money back. And she saw that as the only way out of this going viral and being exposed everywhere as a cheater in front of millions of people, that's one possibility. The other one is she didn't cheat, but she was so afraid that she would be vilified in front of millions of people of being a cheater that she gave it back. Also, she may have rationalized, I'm so good, I'm going to win it back from him anyway. It could have been either one, to be honest. But he should not be the one holding the money. It should not have gone back to him because she did not admit cheating, nor was there any evidence of cheating. And that's very important. So that was Garrett's entire statement. And aside from quoting a Doug Polk post where he posted a video analyzing this, which I'm not going to bother playing you, Garrett hasn't said anything. In the quote of the Doug Polk video the following day, he said, referring to the video, best concise summary of events, notes, she several times stated she wasn't threatened, but then tweets that she was anyway vibrating device in her pocket and then he put at Berkey 11 podcast meaning that Matt Berkey said she had that in her pocket I don't think that's what Matt Berkey said but we'll go over this uh, vibrating theory and only right that I accept her heads up for roles while retweeting Doug so later she did challenge him to a heads up challenge to prove that she's actually a decent player so we'll get to all of this getting a little ahead of ourselves here let me go to her statements she had things to say. She is Robbie Jade Lou on Twitter. R-O-B-B-I Jade L-E-W. She's followed by a lot of people. She's only following fewer than 500 people, but I happen to be one of them before all of this happened. I don't know where she knows me from or where she's heard of me, but I wasn't following her. I'd never heard of her before, but she was already following me, which is interesting. So she's tweeted a little bit, mostly retweeting things of people who were saying things in support of her in some way, but she did make some of her own statements. The first thing she tweeted was, I read the man, referring to Garrett, and made a hero call after he shoves on a turned brick card. Get over it. I'll say it again like I've said before. I'm not playing nice in the sandbox anymore. Make it right, Garrett. Or don't. Hashtag IDGAF, referring to I don't give a fuck. I've already moved on. I'll make it back either way. So there's kind of the more arrogant side of her that she's showing there. Then the following day, she tweeted, Garrett blocked me. That is on Twitter. Guilty as charged. What an honest man. He cornered me and threatened me. If he has the audacity to give me the death stare on camera, picture what he's like off camera. I was pulled out of the game and forced to speak to him in a dark hallway. Full details to come. Now, I think this is partially true. She was pulled off. She was 
kind of forced to speak to him in the hallway. I don't think it was a dark hallway. It's not like a dark alley. And I don't think he was threatening her, like, you better give me this back or something's going to happen to you. Uh, he was, it looks like his threats were of the variety of millions of people are going to see this and you're going to be known far and wide as a cheater. You just fucked up. And then she got nervous. So that I think that's the threat she was referring to. And I think this is exaggerated a bit for effect, but I definitely don't like what happened there with her being brought into the hallway to deal with him. And then she also tweeted shortly after that, and this made Twitter blow up. It has uh, 1,049 responses, 459 retweets, and 5,749 likes. Garrett, I've got an idea. After I'm vindicated, let's go heads up. The whole world can watch me read you all day. Wow. So she's actually challenging to play Garrett heads up, which he's accepted. I don't think it's going to ever really happen, but... That's what she's uh, challenging him. The rest of them were just the retweets of other people who were saying things that she thought were favorable towards her. Now, she did come on to Joey's show, which I haven't played yet. Her husband, whose name is Charles Liu, came on to Joey's show as well. I will play that too. But before we get into all of that, we do have a former Poker Fraud Alert guest who just called in, and he had told me he wants to appear on the show. This is a man who had to deal with months of knowing the police were falsely suspecting that he had been robbing the Bellagio. And uh, this was finally cleared up when the actual robber was shot dead in the process of robbing it again and trying to get away and shot at police. And that was the end of him. And it turned out it was not this guy. And he had been uh, falsely suspected. We had him on here telling you his story. He's very interesting. And now he is back on for the second time. Darren Atterbury. Hello. Hey, how are you, Todd? All right, thank you. And uh, so far, I'm getting through it okay, despite uh, not feeling totally well tonight. But uh, I know you wanted to come on and, and talk about this. I'm sorry for the delay here while I've been going over this whole long story. Hi. But uh, You're fine. No, I think it's uh, everybody, you know, the world wants to hear your perspective, and, you know, you're really good at, at doing it. I mean, it's not, uh, you know, a 12-hour podcast but uh you're condensing it so it might be by the time i'm done here but yeah (laughs) anyway (laughs) you probably wanted to come on to give your thoughts about this what are your feelings about this whole thing um yeah uh, a couple things um and i'll try to be real brief i'm not not trying to steal the show away from you but i just wanted to give a little bit of background on a, a couple different things first thing is the jake paul thing um just to be clear she's he uh rip is not Jake Paul's manager, although he is on the team. Um, so just just to clarify that, I just didn't want to miss you know miss uh, miss speak on that. Uh, I can just tell you from from my own personal experience on playing Hustler Casino Live, gosh, probably more than a dozen times, um, what it's like to play there, and how I even came on to be able to get on there, and how I got Robbie on the show as well. Um, it started a few years back, uh, me and Matt Berkey and a couple other high state regulars on the scene. Um, we play at Aria, uh, just different locations, Bellagio, Bobby's room, Ivy's room. And speaking with Berkey, I always wanted to play a live at the bike. And after he played with me probably a handful of times, he says, no, it's not going to be a problem. I mean, I don't know if you've seen my style of play, but it's, it's pretty erratic, I guess, but you know, people think that, no, I'm doing it just for TV. That's just 
I'm not. I'm no, no, I've, I've heard you're a very wild player. We've never played before, but yeah, I, I have heard that about you. Yeah, so it's, it's just an aggressive style. Um, you know, pe- people think, you know, like, you know, that uh, I'm just trying to show up, and that, it's not the case. It's just literally my style. So, anyway, make a long story short on that, Berkey said, you know, absolutely, you're on. He uh, got me connected with Wayne at Live at the Bike, got me connected with Ryan Feldman at Hustler, and uh, I played my first stream. It was a Max Payne Monday. Actually, it wasn't even called Max Payne Monday. It was just uh, just a Monday stream, the 10 20 40 no limit game. I I won. I played the following Wednesday, which is a bigger game, 25 50 50 no limit. And I did good on that one. So the first couple streams, I did pretty good. And then I played, like I said, at least a dozen times. I, I met Garrett, played with him, you know, several times. And, you know, sorry, sad to say, I, I, I you know, I lost most of my money. In fact, one stream, I lost $70,000. Um, and most of it went to Garrett. But I mean, I don't, I don't hold that against him. It was just literally my bad play. I mean, I was hero calling and hitting two pair when he had like the nut flush and that sort of thing. So anyway, I went out there and, you know, I just became a regular on the, on the Monday show. You know, it just seems easier for me to play the Monday stream and not have such a huge bankroll fluctuation as compares to the Wednesday or Thursday or even Friday's game where hundreds of thousands of dollars are exchanging hands on a constant base. Now I wanted to kind of segue into just, that was the backdrop of, of my Hustler Casino live, you know, background, but I wanted to segue into how I met Robbie and how Robbie got on. So I, about three weeks ago, they had, I don't know if you remember this, Todd, but they had the WPT out there at the bike. Do you remember that? Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I didn't play the main event, but I did, I did fly out there to play the 22 or $2,300, uh, it's a survivor and winner gets 20 grand. And, uh, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. I'm not like a super good tournament player by any stretch, but if you look at my hand and mob, you know, a lot of my caches are from playing these survivors. So I thought it was, you know, great opportunity to pick up $20,000 and there was a hundred people in the tournament and we got down to the final, like 12 people. And Robbie, my God, she had like most of the chips in play. It was ridiculous. I didn't know who she was, but she literally was playing. And you always see this in these survivor tournaments. You always see the people that they just, they think first place is going to pay more than second place or third place or 10th place for that matter. And she had like all the chips, man. Like it was just insanity. And it wasn't just the fact that she had the chips, but she was engaging in some all in situations where she didn't even have to. And like, She's guaranteed her $20,000. Now, now, let me stop here to explain to the audience. A survivor tournament is similar to a satellite where basically um, once someone cashes, everybody gets paid the same amount. So there is no first place. There, There is no second place. So right. once you've got a ton of chips, then you just fold everything, even aces, even pocket aces pre-flop. You fold everything because you can just fold into winning. Because uh, eventually the short stacks are going to have to make a move because of the blinds. They're going to bust, and uh, it'll be down to whatever number of players they're paying, and then that's it. So that's uh, one of the times when you would fold aces pre-flop is in a survivor tournament or a satellite tournament. So Darren here was playing one of them, and Robbie was in that as well. And he's saying something very interesting, that she had a tremendous number of chips where she could easily fold 
to getting the max payout, and she wasn't, that she was she, still taking chances. She, she had at least, when we're down to 10 people, she had at least, I would say, a third of the chips in play, maybe 25% to 30% wow. of the chips in play, which is extraordinary. Um, yeah, so to say the least. So anyway, I saw that, as with everybody there did. <laughs> And I, you know, of course, I uh, wanted to know more about her because I thought she'd be great for streams. You know, I did, I did, you know, I didn't know who she was. She's an unknown person. Uh, the only person that knew who she was was Pat Lyons, and you know, I'm friends with him. So I asked him about who she was, and he just said, you know, she's just uh, just just a local player, and you know, that's didn't didn't really say too much about her other than the fact that he knew who she was. So. I found out she was following me on Twitter and I reached out to her and I said, Hey, um, you probably remember me from the other day we played, but we, you know, I was curious if you'd be wanting to play on stream. I think you're, you'd be perfect for with your style of play play on stream. And she, to be honest with you, Todd, the reason why I'm bringing this up is, is it comes back to the cheating factor on motives. And I just wanted to shed some light on this, that she never sought out, to play at Hustler Casino Live. In fact, it was the other way around. I actually kind of, I wouldn't say coerced her, but um, I had to run it by her a few times. I had to, I had to uh, kind of say, hey, this, you would be great for it, and kind of persuade her, you know, and that sort of thing. So she, um, we exchanged phone numbers, and I, she says, yeah, Darren, if, if, it, uh, if you think it's a good idea, um, I'll give it a try. And I'm thinking, honestly, I'm just wanting to get her on Max Payne Monday <laughs> because that's, you know, my stake level that I'm, that I'm playing. Those are the stakes I'm playing, the 10, 20, 40, no limit. And I'm anxious to play with her. You know, I'm thinking, you know, what's in it for me, right? Um, you know, I'm thinking I could, with my aggressive play, I can go into maybe trap mode and, and play some big hands and maybe I can win some of her money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I talked to, uh, Hustler Casino Live, DGAF, Billy, um, specifically and he said you know what i'm gonna pass her information along and see what we can do so she never played max pain monday i did find out from ryan feldman and, and robbie herself that she's going to be playing the wednesday game which was i thought kind of kind of crazy just to go straight into a wednesday game um when i've never seen you know i don't know who she is but i, I was kind of intrigued so i tuned in and she was playing um that wednesday stream and she won and she was carrying herself pretty pretty decent. I didn't think she was cheating or anything like that. And I, I still don't think she's cheating. But I was shocked as hell when I found out she was going to play the, the Friday stream and then even triple shocked to find out she was playing the following week when Phil Ivey was coming in and, and these nosebleed stakes, the 100, 200, 400, 800 games. I was just like, Whoa, like I was I was literally bragging everybody. I was like, I'm the one who got her in this game, you know. Yeah, that's uh, that's you know, really interesting. Thanks. So th there's really two things of note here that you said that I don't think uh, is well known to the public here, and that is number one that she had a poor understanding of these survivor tournaments to where with that many chips she's still playing hands and jeopardizing winning when she can literally you could actually put a monkey in that seat at that point and the monkey could be trained just to take his cards and push him to fold and the monkey could cash at that point because that's all you got to do is just fold your hand you don't have to look because she had so many chips and she wasn't doing that which meant she had some missing understanding of the whole thing and then the the second interesting thing is that uh, 
you brought her into the hustler game that she didn't seek out the hustler and say, hey, let me play here. Because if they had some way to hack it or cheat, then it would make sense that they would find a way to get her on and say, hey, look, here's a pretty girl. She'll be interesting. She'll wear a low-cut shirt. You know, let's uh, let's have her on. And then the right. plan is to cheat. Here, this wasn't her idea. Here, you just saw someone you'd like right. to have in your game, and you said, hey, let me try to get you on Hustler. So, yeah, that the two very big That's things it. here. I just wanted people to hear from that perspective that might think that there might be some inside connection um, with Hustler because you have to look at all the, the facts, not opinions, but the facts. That is one of the ways that a person can collude and to cheat would be with the help of somebody there at Hustler Casino um, on the inside, obviously. Now, I don't think that's probable based upon what I just told you. Um, now, obviously, if there's still that possibility that she could, I, from what I'm hearing, um, that you can hack into the RFID um, somehow and still, without Hustler Casino Live staff even knowing, still be able to get that privy information that could come up with, you know, manipulating and, and knowing how what cards are going to come or who's going to win and that sort of thing. I don't know too much about that, but from what I'm hearing from Joey Ingram, Matt Berkey, just listening to the streams and all the people who are, you know, professionals that can comment on that, it just doesn't seem that that's, too probable either, and I think that's given her almost too much credit. Um, I, I just really don't think that that's the case, honestly. This is just my opinion. People are saying, why are you defending her? You, you only met her a handful of times. You don't know her. And Todd, that's true. I don't know her. <laughs> but I, I can only give you my perspective as I see it, and I don't think the general public um, – understand that aspect of it, that there is no connection to Hustler Casino from her other than the fact of me bringing her in there. Nobody knew her. She was an unknown person by everybody there. I mean, literally. And Ryan Feldman knows everybody. Yeah. Tucci, DGAF, I mean, these are, these are California regulars that they just know everybody. Yeah, and I will say one her. thing that Rip admitted later on uh, Joey's stream that he does know someone who's uh, in the production there. But he did just kind of blurt this out, and uh, that uh, I'll explain later why I don't think that's very significant. It's it's interesting. So they, they it, weren't it's not significant in my opinion because you you would not uh, you would not admit that. That's that that's exactly that's what I was going to say. That, that that if if that's yeah, the person helping him cheat, if that's the person helping him cheat, he's not going to just blurt out like it's nothing. Oh yeah, and I happen to know this guy in production there. Like you would keep that as quiet as you can. Yeah. That's the last thing you would just go volunteer on Joey's show. Unless he's playing like the the the, the be more discreet. Unless he's playing like a third level game here, where he thinks, "Well, I'll say that," and people will think, "Well, he would never say that if uh, if if he was really helping him cheat." But I don't think that's it. I I really, from everything I hear, every piece of information I get, including the two things you just told me here, seems to back up that this is someone who has a history of making weird plays who doesn't completely understand the basic fundamentals of No Limit Hold'em because they're an an inexperienced player and because they seem to have a paranoia that dudes are always bluffing them. And that it led to a weird and not good play against Garrett, which happened to work out because of what he was holding, and then he missed the draws, and then he lost a bunch of money, and then 
it's understandable why he was so angry about it. But then I feel from that point, he reacted the wrong way. And he's still reacting the wrong way because something that everybody should note is now we are several days after that. We're in the early morning of October 3rd. This happened on September 29th. And he has not given the money back to anyone. He hasn't gone to Hustler and said, hey, I've thought about it. I shouldn't be holding this money. You guys should be holding this money. And it should be decided in some way who should get it. He's not doing that. He's still holding the money. And I, I think that's that's really bad. And that's that's the worst part of this whole thing. And that's the only thing we know for sure is that he has the money. And we know with uh, not certainty, but the, with a reasonable belief that, that he at some point suggested that she give it back at the very least. And even if he didn't, he definitely is holding the money. He's confirmed that. And he did indicate in that hallway with her that millions of people are going to see it. And he did kind of put the scare into her that she was going to be a viral sensation cheater. And if you feel you can get out of being cast that way by giving this back, if you feel that uh, you can do this and your life can go on as normal, you might fear it so much that you might do it. And that's kind of what I think happened here, combined with her arrogance that she thought she was such a great player that she well, could just effortlessly let, let win it back anyway. touch on that, too, on the arrogance. I want to touch, I want to touch on that, um, if you will. So, as you're well aware of, Todd, I mean, these are private games that are going on on these streams. No different than the private games, uh, you know, at the Ari or, or Bobby's room. Have a lot of politics that get involved, uh, and, and, and even more so on stream, because what the stream wants, what the owners of the show want, is they want action players. They want they want big drama when it comes to the you know money movement. They don't want to see a bunch of nits. They don't want to see a bunch of pros, and they want to see. They want to see a lot of uh, financial drama. They want to see the, the anguish, the real time, the highs and the lows that, that people can live vicariously uh, through the TV and say, wow, that, that actually just happened. So if you're not, if you don't have a huge following, okay, if you're not um, highly likable, you know, like, uh, you know, like Wesley or Ling Ling or just somebody that has a lot of personality that you can bring to the table or a huge following, like some kind of influencer um, or, you know, some kind of like a boxer, like, you know, there's been boxers on there, there's been movie stars, et cetera, et cetera. You're not going to get in this game. It does not matter how much money you have. You can be very wealthy. Money is not going to just buy you into this game. The politics behind getting in the Hustler Casino Live and live at the bike, and you're drawing dead if you think you're going to get on the stream, is this. You have to know somebody, or you have to prove yourself, or you have to be a very well-known person that is going to be you know, viewed as positivity uh, for the stream. That's going to bring viewers, you know, and that sort of thing. So the politics is very, very difficult to get on the stream. And when I told her, so this is, this is I'm, going, I'm going to crash land here. So you're going to understand something that maybe you didn't realize about that arrogance. When I told her exactly what I just explained to you, that, hey, I got, I got you on. I got your foot in the door. What you do from here is really going to dictate your future showings on, you know, being invited back. Um, don't be super, super nitty. Um, try to converse. And what she told me is she says, you know, I'm going to watch you on your Max Payne Monday, and I'm going to review some of your prior shows. And she got the mindset, I think, going into these bigger games that 
you're supposed to be arrogant. And for the viewers that don't know that are listening right now, Max Payne Monday is the only exception of all the shows, of the Monday through Friday shows, the only exception where arrogance is encouraged, slow rolling is encouraged, needling is encouraged. You play the seven deuce game. So just understand, Todd, the the, uh, dynamic from her going into that, she has that mindset. So that arrogance, and I'm not defending her at all, but I think obviously she crossed the line you know, with, with, with her arrogance. But she went in with that mindset that she wants to get invited back. She wants to please everybody. She wants to please, please the viewers at home. She wants to please Ryan Feldman, Nick Bertucci. And she 100% respects Garrett. Well, I mean, at least prior to the whole situation. So she talked about Garrett. She said, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing with Garrett. You know, he's, he's such a superstar. I can't wait to play with him. She was almost like a fanboy. Like, you know, if we, you and I went to a, you know, a football game or a concert and, you know, we met Def Leppard or just something that we thought was super, super cool. And then we're actually on stage with, with Def Leppard or, or something like that. So understand that dynamic as I'm explaining it to you, even though you have never met her, I have. That is the dynamic that she went into this show with. And so I told her it's, it's, it's definitely – it's, the ball's in your court. And so you're going to get certain perks. Here's the other thing about the politics that I want to explain, Todd. You know this already. People like Garrett, people like even me from Max Payne Monday, we can get away with more so than just a person that maybe the common person. And I'm, I'm explaining to that. So me, I give a lot of action. I'm good for the show. So what does that mean for Beans, right? What does that mean for me? That means that, you know, normally it's a random draw. I don't know if you knew that, but it's a random draw. They, they normally high card and you get to sit, you, or you have to sit, basically, where, you know, the, the car, they deal for your seat position. But a guy like myself, um, you know, I can say, hey, put me in seat eight, because I want to sit in seat eight. I can say, um, I don't want to show you my cards, or, you know, I can say this, or I can say that. Maybe you're not supposed to eat at the table, Right. But they will bend the rules slightly, not, not, not too bad towards giving somebody the disadvantage, but they will bend the rules maybe slightly um, for key players. And I, I mean, that's a bad terminology, bending the rules, but they will give you more leniency. Well, yeah, and they do that somewhat at the World Series, too, for the big-name players that they want to see come and play at yeah. the World Series who may be on the fence, like Phil Ivey and others back when Phil Ivey wasn't playing as much uh, the, anyone that they'd like to see there at the World Series who's a very big name they will do favors for them that they won't do for anyone else yeah, yeah. so I know that's what you're referring yeah, and, and to and I, I just almost wanted to kind of just re, re, re-say that because this is you know on the air and people I, I don't want this to come back to me as like oh Beans he's, he's bending the rules that, that was a poor choice of words but you get where I'm coming from I, I have more pull than maybe the next guy obviously Garrett has a lot of pull there um, and that's from the perspective of, of Robbie, and, and it's just well known. And so it's not, I heard Jungle Man, and I know, I know uh, Dan Case, I've played cash games with him, he knows me. I heard him say on, on Joey's podcast, when Joey said that Robbie was fearing that, you know, if she doesn't do the right thing, perhaps maybe, for example, give Garrett his money back or whatever, that she might not get invited back. I don't know that that's exact true, but I can tell you that that is a that would be a conclusion that I would think that if I was her, 
based upon all the given information. I mean, that's how these private games are ran. Yeah, it, it's a good point, and I, I haven't thought of that up until when you said it, but it's a good point. If yeah. she feels like that she really wants to be in this game for whatever reason, either to promote herself or because she thinks she's positive expectation in the game or both of these things, and she thinks she has pissed off someone who might have the most influence of any player in the game, and if this guy is so pissed that he's not going to want her ever in the game again, that she may feel like, okay, between the fact that he's going to portray me as a cheater and I won't be invited back, this is worth just erasing this pot like it never happened and giving him the money back that I won. And as strange as that sounds, that can kind of start to make sense if you think about it from that perspective. And and this totally makes sense. What, 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 what Darren is saying here is, is true. These games, there's a lot that goes into setting them up. And this is why Ryan has been so successful at doing this. This is why when he moves over to Hustler, why Hustler just kicks ass right away and, and the bike is lagging behind is because a lot of it is who you get in the game and encouraging people to show up who may be on the fence and, and handling all the different egos involved where you know you, you do have to, when you, if you're Ryan Feldman, you do have to look at who is most important to have on the stream and who isn't that important. And if the most important person is kind of pissed off and says, I'm not going to play unless such and such happens, you, you kind of want to make it happen. So it is almost like... Uh, recruiting uh, stars to be in, in a film or a TV show that, that you're putting on or, uh, or, or even a, a, a basketball team or a baseball team where you're trying to get a superstar to stay with the team or sign with the team when you have to make certain concessions, say, okay, you can have a private jet to fly home and see your family every weekend. And I, I've seen things like that done before for athletes that others don't get. So it's all along those lines. So yeah, uh, she may not have wanted the most influential person who is furious at her and thinks she's a cheater to shut her out of the game and make this go viral and make it clear she's out of the game because she's a cheater. Even if she knew she wasn't one, she may have been terrified of that narrative plus not being invited back. And then that's the end of her in poker. So this, this all really is making more and more sense to me as I learn more. But to be, to be clear, though, and, and for full transparency and, and, and disclaimer, I honestly don't think that sh- that would ever be a situation that she should have to ever worry about. But I'm just only, once again, taking that next level of psychology and, and empathizing from maybe her perspective. She's, she's new to the show, new to the stream, and the politics on these private games are really like that, to where um, I can see her perceiving that, hey, if I don't do this, uh, do more of this, less of that, you know, whatever it is, and in this case specifically, uh, maybe pleasing Garrett that, hey, I'm not going to ever get to come back here again. Garrett will hate me. And I think from just knowing what little bit that I do know of her and her personality and her player type and her image, and just, just knowing her from the small time that I've known her, she is more worried about her image and being invited back and being welcome and pleasing everybody than she is about the money. So that's the other topic I want to talk about. She does have a lot of money from, from what everybody's saying and how she acts. And she comes from a professional background. So she makes her own money. She's not solely dependent on funds from her, her husband, who does have probably a lot of money as well. He's a former actor and college professor and, and also a, uh, uh, an attorney. 
so he's well known. But people are saying, well, if that's the case, why is this Rip guy staking her? So I can explain that too. Yeah, I, I wonder that myself. Matter if, if, if you if you're playing two five no limit or if you're playing two hundred four hundred no limit, it does not matter. Um, there's staking and and financial support at every stake, every level, and that's just that's just how it is. Even Phil Ivy, even Tom Dwan, even Matt Berkey, uh, when they're playing in a you know a bigger game, um, a lot of times they will sell pieces of action and that sort of thing. Now, I do also want to say the negatives of, of her real, real quick, because I know I want to stay balanced. I feel that, to be, to be fair, I feel that where she went wrong was not disclosing that Rip, obviously, and her are playing maybe either on the same role, or she has a bankroll, that is, or that he has a huge piece of her. When me and Matt Berkey and Christian Soto played at the Sahara, a private game that I organized, Matt Berkey immediately said, hey, Darren, I just want to let you know, Chin is coming, which is Christian Soto. He's coming to play, and I want to let you know that I have a big piece of him. And I appreciated that. That was cool. And I was like, yeah, no big deal. Thanks for telling me. So it is customary, and I think that's where her naiveness is, is more into play. Um, maybe it's not, though. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe it was manipulation. But she should know better than to play in a game without, you know, on the same role or whatever the deal is, or if a person's buying a, you know, a huge piece of her, she should just know better on the etiquette that, hey, you should probably let the other players know because that does change the dynamic. So that's, that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is this, is I think she did go overboard when it came to um, the needling afterwards. But once again, I, I can defend that as well slightly because she's going in with the mentality of maybe next day Monday <laughs> based upon the show she watched me play. And the last and final thing that I want to touch on is about that hallway. Every, you know, how she explained that it was a dark hallway, she felt cornered, and this and that. I can tell you that that hallway is not dark, okay? It's, it's literally, it's, it's well lit. Um, but it's just a hallway where we... It's right in the background where we have our lockers where we have to throw cell phones in. And I can see how a woman with her, you know, physique, she's maybe, I, I, I'm guessing, maybe 110 pounds, five foot seven, five foot eight, and she could feel maybe intimidated just being a female, um, you know, almost cornered with, you know, there with Garrett from her perspective, cornered. And, you know, you can kind of look at it however you want to, you know, tell the story or put the spin on it. The glass is either half full, half empty. So that, that's debatable. But I just wanted to tell you from a non-biased perspective of me being in that hallway myself and putting my own personal cell phone in that locker that that hallway is not dark. Yeah, I couldn't picture that either because uh, some of you know this, but I think a lot of you don't. The very first place I ever played poker was the Hustler Casino in January 2001. So I know the place pretty well, not just from back in 01, but I've been there a number of times over the years. I think the last time I was there was about uh, three years ago, but I have been there a number of times over the years, and I ha I know the layout of the whole place, and I couldn't think of a single dark hallway there. So unless uh, they darkened one of the hallways since I was last there, I didn't believe that characterization. But, but once again, I mean, from any kind of adverse... Uh, situation in life, or if, you know, if it's an authentic, you know, terrible thing that, from your perspective, that's happened to you, 
you're going to look at the glass as half empty, um, and your perspective is going to be a biased perspective, and, and, and you're going to tell your story how your version of events, how they occurred, and I'm only telling you based upon my non-biased reality of what it is really like, uh, at least as far as the lighting is concerned. I wasn't there, and, you know, as far as the conversation with Garrett and I hear Ryan Feldman's right there during that conversation. But as far as to speak to the lighting, I can 100% tell you it's not some dark hallway closet or anything like that. Yeah, well, okay, thanks for all the information here. This is all very uh, interesting. And uh, it really opened my eyes to more of this here. So that's uh, I, I didn't know you were going to come with all this. I thought you just wanted to comment on what was going on, and I was just going to have you on for that. Yeah, I just wanted to, you know, and I know I took too much time there, but I just wanted to give you a, a good perspective of my accounts with, you know, as far as uh, who Robbie Lou is and how she got on and also my account of of playing on stream and, of course, that hallway. So that way everybody can just kind of form more of an opinion based upon the whole given situation versus just uh, maybe just what one person says. Okay, well, that's very uh, interesting. Thank you for bringing these uh, facts to us. I haven't even seen these discussed anywhere. You never know what you're going to get here on uh, Poker Fraud Alert with uh, our deep dives into stuff that's going on. And uh, thank you very much for calling and uh, clarifying all this. You got it. All right. Thanks. Talk to you later. I'm going to bed now. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Talk to you later. All right. Take care. That was an interesting call, wasn't it? That was very, very interesting. By the way, I got a text from the 646 area code informing me that it is true that they actually don't have any connection to anyone at Hustler Casino Live. I'm referring to Rip, whose real name is Jacob Chavez, and Robbie Jade Lou, that the Luis he mentioned when he was on Joey's stream. It turns out that Luis does not work for Hustler Casino Live He's actually a floor man, this uh, Luis, and he is not someone who works at Hustler Casino Live. He's just a regular Hustler employee, and it was just uh, someone that Rip happens to know, but that guy wouldn't have any access to anything at Hustler Casino Live, so that's why Rip didn't mind mentioning it, and I don't think that has anything to do with the allegations here. We have a call from the 507. Hello? Hey, Druff. This is Patrick from the 507. Okay. Patrick, what's going on? All right. I just have a really quick point. Yes. Your last guest was actually really good. Uh, I'm hearing an echo on myself. Is that my fault? or? I don't hear an echo, so it's fine. Just pretend it's not okay, there. Okay, good. Cool. That call was really interesting. I didn't know where the heck he was going with it, but it, <laughs> it actually turned out to be pretty, pretty interesting. And something I thought of while he was talking, you said, uh, a lot of people have said, well, why in the heck would Rip want to stake this woman for like $100,000 or however much it is? And I, it came to me kind of that this guy is supposedly business partners with her, right? So then you're like, well, what the, what, what the heck is that? Maybe they have an arrangement where their end game is to get her onto like reality TV or to get her onto like any kind of stage, right, that would be bigger than what she was doing before. So in Rip's mind, he might be thinking, well, she knows how to play well enough. She's got this look. She's got this attitude, all this stuff. You know, whether she wins or loses tonight isn't really the point. It's like we just want to try to get her to the point where maybe she can catapult from this to something else. 
or whatever, right? There, there, there could be a lot of goals that I have, right, that are not just winning poker on Hustler Casino. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. That's a good idea that uh, there could have been like, a lot more I'm than just the poker that's part. What's happening. I'm not trying to defend her, really, although I do fall more on the side. She's probably not cheating, but I'm just trying to make a theory where everything seems consistent with this idea that he's this kind of like, maybe he's good at recognizing talent. Maybe he's good at like kind of picking up on these people who can actually become famous online. Yeah, um, it's true, and he, and he does have that. It. He does have that connection with Jake Paul. Yeah, so maybe he does think that he yeah, can make yeah, her some kind true. of social media star, and this is a good way to do that. And and yeah. he's willing to invest the money yeah. in these games. Money. So, yeah, yeah. It, it could be something like that. Yeah, you you never know why these people get staked and why they appear on there, and you can't just say that by itself. That is in, indicative that there's something. Cheating. That yeah. there's cheating going on, and I, I'm just the more I hear, the more I think no, there was no cheating here. That's just I'm not 100 percent convinced that there's no cheating, but I'm a lot more than 50 percent convinced that there's no cheating. I, every time I hear more, it it brings me more to the side that everything was fine, and that makes me even more outraged that Garrett is still holding the money. It goes back to Occam's razor too, right? It's like to assume that there's a cheating going on, like Houston Curtis did a really good call into Joey where he was kind of saying that, dude, he's like, if there's cheating here, it's got to be some kind of a ring, meaning like a group of people. And also probably somebody on the inside has to be involved too. And there has to be a device. There has to be all these different conditions that must be met versus the theory that says she just is pretty clueless and like thought she was making a, 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 a good play. Yeah. Another thing I thought of is that she might have even had a strategy going into this game with, with Riff saying, look, if I can get a chance to get into a big, huge hand with Phil Ivey or, or Garrett, you know what, like, whether I win or lose that hand, what if we can have a famous hand? Like, what if I can just get into some hand or even if I fuck up, it could still put her on the map, right? I mean, it did. Like, it put her on the, I mean. Yeah, she could have called him down with King High, and that probably would have, would have, would have been a pretty big deal too. Yeah, that's right. There could, that and could have been part of it too. She would have all this attention on her and stuff, and even if she lost the run out, somebody they they'd say, "Oh, look, like she, this lady called Garrett down with like a you know a bluff catcher, and you know he he hit his draw, but like look, look at that call she made, stuff like that." Like, you know, yeah. there's a lot of ways that this could help her, even if she loses a hand. Yeah, I've thought about that before. I I think I may have even posted that. I thought that there was some chance that the plan going in was to have like hands versus Garrett where she would get noticed. I did think that that was a possibility and that that very well could be what was happening there. If you look at it through that, yeah, if you look at it through that lens of like Rip and her strategy is to try to basically create her into like some kind of a, you know, like, you know what it reminded me of is Vanessa Russo, I guess, for some reason is the first person that came to mind where it's like, like a female player who was also, you could tell that she was definitely trying to be like, you know, this like, sort of rock star poker female poker player maybe maybe this woman has kind of got that idea or maybe they want to like i said move her on to something beyond poker but this is how she can get noticed yeah and then maybe she'll end up on some reality show or something yeah it easily could be something like that yeah that these are pretty good ideas i mean you never know but this uh, these are all real possibilities as to the motivation for her going on the show and and for rip to stake her and yeah, so that's uh, good stuff you're bringing us here. Why would be willing to give back the money? Because, like I said, if they're thinking about EV that's beyond this particular night, they're thinking about they got some whole game plan. Maybe, you know, they might. It's like, yeah, he probably well, he could have been pissed at her in the moment that she get the money back. But in the long run, they might be thinking, well, it's not that bad because 
you know, this, this, if this keeps you on that show, if this keeps you going, like, you know, we'd rather do that. Than, but yeah, it is interesting that, that wondering. it is interesting. One second there, just that she's along the lines of what you're saying. She did say when she came back to the table after she gave back the money that what she was asking for him to do if she gave back the money was that they just go back and the he keeps playing and she keeps playing and they just don't talk about it almost like <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's yeah. forget the whole thing happened so that does kind of go along the lines yeah. of if we can just forget this whole thing happened i'm actually willing to give you back money that i rightfully won from you just to get past all this so this would go along with i want to come back i want to keep playing on the stream and then maybe i want this to help me get famous in other ways so i'm willing to actually give up this money to achieve this even if you rightfully don't deserve it but then she may have even rationalized well really the odds were that he should have won that hand or at least won half of it and he didn't so uh uh you know i'll, I'll just give him back his half and and if, if this keeps everything the status quo then fine and then she felt pissed that when rip went off about it that Garrett decided no he's not going to continue and he's quitting and uh and that ruined the whole thing so yeah this this really does all kind of fit together and what doesn't fit and i'll get more into it as i do the rest of the segment is that this was a cheating incident that was obviously obviously would have to be pre-planned unless she happened to see his cards or rip happened to see his cards and signal her aside from like a crime of opportunity uh and her seeing his cards by the way would not be a crime if you accidentally show your cards to someone, then that's part of the that's game. An angle, not a crime. Yeah, that's, and it's sometimes not even an angle. If you happen to see it, I once had that at Commerce, where I was in a game against, and it was against another pro player who was a very good player. But for whatever reason, from across the table, he accidentally flashed me that he had uh, King Queen of Diamonds, and then I was in the big blind, and I had a, a decent hand to call that I would have called even not knowing his hand. So. Absolutely. At that point, I thought, crap, now, you know, like, uh, okay, he's just giving me this information, so I had to play out the hand, yeah. and uh, yeah. I, I wasn't, he was all the way across the table, too, I wasn't trying to look at his hands, or, and he never exposes his cards, there's that one time somehow he accidentally exposed it to me, and I can't unsee it, I can't forget what I saw, so that's just part of the game as long as you're not trying to do it this is different than that other guy on hustler who was trying to look at the hand of the guy next to him all the time and even uh, this drop even this drop requires that then rip would have had to have signaled to her and they would have had some way to communicate well that's if, if that rips yeah so, if rip so saw it convoluted yeah if rip saw it and signaled to her then they would be cheating if she saw it because yeah, garrett was yeah, careless yeah. then or the dealer was careless then that as long as she wasn't trying to then that's just part of the game and and if she uses that information, that's actually fine. Uh, you you can Even say that the mo- that requires, yeah. But I don't that think that's that what happened. So many more assumptions, though, that like Garrett somehow messed up there, like to show his cards and all that stuff, which I don't buy. And know, we I see the stream. We we don't see it. yeah we don't see any evidence of that that he messed up or that the dealer was dealing too high or yeah. something. So it it doesn't make sense. I I think especially because she's she's known to play in these weird fashions that are often very suboptimal. That she did this here, yeah. and that uh, it all went south from there. So, uh, I I think you're bringing up a lot of good possibilities, and I think the poker community is too much trying to convince themselves this has to be cheating just because they don't understand it. So that. So I had one more, one other thing though that really stuck in my mind. So Garrett's a hundred percent sure he got cheated, right? You can see it on his face. He's like, what the hell, what the fuck happened? They get up, they have a conversation about it. 
she agrees to give him back his money that he lost. So then in return, he says, okay, sure, I'll just sit down and keep playing in this game. Yeah, so unless you thought you were cheated for real, why the hell would you ever agree to sit back down in the game that night? Why would you be like, no, 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 I'm done. That's a good point. I'm not playing in this game anymore because you just cheated me. Now, he hasn't admitted. going on. He hasn't admitted that's the way the conversation went. That's what she said. But that would be interesting to ask him, why would you ever sit back down in the game at that point? Now, he didn't, but he supposedly didn't because Rip was yelling at him and calling him a pussy and everything. And I think I believe that. I think he really left at that point because it got too hostile. It looked kind of bad, right? So, yeah, if he was willing to sit back down... And and that's he accepted that the money continued upon that. I'm sure he got cheated. Yeah, I I think uh, I do believe he thought that as soon as the hand was over, uh, and and I think that maybe he was willing to if he can get the money back, he was willing to sit back and kind of watch her and see the way things go from this point. As long as he gets the money back, it was worth it to him. And then he said, "Screw it!" But once uh, Rip was yelling, but then another question is if he accepted the money contingent upon returning to the game and then didn't. If a third party yells at him, even one associated with her, that doesn't get him to like. He can't just keep the money at that point. That that should just void the whole deal. That's a good point. Too. <laughs> and he, he should just give the money back, or at least have it put in escrow and say, "Okay, yeah. well, I'm I'm not continuing. So here's the money back." And uh, we'll. <laughs> yeah, I I don't like the way any of this was handled on his kind end. Did like a kind of like a hit and run, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> in a way. Which <laughs> people hate that when people do that stuff. Oh, this is worse. It's take this is take back the money that isn't due to you and run. That's that's really bad. The other thing in my mind, I'm thinking about Rip. There, I'm like, is that guy for real or is he acting here? Because if him and her have this whole thing where they want to make her into some kind of TV star or something, maybe maybe he's maybe he maybe maybe in his mind he's like, well, if I have a chance, I'm going to make drama on this show so that we can get more attention. But that doesn't seem like the good kind of attention, right? Like. The stuff he was doing there doesn't seem like anything that he would want to do to promote himself or her, right? Yeah, I don't understand. I think he was just legitimately angry that this legitimately pissed yeah. that that she just gave money. back the money because like he was that. Giving back. I think he kind of got the idea that this wasn't going to get her out of it, and all it's going to do is leave him 135k lighter. So, <laughs> yeah, and sure enough, you know what? He still holds the money, yet he goes back and, and tweets that she was cheating. So that didn't accomplish very much. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's pretty much all I had. I, I just, there's one other quick thing. Can I just bring up something that's kind of unrelated to this? But uh, Sure, go ahead. Somewhat. So on Joey's podcast, by the way, that guy, <laughs> I swear, he's got a Rolodex of like every big person in poker, and they're just, they just answer his call, right? Like he says, hey, you want to come on here? They're like, yeah, sure. Um, he had Tom Dwan on, and like this was one of the most interesting things I've ever seen. Because for the longest time, we've never seen Tom, like, in his normal habitat. Like, we always see him, like, on streams where he's, like, falling asleep or, like, we just don't see him at all. So to see Tom Dwan in this uh, interview, I just highly recommend anybody who's listening to this who hasn't seen that, just go check it out if you have it. It's, it's time-stamped on Joey's uh, day two, I think, or day three. It's just one of the most weirdest, fascinating things I've ever seen. Really, and, uh, I I lost I lost interest when he was on there and he's just rambling all over the place. I couldn't follow anything he was trying to no, say. And I, there was actually so 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 at first I was irritated because I'm like this guy's not going to give any insight into this situation at all, which he didn't. But if you listen in between the lines, what he's saying, he basically has to catch himself multiple times where he basically is starting to tell us how he's been in tons of shady games and cheating and shit, but he can't really talk about it. Like, <laughs> he catches himself multiple times where he's like, yeah, but okay, okay, well, I'm not going to talk about that. Like, 
And he's like, there's been times, he said, where I've seen things I didn't like, but like for different reasons, I couldn't say anything. And I'm thinking, man, dude, you're pretty much just implying that you've been in cheating games before. And like the chances of him benefiting from those cheating games is like pretty high in my mind. Like I'm not, you know, I, I don't have any, like, I'm not, I'm not against Tom or for him. I don't really care, but I just think it's interesting that he talks about how playing high stakes game with a bunch of fish in Paul Fua's casino. Can you imagine being in a game with Tom Juan at high stakes when you're in Paul Fua's casino? Yeah. <laughs> like, can you imagine how stupid that would be <laughs> to be in that game if you're not part of their group? Yeah. Like, so I don't know. I just found that stuff to be really fascinating because I kind of feel like he was like on drugs or something. He, he, he wasn't really himself. So it's like he, he was just saying things that I don't think he would actually choose to say normally. Yeah, he was on something, it seemed like. Yeah, it definitely looked like that. Yeah. Maybe I'll go back and rewatch that. I, I kind of tuned it out because I was getting annoyed by uh, if you, if you the rambling. If you listen to it just from the sense of like hearing what he has to say about everything else that's not related to this incident, like it's actually pretty interesting. Because you just get a, you just it kind of paints a picture in your mind that like he's probably been in a ton of shady games before. Yeah. Okay. I'll probably go back and take a listen to that. That should be interesting. Okay. Well, thank you for calling in. All right. Well, that's it. Okay. Yep. Thanks. Bye. All right. That's a good call. Also. Anyway. I read you Garrett's allegations on Twitter, and I read you some of the things that Robbie had to say. What was Hustler Casino Live's response? I will read you that. They've had a few responses. We've also had Nick Vertucci on Joey's show a few times, which I'll, I'll play you some of that as well. But I will read you some of the things that they have... Uh, had to say first of all they've not been hiding from this they actually have a portion of this show with this controversial hand they cut it out of that six plus hour stream and put it up by itself so they're not trying to cover up that this happened now are they happy that this happened no because it makes people think maybe there's cheating on this stream and that's the last thing they want they, they don't want people thinking this is a cheating stream and i don't think it's a cheating stream but they don't want anyone thinking it is because if cheating took place, then there would be a good chance that someone breached the security of this stream. Aside from physical card marking, and aside from maybe someone seeing the cards that they're being dealt and signaling her, the other possibilities would be that the RFID cards and the communication back to the booth or maybe an insider breached the security. And that's very bad for Hustler Casino Live. They're supposed to be putting on an honest game. I think they are putting on an honest game, but they do not want people doubting that. This is the one exception to any publicity, good publicity. And you heard what Darren said, that they actually want people who are drama. They want a lot of arguing. They want characters. They want people acting bizarre. This is all good for them. That's why they kept putting Poker Bunny back on there, because number one, she was a young, pretty girl. And she would dress in really skimpy clothing. But also, she was kind of weird. There would always be drama. So they loved having Poker Bunny on there. That's why she kept getting invited. So they want this sort of thing. But what they don't want, the one type of attention they don't want, is the belief that their stream is not secure. That people can cheat by somehow seeing the whole cards. So that is something that they prefer people don't think about them, but they're not hiding from it. And they have made comments about it. So I will put on the first statement, or I'll read you the first statement that they made. This was uh, a few hours after the show, early morning, September 30th. 
Hustler Casino Live would like to address the hand and the situation in question tonight on our show. Hustler Casino Live will be doing a thorough look into this incident. We'll be looking into every aspect of this incident before putting out the results of our findings. We completely understand the magnitude of the situation and the accusations. We take this extremely seriously. At this point, we have no proof either way or any indication of any wrongdoing besides the accusations of parties involved. During the investigation, parties involved will not be playing on our show until we have a resolution to this matter. That means you won't be seeing Garrett or Robbie on the show anytime soon. We here at Hustler Casino Live are extremely confident in our game security. Game security and integrity are of the utmost importance to us. Hustler Casino Live was not involved and will not be involved in monetary exchanges between the parties. Hustler Casino Live had no part in those exchanges. That is between the parties involved. Hustler Casino Live will continue as usual with our live stream cash games. Respectfully, Nick Vertucci and Ryan Feldman. Well, okay. They are continuing. They have had further games since then. And it is true that they did not have a part in the exchange of money. I do believe that. I do believe that they never pressured her to return any money to Garrett, nor do I believe that they told Garrett not to accept the money, nor do I believe they told her not to give the money. I think they just kind of backed away. But they shouldn't back away. The truth is they screwed this up because they should not have put her and Garrett together. Like, can you imagine? Think if you're in a cash game and some guy is accusing you of cheating and he's furious and you know he's furious. You just want a big pot off of him. Do you think it would be right to take you away from the table into a hallway, even if not dark or private, but just into a hallway away from the table and just leave you with the dude who's pissed to yell at you? Is that the right way to handle it? No, they, no casino should ever put you with the person who's making angry allegations at you. They should try to mediate. They should not put you with the person who will be pressuring you now to give back money that you feel you don't owe. But that's what they did. So that was a tremendous mistake. They didn't pressure her, but they should not have put them together. And I think they realize this now, but they're not going to say it. Second, if this results in one person giving back the money to the other, they should have stopped it. They should have said, no, 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 no. This is very non-standard. This is not how it works. At the very least, they should have interrupted and said, hey, how about this? How about we hold the money while we investigate? And if we find nothing wrong, then uh, she'll keep it. And if we find something wrong, then we'll give it to Garrett. Something like that. To just say, okay, we're taking hands off. You guys deal with it. I think that's wrong. And in fact, I had an argument with someone, not a not a contentious argument, but I had a disagreement with someone on Twitter about this who was insisting that Hustler shouldn't get involved, that these are two adults and whatever financial transactions they want to make are up to them. Well, I disagree because this is their production. This is not a home game. This is in the Hustler Casino and this is Hustler Casino Live within the Hustler Casino, which is associated with the Hustler Casino. And number one, There should not be where one player is pressuring the other to give back money that was won from a pot. And number two, this violates the whole concept of taking money off the table. So that's the other problem is that she should not have been able to take money off the table under any circumstances because she was returning to the game. Even if you want to say Garrett's leaving, which he wasn't supposed to be, he supposedly said he wasn't going to leave. But even if Garrett was leaving, 
She is taking 135k off her stack and giving it to Garrett, and she no longer has that to play with, with the other people on the table. And you cannot remove money from a poker table until you stand up and leave the game. And yet she removed money from the table and did not leave the game. So that alone should be why they say, no, you can't do that. If after the game's over, you want to give Garrett $135,000 off stream, not just off stream, but away from the game, if you want to either hand him a separate 135K that's not on the table, or you want to uh, wire him 135K or whatever, fine, but you're not going to take 135K off the table. For example, let's say I'm sitting at Commerce and I've got $8,000 in front of me. And some dude comes up to me and says, hey, remember that $4,000 you owed me? You still haven't paid me. I see you have 8000 And then I go, oh, sorry about that. Here's 4000 And I give him 4000 in chips. And I'm left with 4000 on the table. Well, the players could object. And they probably would object. The players would say, no, 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 no. You have eight k on the table. It needs to stay on the table unless you're leaving right now. And I go, no, no, no. I just want to stay and keep playing with 4000 I just gave away half my stack to this dude I owed money to. Well, they'd say, no. Then leave the game and pay him or pay him some other way. You can't take the money off the table. So that's another reason the Hustler Casino Live should have gotten involved. So that was a mistake on their end. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, but I think in this context it'll be fine, because they updated the next day on October 1st with their plan going forward, because I've got to call this out because I don't think it's right. High Stakes Poker Productions, which is the name of the company that owns Hustler Casino Live, is in the process of retaining experts to conduct a thorough and independent investigation of the hand involving Garrett and Robbie. Okay, that sounds good, right? While we have always had confidence in the security of our technology and the integrity of our staff, we take the allegations very seriously and understand anything is possible. We are in the process of hiring a law firm to conduct a comprehensive investigation, which will include staff and player interviews, a review of relevant records, and possibly the use of polygraph testing. Wow. Our attorneys will also oversee an investigation by a third-party cybersecurity company that will leave no stone unturned within our system. All video footage from High Stakes Poker Productions and Hustler Casino will be reviewed by the above third-party experts. This investigation will be extremely detailed and may take considerable time to complete. Once the investigation is finished, we will release the findings publicly, no matter what they reveal. It's important for us to reinforce that we have found no evidence of wrongdoing by anyone at this point. As stated previously, Hustler Casino and High Stakes Poker Productions was not involved in any monetary exchange that occurred away from the tables between the parties. Respectfully, Nick Vertucci and Ryan Feldman. This may sound good to you, right? They're going to hire experts. They're going to leave no stone unturned. They're going to reveal the findings, even if it turns out that it's something negative about them. Like, let's say it's found that an employee there of Hustler Casino Live was feeding information. They claim they're going to reveal that. So what's the problem? What is the problem with this whole thing? Well, I don't think the whole thing's bad, but they're still approaching this the wrong way. Let me read you one other tweet. This is a tweet from October 2nd. 
We are suspending all broadcasts of poker play, including live streaming, while we expand our multifaceted investigation with outside experts. This investigation will be thorough and detailed. We will report the outcomes when they are available. Is that from Hustler Casino Live? No. Is that about the situation? No. This was October 2nd, 2019, three years ago, from Stone's Casino about the Mike Postle scandal. Sound familiar? Sounds very similar. Not as long, but it sounds very similar in concept. They're going to expand their multifaceted investigation with outside experts, and the investigation will be thorough and detailed, and they'll report the outcomes. Do you remember the results of this investigation? You may not, because the investigation stated that absolutely nothing was found, absolutely nothing was wrong, and there was no cheating. Needless to say, people did not give a lot of credit to that investigation. But who performed the investigation? Well, guess what? A lawyer was directing it, and a cybersecurity firm was called in to assist with it. Very similar, right? So do you trust the Stone's conclusion, given everything you probably know about that whole thing? Do you trust that everything was on the up and up and that uh, there's no chance there was any kind of cheating or feeding of whole cards involved? Do you trust that? I bet you don't. But wait, they had a lawyer who was overseeing it and they had a cybersecurity firm. They don't see that in that tweet, but I know from what they actually did, that's what they did. And I believe they really did have a lawyer directing it. I believe they really did hire a cybersecurity firm. In fact, they mentioned the firm, which is respected. So how could this have gone wrong? How could a conclusion have been reached, which I disagree with? How can I not trust a lawyer and a cybersecurity firm that has a good reputation investigating this? Well, there were, sev- there were several reasons I didn't trust it. Number one, Stones was the one paying them. Number two, this was far after the fact. By the time they came in to investigate and anything Stones didn't want them to see, they could have removed So the evidence was already tainted, obviously. And uh, number three, we don't know what they were told to look for. So none of this means anything. The only way an investigation like this can be trusted by the public, and when I say the public, I mean the poker public. This might do well in court. This might fool a jury. This might look good if you ever sued. But this is not going to work with anyone who is knowledgeable or at least not anyone who's knowledgeable who thinks about this critically. You do not want an independent investigation done by the party being investigated with their own lawyers and a firm they hire to look at their data security. Because you don't know what they are telling this lawyer and what they are telling this firm to report back to them. You don't know what direction... They are having things investigated. You don't know what they are going to reveal and what they're not going to reveal as far as findings. And I'm not accusing Hustler of covering up anything. And in fact, I actually think that Hustler Casino Live is innocent here. I don't think they did this. I don't think that they cheated. I don't think they helped anyone cheat. So I'm not even saying this is a big cover-up because Hustler Casino Live is a bunch of cheaters. I'm not saying that. I don't think Hustler Casino Live is a bunch of cheaters. I'm saying that this investigation doesn't mean anything. These are their own people that they're hiring 
with no transparency to the outside. At least that's the way it is right now. Maybe when they get it going, that it'll be different. I heard something like Chicago Joey was invited to come down there and be part of it. So, okay, you know, if they have someone like Chicago Joey involved, then probably it's okay. But they really do need someone from the community, not just being able to observe, but being able to direct. If they really want this to be a transparent investigation, they not only should hire a law firm and a cybersecurity firm, but they should also hire neutral, knowledgeable poker pros to direct the whole thing. They should not be directing it. The investigation should not be something that is answering to Nick Vertucci or Ryan Feldman, because obviously they have a reason to want Hustler Casino Live smelling out, smelling like roses on the other side. The only way you will get a true and honest investigation for sure is if somebody is directing it who you know is not going to cover for them. And again, I'm not accusing Hustler Casino Live of anything, but let's be honest here. If things come out that they think will harm their business, are you totally confident that they're going to reveal that? I'm not. Because it's very tough to do that. It's very tough to shoot yourself in the foot when you have put so much work into your business that is now doing well. To shoot yourself in the foot by releasing unflattering information that will make people not trust you, especially if it's not your fault. Let's say, for example, they find out some employee was in on a cheating scheme. You think they're going to want to put that out? Maybe they will. Nick Vertucci said they will, but I don't know. I don't know. Will they really shoot themselves in the foot like this? I don't know. So really, the only way we're going to get a fully believable investigation is if those in charge do not have any relation to the hustler and are ones we trust in the community not to be corrupted by the fact that they're being hired. Because a law firm hired is representing Hustler. So while they may not directly lie, they have various ways they can omit things legally. A cybersecurity firm who you're hiring, they're answering to you. So while you may not be able to get them to make statements that aren't true, you can get them to massage a statement to look true enough. The only way it's going to be a good investigation is if people are running it, who you know will come out and say what they really found, the good and the bad. And the only people who will do that are ones who have a connection to the community and ones who have no connection to anyone involved here. You don't want anyone investigating who is close to or friendly with Hustler Casino Live, close to or friendly with Garrett, or close to or friendly with Rip and or Robbie. You need a neutral person. For example, I would be a good selection for this. If they paid me to do it, I wouldn't do this for free because it would be a lot of work. But if they were to pay me to do it with the agreement that the payment is not something where I'm expected to come back with a positive report, they're just paying me for my time to do it. I could come up with a very comprehensive and correct way to investigate the entire matter, which still may not be conclusive because you can never prove that someone didn't cheat. You can only prove you didn't find any evidence they did cheat in, which are two different things. But I would 
be able to put together a very comprehensive investigation. And then I would honestly report what I found. It's not just me. Others in poker could do the same thing. I think Chicago Joey could even do the same thing. But just having Chicago Joey down there to observe some of the process, that still doesn't mean that much. You would really need someone in charge who would be transparent with the community. Eric Benzamokin would actually be a good person as well. He could act both as the attorney and uh, community liaison. Now, he's not super well-known in the community, but he's more well-known now because of his involvement in both the Postle and the PayPal cases. So he would be someone who would be a good attorney to hire for this situation. And I'm going to suggest that to Nick Vertucci. I did make contact with Nick Vertucci, and I told him all this. I'm not, I'm not just talking behind his back on this show, assuming he won't hear it or something. I told him all this. I told him all this directly. I said, you're doing this wrong. The community's not going to trust this. Stones already did this. Stones already came back with a glowing report exonerating themselves, and everyone laughed. So the same thing's going to happen here, I told him. I said, this may help you legally, but if you want the community to fully trust Hustler Casino Live, you can't just hire your own people who report to you and then say, oh, my own people said this is all smells like roses. You can't do it. So he said he understood, but then he didn't seem like he was that interested with actually hiring someone to manage the whole thing from the community. But maybe he changed his mind. Like maybe he's going to hire Joey. I don't know doesn't have to be me. I don't care if it's me. In fact, it's kind of a pain in the ass. <laughs> so I, I'm not necessarily looking forward to doing this. I'm not trying to beg for this job. I would just like to see someone from the community who's trusted, who I know is going to tell the truth, and who I know can put together a good plan. Because you don't just want someone in the community kind of watching what's happening, even if they're told everything, and then say, okay, okay, I see this, I see that. Like You need them actively in charge you need them being the one receiving all the reports otherwise it doesn't work you can't have nick or ryan or anyone at hustler as a filter in between nor can you have them directing it so that's a big flaw in their plan may not be an intentional flaw but it's a flaw in their plan so whatever they come back with people keep saying oh let's wait for the investigation no i i don't want to wait for the investigation because I don't think the investigation is going to say anything. My prediction for this investigation is it's going to take a while and they're going to come back and say, okay, a cybersecurity firm confirmed that we have a very secure setup and they saw no evidence of any break-in and we went through all the camera footage. We see no evidence that there was any cheating. We see nothing to indicate that anything happened on that stream that was out of the norm, aside from that hand being weirdly played and Therefore, everything's cool, and this is being certified by our lawyer and by this very respected cybersecurity firm. Well, that's not going to answer anything, but I bet that's what the conclusion is going to be. In fact, I think that they are pretty confident that there wasn't cheating, at least not in the way that breached their system. So I think that they are confident enough that their system was secure, that they want this investigated, and they want information to come out to exonerate them. But at the same time, I think they do want to have control of the information and the message and the cameras and everything else that's seen 
I think they want to keep that all in-house just in case they find things that they may not want out there. For example, it has been asked, why are you guys not releasing any camera footage of the conversation between Garrett and Robbie? Because that would tell us a lot. Garrett is indicating he didn't pressure anything. She just volunteered to give back the money. And she's saying, yeah, he was pressuring. And, uh, and he even said that he feels I should give the money back. So which one is it? But it's possible that they don't release this because, number one, it might piss off Garrett and he may never come back. And number two, this may make them look bad that Ryan Feldman backed away and let Garrett do this. So even though it wasn't Ryan's idea to do it, nor did he ever support doing this, he didn't stop it either. And that may look bad for them. So I think it's this sort of thing they may not want being seen, even if their system was not breached. Okay, now, before I play you any appearances from Joey's show, I mean, this is becoming a very, very long topic, but that's the way it goes sometimes. we got a huge thing to talk about. Let's get to something a little bit lighter. Still the same topic, but I want to get to a little lighter aspect of it to break up the seriousness here. There were some allegations from some people on Twitter. I saw Empire Maker 2 was one of them, but I, I saw others. There's some allegations that Robbie Jade Lou is not what she appears to be, and that in reality, Robbie Jade Lou is actually a man. Now, that would be interesting. I mean, that wouldn't really change the rest of this, but wouldn't that be an interesting angle here if Robbie Jade Lou was really trans and was born a dude? Well, I didn't really believe this. I saw no reason to believe this. Some people talked about her facial features, that they thought that she looked trans or whatever. I think it's more just because she got plastic surgery. So that's why she doesn't look completely natural. I never thought she was a man. But the biggest thing to me that jumped out that she wasn't a man was that her voice is very feminine. And you guys may not know this, but the hardest thing for a male to female transgender person to change is their voice because when you go through puberty as a male your vocal cords stretch your vocal cords were a lot tighter when you were a kid and had a high voice once they stretched and you sounded like a man you sound like a man because they stretched that's how it happened that's what causes your voice to change and once something stretches you can't really unstretch it think about a item of clothing. Let's say you stretch it. Let's say someone else borrows it who's a lot bigger than you and it ends up stretching out. There's no such thing as just pushing it back together. So same with the vocal cords. Once your vocal cords stretch, then it's irreparably stretched. So if you want to transition to become a woman, the voice thing's very tough. So what transgender people do who go from male to female is they do what's known as vocal training, where they attempt to pitch up their voice artificially to sound like a girl. And after a lot of practice, it can almost become second nature. But some of them just can't do it. Some of them, even if they do that, it doesn't come out sounding right. Some of them have a very deep voice in the first place, and there's no way to even get close. Some of them are lucky and happen to have a higher pitched male voice where it's not that hard to end up sounding female. But most of them have a hard time really sounding naturally female. Whereas Robbie 
sounded very naturally female. I mean, you heard her voice on the stream, and then I heard her again on Joey's show. It sounds like a naturally born female. It doesn't sound like someone who's trans at all. So that by itself made me think that that's a stupid rumor and that people are just trolling. Anyway, I didn't even bother to look into this. This wasn't even worth investigating. I was convinced that she's not trans. However, I was looking into her Hendon mob results for a different reason. Because there were some allegations that she was lying about how long she's been playing poker. She and her husband and even her coach, Faraz Jaka, both of them said, and she said, that she's new to poker. That she's been playing like a, a year, since like a year ago. Yet her Hendon mob tournament results showed that she had results all the way back to 2010 and that she was playing pretty actively starting in 2015. So at the very least, it looks like she's been playing actively in the tournament scene for seven years. So she's not a new player. But yet she was insisting that's not true. So which is the truth? Did she start playing poker a year ago or has she been playing since 2010 and actively for the last seven years? Well, the Hendon mob seemed to be indicating she was lying, but her answer was that the Hendon mob's wrong. It must have her mixed up with somebody else. But it said right there on the Hendon mob, Robbie Jade Lou. Now, what's the chances that there's two Robbie Jade Lou's who play poker, especially with the unusual spelling of Robbie, R-O-B-B-I? I've never even seen that before. You think there's really two Robbie Jade Lou's who play poker? So Doug Polk noted in his video that it seems unlikely that they could have mixed up two people with the same name. So after seeing Doug's video, I said, I'm going to put this to bed. I'm good at looking into things like this. I'm going to try to put this to bed. So I looked at her Hendon mob results, and just as Doug said, they had been trimmed down. Because what Doug noted was that originally it showed results going back to 2010, but when he looked later, he noticed that her results from before October 2021 were gone. And sure enough, that's true. If you look now, if you look up Robbie Jade Lou on the Hinden Mob, you'll see her first result is from the Rio Daily Deep Stack series on October 18th, 2021. Nothing before that. Nothing before October 18th, 2021. All those results from 2010 to before October 18th, 2021 are gone. They were there before I saw them. Doug saw them. Doug even showed a screenshot of them. Where'd they go? Is it possible that somehow she bribed the Hendon mob to remove those results or trick them into removing those results to match along with her story? So I decided to look into that because it was weird. I've never seen results just disappear like that. I have seen the Hendon mob make mistakes where they do merge two people, but I've never seen just results disappearing. So I looked into it. I figured the way to look into this is to look at the way her results were reading before all this happened, and then go from there. So I looked at the Internet Wayback Machine, and I looked at October, uh, or I looked at uh, 2018, which was the only entry there. That was the only time the Wayback Machine saved her Hendon Mob entry. So that doesn't get me completely to the present, but remember, she had results dating back to 2010 and a lot of them in 2015, so this would tell me something. So, I went to go look at her Hendon Mob results in 2018, exact same URL on the Hendon Mob as today, so it's the same person, and it did come up 
And guess what I saw? I didn't see the name Robbie Jade Lou, but I saw the same results. And I saw the name Robert Lou. Uh-oh. Well, that was an interesting find, wasn't it? Robbie Jade Lou, according to the Hendon Mob, was Robert Lou four years ago. Same page, same link, same results. Hmm. I fell back in my chair. I thought I just found a new dimension to this whole crazy story. In addition, nobody came forward, despite how high-profile this story was, nobody came forward and said that they remembered playing with her back in 2015 through 2018 when she had all those results. So is it possible they played with Robert and didn't know that's the same person as Robbie? Well, the shock lasted only for a short time because as I kept digging, I found something else. What I found was that Robert Lou and Robbie Jade Lou are indeed two separate people. Robert did not transition into Robbie. So I found that Robert Lou is just a dude who lives in the Sacramento area. Interestingly enough, he may be related to Randy Lou Nananoko. Maybe his brother or something. I, I couldn't find that much about Robert Lou other than he's still playing. Like he played uh, as of last year in tournaments. But that most of these results were his. At least all the ones prior to October 2021 were his. And that indeed this was a mistake on the Hinden Mob's part. They somehow merged Robert Lou with Robbie Jade Lou. I don't know how it happened, but they are two separate people. I got a full address history of Robbie Jade Lou. No, I'm not going to post it or give it to you guys, but she never lived in or near Sacramento. And Robert Lou has been in the Sacramento area the entire time. They're two different people. And then I went to make sure that she was not Robert Lou living in Sacramento, just maybe with various addresses, I found out her name before she got married. Because remember, Lou is her married name. She married a guy named Charles Lou. But before she got married, her name was Rabia, R-A-B-I-A, Hussein, H-U-S-S-A-I-N. So Robbie isn't even her real name. Maybe she officially changed it, but her real name at least was Rabia, R-A-B-I-A, the Jade was still her middle name, and Hussein was her last name. So she's Middle Eastern. And maybe Robbie is an Americanization of her Rabia name. There is actually another Rabia Hussein that I found on Google that works for Citibank, but that's not her. But I did find a LinkedIn for this Robbie, and it's definitely the same person you can see from the picture, and it matches her backstory. 
So I found Robbie Hussein Lou. This with a dash, Hussein Dash Lou. And it said that she worked at uh, a number of places going back to 2003, most of which were biotechnology places, which is what she said to describe herself, that she was a former biotech worker who uh, now is, is trying to dedicate her life to poker, but that she worked in the biotech industry and did well for herself. That was her insistence back then. Well, her LinkedIn does show that. Her LinkedIn shows that she went to UC Santa Barbara and graduated in 2006 with a Bachelor of Arts in both philosophy and law and society. So she was a double major. Then she actually worked in the Santa Barbara DA's office for a few years. Remember, she had a law and society major. So I guess she wanted to go into things related to law then. But then she switched in August 2006. And keep in mind, in August 2006, she was only 22. This is just after graduating. So it looks like she was probably working during college in the DA's office, thinking she's going to go into law. Then once she graduated, a few months after that, she got a job at GSK as a, quote, territory manager. So that's a biotech firm. Then five years later, in May of 2011, she moved to a company called Celgene, C-E-L-G-E-N-E, and she was a hematology-oncology consultant. And then she moved to uh, Bristol-Myers in January 2020 as a cell therapy account manager. So it doesn't look like she's a scientist, but it looks like she works on the end of uh, consulting and, and doing account managing and things like that for biotech firms. So the biotech background that she talked about in some of the interviews we've had since this all happened, that that's true. That's uh, She's telling you the truth about her backstory. She said she was in biotech for over a decade. Yeah, she was since uh, 06. I saw in one of the articles about her, it said she's 35. She is not. She is 38. She started UC Santa Barbara in 2002 at the age of 18. That would have made her born in 1984, which, of course, would make her 32 now towards the end of 2022. Doesn't matter that much, but just for clarity. Anyway, there definitely was no... uh, Robert in her past. <laughs> she was uh, working at these biotech firms that were nowhere near Sacramento. They were all in the LA area or the Santa Barbara area for her entire adult life. And she was Robbie Hussein. Then she married Charles Liu. And now she's either Robbie Liu or Robbie Hussein Liu. So Robert Liu is completely unrelated to her. It's someone who's in Sacramento, and this was the Hinden mob screw-up. So, as fun as it would have been that she transitioned four years ago, and that's why nobody knew her, that we used to know Robert Lou, and now she's Robbie Lou, and looks completely different. Like, that's out of a sitcom, but it's not the truth. Two totally different people. She is not trans. She is a real woman, like I thought. But I did find out from this whole thing a way that she might have met her husband. In 2013, she filed for a trademark. And by the way, that does say that she uh, was doing more than just pushing papers at these biotech firms, but she filed for a trademark, and this was under the name Rabia Jade Hussein. She filed for it November 10th, 2013, and 
It had something to do with biotech, but guess who the attorney was? Charles Liu. So she may have met her husband when he represented her for this trademark application. It's also possible that she was dating him and then he happened to be an attorney and just volunteered to be the attorney for this trademark application. It could be either way. But obviously the same person. In case you think maybe Rabia Jade Hussein isn't the same person, it is. As I said in 2013, Charles Liu was her attorney. So we've got it. That's her. That's her past. It all checks out. She did not lie about her past, which doesn't exonerate her from these recent allegations, but it does show that she's not bullshitting. It does show that she's not just someone who shows up with this BS story about being part of the biotech world. She really was. And she really did get into poker about a year ago, it looks like. Those past results were somebody else. It's all true. And that's in her favor. Why is it in her favor? Because it shows that these assumed lies of hers were not really lies. She was actually telling the truth. And it was fun to kind of deduce what was going on here with the Robert Lou thing. Because when I first saw that, I go, oh, shit. Empire Maker was right. Shit. I didn't think so. But yeah, wow. It looks like she changed from Robert to Robbie. Oh, my God. Wait till the internet sees this. And I was going to put it out there. I was not going to hide this if it were to be the truth. And if I were a dick, if I just wanted to troll everybody, including her, I could have just put out the Robert Lupard and let the rumor mill go crazy because it would have. If I just put out that the same link showed Robert Lou four years ago, can you imagine how everyone would have gone nuts? I mean, yeah, probably someone would have figured it out eventually, but I bet it would have really gone nuts. But I wasn't going to do that. You know, I'm someone who puts out the truth. I'm someone who digs deep and finds out what's really going on and tells you guys about it. I'm not going to troll people and put something out there that's going to go viral that's not the truth, that's going to make someone look trans when they're not. So yeah, I was kind of shocked at first, but then when I looked into it, yeah, she's not trans and she's not Robert Lou and never was Robert Lou. Okay, so going on, let me play you some of the things that were said on Joey's show. Then we'll discuss the community reaction and then where I feel it should go from here. And then we'll be done with this very long topic. So first I'm going to play you her appearance on basically the same day, like right after the show was over. Later that night, Chicago Joey turned on his show, had a massive audience, even though it was the middle of the night. I was there at Commerce And I was listening on my headphones to all I could. Now, I was falling behind because I had to pause it whenever I'm in a hand or doing something else. So I wasn't able to listen as closely as I hoped I could. It was also noisy at commerce. There's a number of reasons that I couldn't pay attention as well as I would have if I were at home. But I went back and listened again. I probably didn't catch everything. And there's been so much content in such a short time, there's no way for me to catch up on everything. But I will play you her uh, appearance on Joey for a while and I'll stop it and talk about it. So this is from the day one Joey stream. This is on the channel Joe Ingram one Chicago Joey's channel. And he's done three days worth. I don't think he's doing a fourth one. I guess he could be right now. And I don't realize it because I'm doing this show. It looks like he only did three. 
only. I mean, <laughs> the first one was, uh, how long? Nine and a half hours. Second one was almost 12 hours. Third one was almost 12 hours. Wow. He, he did well over 30 hours here in three days. That is crazy. But from day one, if you go to the six hour, 33 minute and 51 second mark, then you get to see her appearance, which at this point was in the middle of the night. I remember I was there at Commerce and I remember she came on there and I tried to listen as well as I could. So I'm going to play you the beginning of her appearance and I'll play you as long as I feel it's relevant. She ended up repeating herself a lot and rambling. So we'll stop it before all that happens. Where you kind of come from, just so people kind of have a little better understanding. Yeah, I'm just from the biopharmaceutical industry. I've been doing that for 15 years. And I um, started playing poker really heavily during the pandemic as like a, I guess like um, an opportunity to not to discuss COVID with my family. So I started doing poker nights and really got really heavily, deeply involved in it. And I had the bankroll to support having personal coaching, at which point I did hire Froz Jaka as my one-on-one coach. Um, I did, I, I, you know, I've been watching a lot of poker streams. It's always been like a hobby of mine, but to take it seriously, I knew that I needed to take a sabbatical for my career, which I'm in CAR T therapy. It's very advanced science. I don't want to get too nerdy about it, but I've been doing that for all my entire life. So I was like career change. I'm going to take a sabbatical, focus entirely on poker, go to the W or, you know, world series of poker in 22 with a bank. But I also did go at 2021. I had relatively, a, a, you know, I was working full time at the same time. So I was like in and out. But I live in L.A. so I can fly in and out as I choose. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this this is kind of fun. Um, cash games you can obviously keep privately um, undergrounds. But like for the tournament setting, I knew that I needed to hire somebody one on one to do like personal coaching. And Froz is the one that I picked. And um, he's been really helpful and I really appreciate his, he's actually going to send out a public um, okay, comment. Okay, let me stop here and talk about the Faraj Jakaz situation. So he is a poker coach. He has some pretty good tournament results. He's a known player. He now does uh, a lot of coaching. And she was sitting there with a thermos on the table, like a metal thermos that said Jaka coaching. And obviously... This was to promote his coaching service, and obviously she was getting something in return. He later clarified that he didn't pay her to put that there, or he didn't buy her into this game, but that he just gave her some free extra coaching in return for letting that thermos sit on the table as like a constant ad for his coaching service. And I think I believe that she really did hire him as a coach. And has been working with him for a while. Now, she said she took a sabbatical from her career in biotech, which, as I confirmed, she really was into since 06, and decided to concentrate on poker. And I think what was going on here was that here's someone who's worked in biotech ever since she got out of college at 22. She's 38 years old now. And you know, if you go back a year or two when she got the interest in poker, she started really enjoying it. And... Here she probably earned some decent money herself over these 16 years, and she was married to a pretty rich guy. So why does she have to continue working if she's gotten kind of bored of it? If poker is something that she's now passionate about, and she really wants to become a great player and maybe even become noticed because uh, she's a girl in poker, 
she wants to throw herself into the game. And of course, since there's a learning curve, she thought, okay, well, why don't I just devote myself full time to this and hire a coach? So she probably looked around, found Faraz for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't know why she picked him over the others, but she picked him as a coach and she's been working with him for a year or whatever. And that makes sense. And it makes sense that when she was tapped to come on to Hustler Casino Live and when Darren kind of recruited her to do it because he was hoping she'd end up in his game because he was playing pretty crazy, then she probably had him coach her additionally for being on this stream. And then in exchange, she would put that thermos on the table to promote his coaching. There were some conspiracy theories that the thermos on the table had the device that was signaling her. I don't believe that for a second. I believe the thermos on the table really was just so he could get some promotion in exchange for some free coaching. But let's go on. Um, and I don't want to like step over his shoes. I've been heavily advised not to speak to either one of you, as you can imagine. I'm sure. But yeah. I feel like it's fair enough to at least address what's been constantly berating my Twitter feed. Which is- now, let me stop here. He had Sean Deeb on. In fact, Sean was still on here at this point. And Sean was very much in the camp that she cheated. And he was also cheating. He was tweeting out that he felt she cheated. And then she argued with him a little bit on Twitter. And then it was offered that she just call in. And she said, okay, I'll do it. So that's why she came on. And she said it was advised to her, I don't know by whom, but that someone advised her not to go on and talk to either Joey or Sean, but she's doing it anyway. Just what Sean has been listing, which is fine. Sean, like I said, I don't know you, and I don't know why you're I just uh, I don't know why people told you not to talk to me if you don't know who I am. That's Sean. Well, here's the thing, though. Why would I know you? We've never met. I've met most people in the poker world, but I feel like it's interesting that you take interest in what's going on with me when you haven't addressed me directly. And there's a lot of people that have addressed me directly in my messages, but yet you just happen to just publicly display your opinion about me and what's going on without actually talking to me and saying, hey, let's get on a podcast. Let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. You're not I mean, actually I literally, addressing when I first got on Joey, I said, you know, I have a lot of questions for you. Um, yeah, well then, I, ask me. And, and, okay, ask so me. what is your financial situation with RIP? My financial situation with RIP is that we're actually business partners because we're both in the biotech industry and we're actually creating a cannabis toothpaste. It has nothing to do with, tooth, with poker. I brought him on to the live stream last wednesday because it was a referral hustler casino live is looking for people that are kind of fun that have heavy bankroll that are a different variety of sorts and i was like oh i have a buddy that would love to go on stream this is not his financial well-being his bankroll far exceeds what the poker world could ever thrive or 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 provide for him okay so i don't know about rip but uh this sounds like it matches with what darren was saying she said she was recruited And that's kind of true. Darren, who does not work for Hustler Casino Live, but plays on there and has a good relationship with them, noticed her when he was playing that tournament with her and suggested that she come on. And then in turn, she suggested that Rip come on because he would be good for the stream as well. And and so he's just on there for fun. And when he saw that I was like, you know, feeling a certain way, he looks at me and he's like, you good? Are you okay? He's looking out for me as a friend would do. In that interaction that you posted, he's telling me that Nick wants to talk to me outside. That was it. Simple as that. But did either you guys have a piece of each let me, other? Let me, in this Sean, game? let me let me ask let me ask her a few questions, Sean. This guy, I've been watching this tape now for a long time. I've been seeing all the opinions here, 
And, you know, I, I do uh, just want to be respectful here because we appreciate you coming on, Robbie, and kind of giving us your thoughts on this situation. So in the hand at question, I guess a lot of people are, you know, one big big topic was about if you really misread your hand or if you thought you had jack four, because the argument is that if you're cheating in the game and you know your hand's going to win the hand, then it doesn't really matter what hand that you have. You can just basically have any hand you could automatically call and whatever. But it sounds like what you're saying happened was you were like, oh, I got jack three. Like I min raised this guy. He went all in. I think this guy's full of shit. Obviously, we just saw Garrett last night with the King Five bet $300,000 versus Andy. So, you know, we know Garrett is capable of making a move with a bunch of dog shit. We've seen him do it plenty of plenty of times. So it sounded like to me you were basically saying like, hey, listen, you know, uh, I know you got nothing. Like, I don't think you got anything. I got a three. I only got a bluff catcher here. Then I'm going to call. So we saw that you looked down at your cards and to us it was like, okay, well, I mean, to me, if you saw the card, then you probably realized that you had a four and not a three. So maybe some clarification on that. Cause I know a lot of people out there are really wondering about that. Yes. So the cards right before that hand, I did have a Jack three. Right. Exactly. So when I said, yeah. Yeah. So when I said like, Oh, a three's no good. I thought I was holding the Jack three, like it, the, that hand just happened. Then when I looked down at it, I realized I did it. And he, and he, was like, do you have anything? And I was like, you really gonna give me that much credit that I have a pair? Cause he asked me that. I was like, you really gonna give me that much credit? And the one thing you have to understand about Garrett is that in previous hands, and even Froz knows this, I was literally on a coaching call with him for three and a half hours. Um, and he even posted it. If you wanna look at it, go on his uh, Twitter feed. And he posted our conversation that we had on a one-on-one like yesterday, um, I guess like the day before yesterday, now that we're past midnight. And in that conversation, which obviously he didn't record, I said, like, this Garrett guy just keeps, I just feel like he's on to me. And I feel like I will call any hand <laughs> if he pushes forward a huge stack. I don't think he has it. And I think he's got it in for me in, the, in regards to the fact that, like, he's pissed that he, one, keeps letting me bluff him when I am or I have it. And, and just the way that he looks at me is, like, eerie and I'm, I'm trying to be as quiet as possible and i looked at him in that hand and i'm like okay i'm sitting with a jack there's whatever he has i thought he was on a draw and i even let him go with the previous hand that he had and i was like you know what i'm gonna fold to you i think you're on a draw turns out he had something better i don't know what the fuck it was i haven't even looked at it but it looked like he was on a draw and i let him have it it was what it was and i thought he was on a draw again and that was it and when the when the turn came and it was a three it weakens any of his draws. It weakens any of my draws, but it puts me in a position that I know that he's potentially bluffing against me, which is why I asked to run it twice because I knew that my jack high was potentially not going to win over what I thought might potentially be an ace high, which is the absolute best hand that I had him on. That was the best credit I was giving him. Giving him The fact that he was actually holding a draw, which I kind of suspected at the flop, wasn't surprising to me either. I mean, this is somebody that I fully suspect of bluffing me. And I will say this more than a million times to anybody that asks, and they believe me, which is that if any other person shoved on me, I would not call. But because it was him, I played the man. I did not play the cards. Mm -hmm. And I said it to him the moment it happened because he looked at me. He's like, do you hate me? I was like, no, I don't. I don't hate you. But like, you keep let you keep doing this. Like we keep going at this. And if you guys want to look back at like previous hands that we've had, even just in the last two um, uh, streams that we've had, like we have a situation going on. This isn't somebody I just met tonight and I'm, this is our first hand. It is not. I'm playing the man. 
at the end of the day, I played him because I knew that when he made that bet at the turn, he did not have it. And that's why I ran it twice because I didn't have it either. So I was hoping, I'll be honest, I'm embarrassed I won that hand. I was hoping for a 50% just to split the pot. I was like, maybe I'll hit something. I have one over. Everyone's like, well, why didn't you think he had the 10? If he had the 10, he wouldn't have raised like that on the turn. Like he would have slowed it a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I know he didn't have the 10. Like I am that well, see, that's wrong, though. <laughs> he's at a position, okay? So when you raise him, if he's got the 10, the last thing he would want to do is make it cheap for you to get there on him on a very draw-heavy board. When the board is 10-10-9-3 with two clubs and two hearts, and you're raising him on the turn and he's got the 10, what he's thinking at that point is, I've got to put it in because if she's got a draw, she's probably going to call, and I'm probably ahead of her. So, of course, he would put it. I see that that's just showing she doesn't have knowledge of basic poker fundamentals because, remember, she acts second. So, if the river hits and then she doesn't improve, if she had the draw, then it would just go check, check, probably. And then he wouldn't get full value. So, that doesn't make any sense what she's describing. And it shows she just doesn't have an idea. And even she's saying she wanted to run it twice to at least get half of it. Well, the thing was, she really didn't have many outs. As it was mentioned, there really weren't that many hands that she was going to be in shape to even win half of it, except for those low clubs, like seven, eight of clubs. Other than that, she's really in awful shape where there's very few outs for her to win the pot. And that was the point Garrett was making in his diatribe on Twitter. So this all demonstrates to me someone who just uh, doesn't understand poker very well and I think just kind of did this and then is trying to come up with explanations after the fact that make her not look as bad. That I understand that. Like, there is no reason about like that on the turn when he has a 10. So he did not, he was not holding trip tens. And I knew that. And I knew it was a draw heavy board. So for me... I knew that he was he hadn't hit it just then. And that was it. That's why we ran it twice. I was so, like, so maybe we'll go 50-50. Worst case scenario, I lose. And guess what? If I lost, we wouldn't be having this conversation. True, we would not true, be having true, this conversation. True. Now, that is a good point. And people have brought this up on Twitter as well. That it's not like Garrett would have popped up if he won the hand and said, up, oh, cheating. Oh, I just won a bunch of money, but up, oh, cheating. You know, I'm not playing anymore. I don't think so. I think he would have just kind of smirked inside oh look at this fish who put in all this money with jack high and had no chance and uh it turned out yeah i uh i only had eight high at the time but i had such a big draw i hit them both and i won the whole thing serves her right okay great nice to have all this money i don't think this would be a big deal if he had won both runouts instead of her if they had split maybe but especially if he had won both we probably will kind of remark about the hand being interesting, but there wouldn't be this huge deal being made. Garrett would have won and everyone would be happy because Garrett's happy. And I should have lost that. 100% I should have lost that. But mm -hmm. I just didn't trust him. And I don't believe him. And I wasn't going to let him do that to me. And fucking, I mean, there was absolutely no need for him to shove on me like that. And I felt that it was very, um, I don't know, it felt very like, so, so my question for you is, you flip-flopped multiple times in that statement about whether you had a jack or a three. It's like, that's the thing that worries me is that you say, I thought I had a three, I had jack three to hand before. Then you say, well, I knew I had jack high. 
And so you keep flip-flopping your logic as a way to explain the hand. If you say, I thought he was bluffing and I called him, okay. But you keep changing what you said you had and what you thought you Not had. really, Sean. Let me- no, I know. Sean is right. Sean is right. She is changing. She's constantly changing her story. She's been doing this the whole way. And that is what's leading a lot of people to, I believe, erroneously believe that it's indication she was cheating because she can't explain it. But no, remember, she is trying to become a somebody in poker. She doesn't want to be seen as a stupid fish. She wants to be seen as someone who did a lot of work with her coach, Faraz, and that she's making advanced plays. And she's playing the man, as she says. She's not playing the card, she's playing the man. She's the great reader of her opponents. So she's trying to explain a stupid move afterwards by making it seem less stupid, and she's changing around details so she sounds like she actually uh, knew what she was doing. And I've seen people do this before. So, yeah, at one point she's saying, oh, I thought I had a three because my last hand was jack three. I thought I had a pair of threes to, oh, I have jack high, but I think it might be good because I thought he's on a draw. Or I thought at least I could maybe spike the jack on one of these runouts. And since he didn't have a 10, which he could have had, but since he didn't have a 10, uh, I, I had a chance to get that. So that was her logic. Not great logic, but she's trying to say something to make it seem like she is not a horrible player. And I think she may also worry that if she tells the truth, that it'll make her not only look like a fish, but more of a cheater. So I think she erroneously believes that if she's suspected of cheating, the only way to get out of that suspicion is to give a story that makes it sound plausible. And the problem is then people catch you in contradictions and you look like a liar. So it has the opposite effect of what you were intending. So what she should just do is just be honest. It wasn't a good play. I got caught up in the moment. I thought he might be on a draw. I convinced myself he might be on a low draw because I had one of the jacks, and in fact, the jack of clubs. So I convinced myself this was a good play when in reality it was a horrible play, and I got lucky and won. And that's it. I'm not cheating. I just made a really dumb play. She should just say that instead of jumping around making it seem like she's playing the man, blah, blah, blah. Let me remind you once again that the previous hand I had was jack three. I'm under a lot of pressure from what people consider the goat of the cash world. Look at that hand again. You think I have time to speculate and decipher all these things that you guys are breaking apart in hours of footage and like opportunity to decide? You guys, like, you're giving it too much of a reading. I made an instant hero call on a man I did not trust. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. It was a you hero have time call. Trips. You could, you have and time unfortunately, trips it was the right call. And the odds were against me slightly, not really. I think it was like 47-53 after like all the you know cards were dealt. They weren't even that much against me. And you're just, the, the fact that I just won both of like the runouts is the reason that we're even having this e- conversation. Even if Garrett won both runouts, there would still be a question of how you called with that hand and why. And that's, that's <laughs> what so, I don't thing. think. I don't think. I disagree. Not when I said that I played the man and not the cards, you have to look at the other um, hands I've had for them. Yeah, okay, Rob, Robbie, basically, Robbie's alluding to, right? So she played a couple of really sick hands against Garrett. One hand, she had King Jack. She made a big bluff on the river against Garrett. He had Queens. He laid it down. The biggest hand, this was a sick hand, was Garrett three bet. For some reason, three bet out of the position with the King six suited. Robbie called in position, ace king. Flop like six, four, deuce. Garrett bets. Robbie calls. Turn is at eight. 
I think Garrett bet again. Robbie called, and then the river was an ace. So Robbie makes ace king on the river. So she got the top pair, top kicker. He basically shoves all in for like two x pot. She thinks about it for a bit, calls. He is shocked. He's like, "Holy fuck, you actually called!" And basically loses a sixty eight pot, which was a three hundred big blind pot. So you guys do have a interesting history of hands that you played yes. so far. And yes. then you, you also mentioned. So I see what you're saying when you're saying, you know, like you got your own history with this guy, like. Clearly, right? Like you guys were battling. I don't know what I don't know what the hell is going on, but you guys were going after each other, in my perception. And you mentioned also something about like off stream. You guys played as well too. So it just seems like you have more history with Garrett, and you know he's looking to play hands with you. And it sounds like you are saying, well, if he's going to play hands with me, then I want to play a lot of hands with him, and I'm not going to let this guy push me around. But a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, that's a lot of money to risk. So especially if you don't usually play high stakes cash games, and people are like, why would you come on here? And risk that much money everyone's like oh you know is what's going on with that situation so i mean maybe if, if you want to talk a little and, about and that. robbie i do want to say something like if your tweet is correct about the way the situation went down and he did threaten you or he did ask the money obviously that makes him look a lot worse um i think that that's not right to happen in any situation this situation could be taken care of later like the phil hung youth and the angle shooting one from the streamer game where phil ended up getting money back to the guy then giving it back i mean there's plenty of time to make it right as you know, cooler hairs prevail. And I think Garrett is a very reasonable person. And if he acted in a way that he, you know, goes back to his house and thinks what he did was wrong. I, 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 I've never met Garrett, but I know that he has similar morals to me and he would make it right if he felt like he did something inappropriate to you. And by the way, unrelated, but you notice how Sean Deeb sounds like he's in a tunnel. You would never guess this, but he actually has a headset on. So he shouldn't sound like he's in a tunnel. He sounds like he's speaking into an internal microphone of his laptop, which does make it kind of sound like you're in a tunnel. It kind of sounds like you're on a speakerphone or a tunnel or whatever. But he's actually got a headset on. I have a headset on. Do I sound like I'm in a tunnel? No. So I think he has his computer misconfigured. I have a feeling that this microphone that he thinks he's speaking into, he is not. And in reality, the microphone's doing nothing, and he actually is speaking into the internal mic of his laptop a few feet away and that's why he sounds like this <laughs> so, so weird to see him with a headset on with that microphone right up to his mouth and he sounds like he's in a freaking tunnel i'm sorry let's go on you know obviously i don't fault you i don't think you paying him is an admission of guilt i think you were definitely railroaded in a lot of ways in this end so um yeah i think that those statements need to be made. I think you need to understand that if that's what happened, no one is okay with that in any scenario. Even if you literally told him I cheated and he demanded the money back, I would not be okay with that. There's just no way. That's not the time or the place to do it or to make it happen. And, you know, you should have time to be away from the table, not mid-game, and, you know, not be trying to get him back in the game for better views or for the stream because you have your own financial interests in mind. So to, to allude to the fact that this is 135,000, whatever, I think it was actually a 200. Yeah, two, it was 265,000, maybe like 130K each on each side. Right. So we're, we're talking about like super high stakes here and every pot can get inflated like that. And it's a matter of a few minutes that someone can lose 300,000 or win 300,000. I'm not actually like downplaying the, um, the value of a dollar here, but we're not sitting at this table um, worried about a dollar because you wouldn't be sitting there otherwise. 
So when we're, we're in pots with each other, it's really about the hands that you're holding. So as much as it's like, well, you don't give a shit about 135. Well, I could lose that in the le- next five minutes and potentially get 3x that in the next 10 minutes. I mean, that's why we're sitting at this table. Like we're sitting here playing our hands and we're playing poker. And the money is secondary to the fact that we're playing the game that we're trying to win. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you sit there and you worry about money. We're not sitting there with scared money. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sitting with, there with those kind of stacks. So, so that's I think that, one. So yeah. for me, everyone's like, oh, 135. Oh, my God. But like, had we gotten back in another hand, he could have potentially taken that 135 right back. And we wouldn't even be here talking about it because it's that easy to take back in a single hand and super high stakes. Right. Yeah, confirmation no. for that please no, i mean I, I i think uh i mean I, I, it's one way to see it i mean one way to see it is that you know if i do lose this hand, i mean listen that's one way to think about it because i used to think about it that way for a long time where even if i lose this hand whatever fuck it we go to the next hand and i'm going to play another few thousand hands so i always know in my mind there's always a chance i'm going to make it back so for me i didn't necessarily mind making certain plays that some people might look at and say what is this person doing so it sounds like you're saying your logic is that where listen if i make a play here and uh, it don't work out and I look like an idiot, like fuck it, whatever. I thought I made a move. It is what it is. I go buy back in and you're comfortable with that happening because in this situation, the stakes to you are, you know, all, it's all relative. So some people see it as like, oh my God. Other people see it as like, you know, hey, this is me enjoying my time and I take it seriously. And it kind of sounds like you fall into that category where like, you know, you are taking well, it I seriously, but you, you're just trying to play your game. Perspective, Joey, like here's the thing. I know I, I, I don't want to ever downplay the value of like money. Of course, this is a lot of money. It doesn't matter how much money you have in your bank, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's really hard for people when we throw a number out there and go, oh, she just gave back $135,000 like it was nothing. But it's not that it isn't nothing, but we are literally playing pot sizes that are mostly averaged at that price. Mm-hmm. So it's I always say this, like we're all if we sit in the table long enough post stream during the stream, we're just redistributing our money, right? Like we are redistributing chips and money. I mean, the amount of money that's at the table is just being redistributed. We play again the second day and it's it might go right back to the person that you got it from. And that is just the nature of super high stakes poker. What she's missing here is what's known as big blinds per hundred. And that is a metric of how much you're up or down over a period of time. That how many big blinds you're up per hundred hands played. So what's going to happen at the poker table is that sometimes you're going to get good luck, sometimes you're going to get bad luck, sometimes you have average luck, and it's all going to come together. And then when you do add it all together, then you're going to end up with a number of big blinds you've won or lost per hundred. And then you have certain goals of what you're looking to win per hundred. So you can't just take a pot you should have won and cancel it out and say, well, I play so many big pots like this over time. This is going to be meaningless because the point is that pot you won is making up for later when you have bad luck and you lose a pot or when you don't play well and lose a pot. She didn't play well and won a pot, but that happens. The thing is, all these things go into what your win rate is. That's why you can't just say, well, we'll we'll just forget about this. I'll give you back the money because we play so many pots of this size, it doesn't matter. It does because it brings your win rate way down when you do that. You can't just take out the winners or you can't just take out the losers. It's kind of like if you lose a few really big hands in a session, 
you could always say, hey, if we just take away those four big hands I lost this session, I actually would have had a winning session instead of a horrible one. Well, yeah, but you can't take away those four big hands. That's the, that's the whole point of poker sessions. You're going to have good hands and bad hands. You can't just exclude certain ones on either side to, and then make a conclusion. So this is a stupid way to talk about it. The bottom line is she just handed back 135000 U.S. dollars to somebody who did not deserve to get it from her. So what may seem like a lot of money for somebody is uh, in this in this particular hand or in this particular game is the matter of minutes like and and it's just as easily lost as it is won. So I think it's just you, we have to bring into perspective that when I'm giving back 135 it's not like my year sal like this like long-term job and I gave up like oh I just admitted to faulting for something because all my hard-earned cash it wasn't really that hard earned and it's not really that hard lost. Okay. Like we Mm -hmm. took our risks. So for whatever reason, whoever has money on that table, whether it's staked or it isn't. And if, and I, and I know one of, I don't know which one it was that asked like where my bankroll is coming from. I came from biopharmaceuticals. So you can do the math there. I mean, we're talking about evil pharma, Mm -hmm. uh, heavily a reason why I left it because it is heavily compensated but right, i had right, my certain right. reasons for it so you were yeah, you're you a salesperson you're a salesperson for pharma, pharmaceutical industry you're saying you're a, you're a salesperson pharmaceutical rep- industry far, far more than that actually um for what's it called way above that level and um i i you know and it's one of those things like i was in a director position and i worked my way all the way up there and i did that for 15 years and right, that was right, my right. life makes, makes sense um so i'm not saying that I'm just saying I think it, it, it changes the perspective and, and, and like the understanding of like people think I gave up 135. I didn't give up 135. We're we're dealing with pot sizes like that. Like I could have easily lost that in a pot against him mm-hmm. in the very next hand. Mm-hmm. So for me, if it meant am I gonna make their number one star player happy? And um you said something, Sean, where like you thought that I said that I was threatened by him and all this stuff. What happened was out of I, I didn't know why I was asked to step outside of my uh, step outside of the game. No idea why they wanted me out there. I was brought into this weird dark hallway, and I feel for Ryan because he like the reason that I even wanted to make everything amicable and the least disruption as possible was because of the production team. I heavily respect them. Ryan and Nick have put on a show that's been phenomenal, and they've been really wonderful to me since I came on. Interesting. That kind of goes along with some theories we got from our callers, like Darren and Patrick, that she basically was trying to keep them happy over there at Hustler Casino Live and bring her back, maybe because she even had some ideas of this rising her to future stardom beyond poker, Mm. or at the very least being able to come back on the show. So I just put, I, when I went in the hallway, I see Garrett and he's pacing, he's stressed out. He looks like he, and if nobody believes me, look at the way he stared at me on camera. And you can only imagine what he was like off camera. It was very threatening to me. I'm by myself in the hallway and I'm like, wait, aren't we going to go back and start playing? And Garrett's like, no, I'm never going back and playing. I'm like, you're what? And I feel like I'm the sole reason that their star player who's on a fucking billboard right outside of the casino, who... I, I have to give them, you know, I mean, I have to give them some credit for being the sole reason that like this stream became up and running only one year ago, um, who I do respect as a player. I think Garrett's a phenomenal player. Mm. I respect him heavily. 
But like, I, I, now I feel like I am the sole reason he's not going to go back in air. So I looked at him, I said, like, wait, wait, hold on, what's going on? He's like, can you explain that hand to me? And I explained to him. I had my reasons. I said, look, I, I, I'm trying to figure out whether I misread the three, but like the, the jack clubs in my hand helped because I looked at a flopped, you know, two clubs, um, a backdoor straight draw, flush draw. Okay, and when the and the river card came and you like shoved on me and it was a brick card, I'm like, okay, he doesn't have shit. He's just he has a draw that might be slightly better than mine at best, an ace high. Um, and I just knew it. That's why I wanted to run it twice. And I said, that's that's why I did it. It was a hero call. And he's looking at me with the same intensity that I received at that table, and he refuses to go back to the table. And Ryan looked really stressed out. I don't want to <laughs> let down production. They've been really good to me. So I looked at Garrett and I said, what do you need from me? What do you need from me for you to go back in there and play? I don't want this to be like a thing tonight. He's right, like, right, um, right. well, you can give me my money back for once. I was like, can we, can, can we go half or whatever? And he was like, 135. I looked at Ryan. I was like, are you cool with that? And Ryan's like, I, 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 I absolutely cannot advise you of anything like that that is completely on you which i completely respect that he said that but i looked at garrett and i was like garrett then then i'm gonna ask you one thing and you shake on this i said if you if i give you your 135 back will you shake my hand and we're gonna agree to the fact that you're gonna walk back in there one number two you and me aren't gonna have beef after this because i don't deal with drama i don't like it i don't want it to be a thing I, like just just let it fucking go okay you can have your fucking money back i'll get it back i'm not concerned about it and number three don't make this a thing where you don't bring me back on stream again because like you feel uncomfortable playing with me mm. because i've heard certain things about that so he said mm. deal and he looked at me in the eye and he shook my hand what happened was when i physically walked back into that room and and i looked at him and and even ryan said like can you guys maybe not like do this chip exchange in front of everybody but i was like well i have a hundred and forty thousand dollars or of chips sitting next to me that wasn't the chips that i had on the table i started with a hundred band on the table i worked it up to whatever i worked it up to i only had that one hundred and forty thousand on the side as reserve as a second buy-in if i went all in and lost which might have been a little bit of a reason for why i was like kind of ballsy to make mm -hmm. that call because i had one hundred forty thousand sitting right next to me that i was going to put right back on the table Mm -hmm. And I have confidence in myself to grow that. Just saying. But anyways, it was sitting right next to me. He's like, go get me those chips. So I go in there, I grab them, and I bring it back to him. Well, I was short one 5,000 chip, right? One single chip. And he was like, go back in there and get it, which I thought was interesting of a demand. Wow. Interesting indeed. So she's claiming that uh, after agreeing to give him his money back from this hand, that when she grabs the chips to get them, I don't quite understand what she means about money behind. If she had money behind, then why did she have to go get chips off the table? But that she went back to the table, grabbed what she thought was 135K, gave him 130K, and even after giving him this refund he didn't deserve, that he said back, no, that's not sufficient. You said 135. It's five short. Go get me the other 5,000 off the table. <laughs> wow. I mean, this is her report, but... That's pretty bad. You know what? I believe her so far, by the way. This story sounds pretty accurate to me, and she's just telling it without hesitation. This really sounds sincere. No way to know for sure, 
but it sounds sincere and it goes along mostly with what Ryan Feldman said that he heard. And it also goes along with what Darren was saying earlier, that she felt that Garrett had the power to push her off the show and that she just wanted this whole thing to be done. She figured she'd win the money back anyway. And all she wanted is to stay on the show in the future. And she did not want Garrett interfering. So like, hey, I'll give you the money back here, but you can't get me kicked off the show and we have to go back in and act like everything's cool. And Garrett's like, oh, okay. But totally wrong. Totally unethical to accept the money under those circumstances. If Garrett felt that she was cheating and that he got cheated, the ethical thing would be, okay, then leave this game forever. Not, I'll take the money back and now you can sit down and cheat everybody again. What? If she's cheating, you shouldn't have wanted her back in the game. Not just for you, but for everybody. So if you get made whole, it's cool to unleash the cheater back there. That's what it sounds like he was agreeing to. Now, he ended up not joining the game because Rip freaked out and yelled at him. But that's pretty messed up if that's the way the conversation went. Where she offered the money back, he took it because he, quote, was sure she was cheating, but then shook on it with her that he's going to return to the game and not interfere with her being invited back, despite thinking that there's a 100% chance she cheated. This makes him look really bad. This makes it look like that as long as he gets paid back from this hand, then he doesn't give a shit about the game or if there's a cheater in it, as long as he's kind of aware and can watch for it in the future. That is messed up. And maybe even at that point, he was wondering if there really was cheating and was just happy to get his money back and noticed that she was willing to give it. Hmm. I believe this, too. This is pretty messed up, don't you think? I mean, again, you never know. This is her version of the story. But, wow. So, I, wait, when wait, I wait, watched wait, that wait, video, you that's you... when Rip saw me do it. And he saw that, like, I'm literally being schooled to come back and get a fucking single 5,000 chip after I've, I'm giving him a stack of 135. I guess I was short 5,000. And he's like, what the fuck is this man making you do? And then he's like, are you giving your money back? You know why I really believe this? Because that's kind of a weird thing to make up. If you're making up this story, you're not going to throw in that you had to go back a second time to get another 5K off. This is the type of thing that will only be part of the story if it really happened. Because it's just so weird. It's just so outlandish that... After this whole thing with her agreeing that she goes back and then accidentally falls 5K short, and then he says, no, go back and get that other 5K also. And then she goes back, and then that's when the whole thing is caught. So I believe this. I really think this is pretty close to the truth. And and yes, in that particular game, Rip, who is, he, I mean, like, he's my buddy. He's looking out for me. And I look like I am being told what to do with my money. And, and it was a fair, I won it. I'm sorry that I won a hand I shouldn't have won. I pretty much got told to give back money for a hand I shouldn't have won. How many hands have you won that you shouldn't have won? Did they ask for the money back? We've all been there. Ace five against ace king all in. Ace five shouldn't win, but a five comes out the fucking river. There are hands that we should not win that we win. But here I am being told that I have to give back that money. And for whatever reason, he felt like that was an unfair thing of me to do. And, and, and unfortunately, it was in a visual perspective for him to recognize what was happening when I came back and got that $5,000 chip because it was like, oh, wow, the 135 wasn't good enough. Oh, you need another 5000 Like that, that was excessive. And for me, I was like, wow, that's insane. Like, I mean, you should just fucking walk away. 
At which point, our agreement, me and Garrett's agreement was, and I shook my hand with him, was that you come back if I give you the money. Well, Rip lost his fucking shit. His name was Jacob. And he's like losing his shit. And now Garrett looks at me. He's like, I'm not going back in there because I get it. It was aggressive. Nobody wants to walk into there. But that wasn't our agreement. If that, if you weren't going to go back in there, I felt that he should give the money back. I walked away to the side. Ivy was doing his thing. He's like, I don't know why you ever have to explain to anybody why you won that hand. You never have to explain to anybody why you won that hand. And I looked at him. I was like, really? I was like, seriously, can I get your perspective and your, and your um, judgment? He's like, you never, he's like, if you're not cheating, you know, and he looked at Ryan, he's like, why are you making her explain why she won that? There is no reason for you to explain why you won that hand. You had to read on the guy. It doesn't matter. We've all done that. We read people, but because it's expo- the whole world sees what you actually had. Now you have to explain yourself. But like, why do you feel? And you're giving it. He's like, he was baffled, baffled. He was baffled. Like people are like, what are you? Um, but the thing is that like the look on Garrett's face at the table Imagine that off camera now. And I'm a woman and I'm the only woman in this like high stakes world lately. Like, like it's, it's hard enough. And you guys, I I don't want to do the whole like, you know, feminist thing, but like I literally got tapped on the shoulder, asked to go outside and go into this hallway with this man who already was giving me the death stare at the table. And I looked at him and said, like, like, you look like you want to murder me. And I've already dealt with this with Garrett. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in a hallway and I'm being told, by you know the producer who doesn't know what to do he's like robbie can you just explain it to him explain what to him that i want a hand i shouldn't have won that i made a call because because of who he is and i've already explained it to him um so, and, so when and you're I, saying there was an earlier incident is this you're talking about the hand at the um, table or was there a previous session hand that you're referencing no i mean look we've i've in my mind everyone's like uh, I've made some like some interesting calls against him that I think that others wouldn't make, but like it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm like a ballsy person. I feel like I'm making certain calls and reads that I have and I'm not psychic, but I'm also not cheating. And the more than anything, I would actually love that footage of me and um, Garrett and Ryan in that hallway to come out because then you can see what it was like. I don't know if they'll ever do it. I, I doubt that they will. Right. Yeah, I mean, the, the footage is going to be tough because not knowing what's being said. You know, that's important, too. She's actually calling for the footage of the conversation to be released. It may not be something you can hear. Maybe the cameras on the hallway don't have audio. Maybe you won't be able to hear it. There's a good chance of that. But she doesn't know that. She really wants this to be seen. Because she believes she's telling the truth and probably is telling something that's pretty close to the actual truth of what went down. And this is a pretty messed up story. Just think about it for a second. Think about it if you're her and you just made a dumb play with this Jack Four and you ended up winning the hand, even running it twice. And Garrett's pissed. And then you're told to go out there with him. And then you're feeling like you're going to get blackballed from the game and you're feeling like you're going to be branded a cheater in a viral video. And you're like, okay, I play such high stakes. You know, I'll just kind of pretend like we never played this pot and I'll give him back the money. And like, why should she have to do this? Why would Garrett accept this? Why would Garrett accept this under the condition that they don't talk about it and they go back to the table and continue playing? That would indicate that he admits she isn't cheating. 
for him to accept that money is so unethical, even if she offered it, even if he never asked for it, and she just said, hey, if I give you the money, will this go away? His answer should have been, well, yes, but also don't continue playing in the game. I don't want you in this game anymore. Then I could see him saying, if you give me back the money and you never come to the stream again, then I won't bring this up anymore. I'm not going to say you were innocent, but I'll stop bringing this up. That's not what happened, according to her, that they shook on the fact that they could all return to the game and just be cool with each other. And Ryan was even suggesting, hey, how about you just you know, get the money somehow where people can't see so they don't see those deals being made. Now, Ryan's doing this just because he wants the whole cheating allegation to go away, even if he knows it's false. So I, I see why he's saying it, though I don't think that was the right thing to do. I think he contributed to the sum, too. He should have said, no, we don't do this here. But, you know, as Darren was saying, Garrett has a lot of privilege there. Garrett is someone that has a lot of power with that show. So they're trying to keep him happy. And sometimes things happen that shouldn't happen. But she was, it really, to me, looks like wanted more than anything to continue on that show, both that night and going on, and figured she was so good, she's going to keep winning. So if this is the price to continue, then she'll do it, even though she feels it's wrong and she didn't do anything. Wow. Why is Garrett keeping that money? Like, we really need to hear from him. Did he agree to go back in the game with her after her returning the money to him? Did he agree to that? Did he shake on that? If so, that's messed up. That is not an ethical person. I'm sorry. That is not the golden boy we've gotten to know. That's not the zen, positive guy we've gotten to know. That's someone really taking advantage of a novice player who doesn't understand what's totally wrong about this. He's taking advantage to get back money in a pot where he took a bad beat. Wow. I mean, that's just really, really unethical, especially for a guy who crushes the game so much. It's not like Garrett's been on a tremendous downswing and he's just looking to pay the rent. This is a guy who's been crushing the game forever. Wow. I know this is just her word, but uh, boy, am I believing this. This really makes him look bad. We'll def- protect you a lot. You know what, you know, the, but the one thing I will defend, because I've, I've read, I haven't read any, uh, all the things on Twitter. I mean, like, I can't even look down at my phone and catch <laughs> a comment before 500 more come. I will say that the stuff I caught was like certain things that he never threatened me. It was like, you better give me this money. I looked at him and said, what can I do for you to go back into the, into the stream? You, because you, I'm looking the out is, for the producers. In your tweet, you said he cornered me and threatened me. He did. So you, he so cornered you said me. He, didn't he was like, you. why did so, you do that? So you, you can't make these statements publicly and then come on here and say he didn't threaten you and then keep saying you might have been intimidated by him. That might be the word to describe it, but you can't he, say he threatened you if he didn't actually he, threaten you. I got a tap on the shoulder, Sean, to come yes. to a hallway to question. And I got questioned for things that I'm like, why is this coming at me right now? First of all, legally, that is unacceptable. I, I there's nobody here to look at us or observe us or see what the fuck is going on for what he suspected was like a cheating hand. I felt very cornered and that was very threatening. Mm-hmm. How is that not threatening? He is giving me the death stare at the table and now I am being asked to go to a sideways hallway in the middle of 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 an active like stream. She's right about this. 
I know what Sean Deeb is saying, and he's raising a good point, that you can't tweet these statements that you were getting threatened in a dark hallway and then come back and say, oh, you know, I actually wasn't threatened so much. Uh, he was just pressuring me. Like, if he wasn't threatening you, then don't say he was threatening you. And if the threats were related to a viral video making you look bad, then make sure people understand that, that they weren't physical threats, that they were threats of humiliation, which, by the way, are still threats. They're just not physical threats. So she should have just been honest about that and not keep throwing in about the dark hallway. It's it's not a dark hallway. So she's exaggerating, but I think you get the idea of what was really happening. And she's right that she should not have been pulled from the game to go have Garrett intimidate her and bitch at her about this. If she's going to be pulled from the game, then Hustler Casino Live staff should have been talking to both sides and not had them together. Not without any, like, uh, you know, recollection of what the hell is going on. Like, I just got a tap on the shoulder. Hey, someone needs to talk to you in that hallway over there. I'm walking. I see Garrett, and he looks angry as he's walking. So I know what I'm kind of up against. And then now here I am in a hallway with, like, all these, like, eyes on me telling me, like, what happened? What's going on? It was very threatening. And I was like... So all these eyes. Was anyone else there besides Ryan and Garrett? No. I mean, I can understand you feeling intimidated, but I totally get that. But the way you keep flip-flopping from threatening, the way you explain being threatened, you can be intimidated in this scenario. But- yeah, she she seems prone to exaggeration, and that's why her credibility isn't that great with some people who've been observing this. And you've got to read between the lines here. You've got to look at this and say, okay, is some of this just her being overly dramatic and... The answer to that is probably yes. Is she outright lying? The answer to that is probably no. And you can't just say, well, because she's saying she was threatened, but it actually wasn't the threatened the way we'd think of it. And because she's saying the hallway was dark, but it was really a light hallway, well, we can't trust her. Well, not necessarily. This can be someone who's mostly telling a true story, but is exaggerating to make it sound worse. And the problem when you exaggerate like this, and we'll occasionally contradict yourself is that people lose faith in what you're telling them and don't believe you that's always why i don't want to get away from this and go off into a tangent but whenever i advise people who are trying to complain to management of a company when they were mistreated or cheated in some way and they're trying to get resolutions i always advise them number one find the major things that happened and focus on that drop all the minutiae even if there were multiple things that were bad drop all the minor stuff because it's going to get it's going to bury all the major stuff and you don't want that and second do not exaggerate do not lie do not throw in details that didn't really happen because the second you are found not to be telling the truth then they won't believe anything so you need to be honest and you need to stick to the major stuff is what i tell them and that will get things done so same thing here I think she has somewhat buried herself by changing her story, by exaggerating. But if you really look at this critically, you can kind of figure out what really occurred. And I don't think any cheating occurred. And I think she was pressured in the hallway to give back the money. When she said, well, what can I do to make this right? After Garrett yells at her, well, what can I do to make this right? Well, you can give me back the money. 
well, okay, fine. If I give back the money, can we go back in there and pretend like it's all okay? Will you keep playing on the stream like you're fine? Will you not blackball me from the stream like I think you have the power to do because you're influential here? If you agree to all that, I'll hand it back to you right now. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. And they shake on it. And then I'm not sure exactly how she got the first 130K. I don't know if she went and uh, got it off her stack or if some uh, some chips she had on the side. I, it was kind of confusing. But she gives what's supposed to be 135. He sees this 130. And then he says, no, you said 135. Go get another five. And then she has to go to her stack and pick up five. And then uh, Rip sees it and freaks out. That's, to me, what looks like occurred. And if that is what happened, then Garrett looks awful. She does not look bad. Garrett looks awful here. She looks kind of gullible, but Garrett looks awful. He looks like an opportunistic asshole if this is what happened. And that's the most important part of this whole thing. Not the cheating part of it. The cheating part of it's interesting to debate, but that's not the most important thing here, especially because I don't think it's likely to have occurred. But the fact that golden boy Garrett went and did this and supposedly agreed to go back on her or go back with her and play on the stream and pretend like this is all okay when supposedly she's a cheater. And then he violates that too because her friend is rude to him and he yet he keeps the money. This all looks awful. This all looks terrible and I believe it. But Let me tell you something, Sean. If any other woman was in my disposition, they would not be at, they They would have um, stirred up a lot more shit than I am. But I'm used to this shit. I come from a male heavily dominated industry. I've succeeded and far surpassed it. I know I'm going into a poker heavy like male dominated friggin' world and I don't need anybody to come around and be Captain Sabaho for me. I want to have my own footing and my own ground. But the problem is that I think I was too nice in that particular scenario looking out for people that were looking out for me. I have respect for the production team and I just wanted their main guy who's been streaming for a fucking year and here I come a week and a half earlier to, to go back into the stream. I-, I thought of something else while she's rambling here. I think we're going to move on after this. She's repeating herself, but I think we're going to move on. But before we do that, notice that she kept talking about she has respect for the stream, blah, blah, blah. I thought about something else. She's won every single time on the stream, including this time after giving back that 135K. Even with that, she was up like 240,000. And if you add the 135 she should have also had, she would have been up about 375,000. In three sessions. So what does she think? Seems like free money. Seems like you can print money. And I'm sure for those of you who have played poker, which is most of you, I'm sure you have had that feeling at times when you have gone to play poker and everything just falls the right way and it just seems like you can do no wrong and it seems like you're the best player in the world. It's like every time you sit down at the poker table, money just flows into your pocket and you can't even picture how you could even lose because it just seems like even when you have a temporary downswing, you, you swing right back up and get back what you lost and then some. So every time you go to play poker, it's like you're making money. Then there's other times where you're slumping for a while where it seems like the second you sit down, you're already down two buy-ins. And then you're trying to climb back out of it and you just can't and it just seems like you're the worst player in the world and everything you do is wrong. I'm sure you've felt both of these things at times during your poker play. So let's apply that here. She had played on the stream a total of three times and she had won each time. 
for a lot of money. So the way she saw it is that if she were to be banned from the stream because Garrett told them to ban her, then she would not be able to print money like this anymore. So she may have had the feeling that she just controls this game. She just runs this game as far as how much better she is than everybody else, which of course isn't true, but she probably felt because of her results that this is easy money, that she can make way more than this 135 by being able to come back in the future, including off Garrett himself. So she didn't want to be banned from it. It would be like if you're playing in a certain game that is local to you, that is the only casino that spreads that game at that stakes, and you're doing very well at that game, and if you are falsely accused of stealing, say, $400 out of somebody's stack next to you, and you know you didn't do it, you might stick to your guns and say, no, I'm not giving back this 400 because you can't prove I took it and I didn't take it, so... I'm not giving that back to this guy. But if the casino tells you we're going to ban you if you don't give that 400, you may give that 400 despite not being guilty because you don't want to lose being able to play in that game. Because that game is so profitable for you that the 400 to you just seems like nothing. Even if it's 4,000, maybe you'll do it, depending on how big the game is. So that might have been what was going on here at a higher level. That she thought the 135 was easily something she could regenerate because... All she does there is win. Yeah, it's only been three times, but as far as she's seen, she's batting 1,000. 100% of the time, she wins money there, and good money. So it seemed like she was worried that Garrett was going to get her banned from the stream and that Ryan and Nick would be unhappy with her if she didn't find some way to stop Garrett from being upset. That's exactly what this looks like to me. Not cheating. I, don't, I wanted the least disruption. And if it was going to cost me $135,000, I was willing to do that like a little bitch. And I will say that loud and clear. People are going to be like, wow, she just gave up 135 to save her ass. Yes, because guess what? I have no doubt that in a few hours, he might have gotten that 135 right back from me. Mm-hmm. And we are talking about super high stakes. We're not talking about this grind that's going to take several days of sitting on a 2-5 game to work up a stack of 100000 we're talking about a single hand where he could have easily taken back that 135 from me. I'd like to see how you get 100,000 from a few days at 2.5. If that were true, I would go sit down at 2.5 right now. But that aside, this is where some honesty would help. Like a lot of times, honesty is just the best policy with these type of things. Sometimes what you think is going to bother people if you tell the truth actually is going to make it a lot better. So just say, I've been winning every time here, and I feel like I can make money easily in this game. You guys may not agree, but I feel like I have a big edge against this game in general, and I did not want to lose it. So even though I didn't do anything wrong, I felt it was worth more than $135,000 to me in the long run to continue coming to this game. That's why I paid it, because I felt Garrett had the ability to keep me out of it. And people may laugh, ha ha ha, you're not a favorite in this game, you're a fish, but at least they don't think you're a cheater. At least they can possibly believe this. I would actually believe it. I think that's the real story. You cut through all this bullshit, I think that's the real story, that she did not want to lose the opportunity to play in this game where she thought she could print money and probably get some nice notoriety at the same time. She probably had all these dreams 
of being seen as this great player who studied under a good coach, reads people great, amazes people, just crushes it, basically prints money, makes more than she was making at the biotech job she had before. She gets all this adulation and poker fame, all this money, and all it costs is $135,000 to keep Garrett happy. She doesn't want to have to do it, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do to keep your dreams alive. I bet it was something very close to that. And she should have just said it. And she should have said as far as the Jack 4 hand, yes, I knew I had Jack 4. It was a stupid play. I thought he had low cards. I thought he was on a draw. And I, I thought that maybe this would end up okay. I just want to take a stand against him. He seems to just always be raising me. I just thought it was a good chance he had some low draw. Turned out I was right. And I got lucky. Oh, well, I promise I wasn't cheating. You won't find any other hand like this. In fact, you'll find other hands where I put money in really bad and did not end up well, like that Jack 8 hand, the Jack 8 diamonds hand. So had she just told the truth about all this stuff, I think it would have come off a lot better without all the contradictions. I've had businesses before that do this to me where something wrong happens and instead of just telling me what really occurred, they tell me these outlandish stories which insult my intelligence and then when I say I don't believe it, then it becomes a battle of egos where they're insulted that I don't believe them even though they are lying. And then when the whole thing escalates and becomes a big mess, eventually it comes out, yeah, they told me a lie in the first place because they thought it sounded better. So that's exactly what you don't do. Sometimes the truth will sound better than your creative lie to make the whole thing sound more legit. Often just be honest with what's happening and people will be more understanding than you think. That's where she's kind of messed up in this whole thing. Okay, so I'm going to jump now to play when her husband called in because this is quite interesting. And this was the following day. This was on day two of Joey's show. This was his, like, 11-and-a-half-hour show on day two. And this was at the one-hour, 38-minute, 38-second mark of the day two of uh, Joey's, quote, investigation. This is a pretty uh, interesting call, so let's take a listen. Charles, you there? I'm here. Hey, how's it going, man? Thanks for calling in. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, we, I saw you on Twitter yesterday and saw you made some comments and saw you were liking some stuff and engaging some stuff. So I was like, oh, I got to get I got to get this guy's opinion because you are a lawyer in L.A. You obviously got a lot of different perspective than a lot of professional poker players are going to have. And uh, it's then. And so you're you're married to Robbie. Am I am I understanding that correctly? Or I, I'm just maybe introduce, introduce yourself a little, little bit for people. That's, I'm married to Robbie. Yes. Okay, cool. And you're a you're you mainly work in the crypto world right now. Or are you are you kind of getting into that world? We saw that you're a metaverse lawyer. You got the you got the lawyer NFT project as well too. So you uh, and you do a lot of content. Looks like you do journalism as well. So maybe you want to talk a little bit about what what kind of stuff you're into. Sure. Um, I write for Entrepreneur and Forbes magazine. I'm a Los Angeles Small Business Commissioner. I'm on the board of directors for Loyola Law, where I teach the law in the metaverse. I'm an operating partner of a private equity fund. I have a boutique law firm, and I'm on the board of directors for Adopt Together, the largest adoption charity in the country. Cool. Yeah, sounds like you're busy. Do you do you play any poker at all, or are you are you not a poker player? 
I do. I play a little. I actually taught Robbie how to play initially, which, uh, judging by all of the love that she's getting about being the worst poker player ever, <laughs> that's probably not something that I should admit to, but never. Anyway, let me stop this for a second. Some people were kind of laughing at this guy. Oh, he's a metaverse lawyer, a boutique metaverse lawyer. What a joke. Actually, it's not a joke. It's not a bad idea to get into that sort of law because this is a rapidly expanding space and a lot of people don't understand the various laws surrounding it. So it is sometimes good if you have any kind of these projects, an NFT project or maybe some sort of token whatever it might be that you might be developing or involved with to have someone advising you legally who has knowledge in that field and has put some research into that field and can even help you navigate any kind of allegations or maybe even later charges against you if you're ever accused of anything, securities, fraud, what have you. It's good to have a lawyer advising you the whole way. So that's not a bad idea at all. People go, oh, a metaverse lawyer. But I, I think that's uh, pretty creative of him to go into. And it could be very lucrative also. And the guy has a lot of money. So it looks like he does a lot of things and has been quite successful. Nevertheless, I taught her how to play. So I guess by logic, I would be the worst poker player ever. <laughs> worst poker player ever. <laughs> Uh, well, technically, she's getting coached by for the Jets. Part of technically, the coach she's getting coached by Faraj Jockas. So we actually cannot blame you for any sort of skills she have. We actually got to blame Faraj Jaka, who that's the she got the Jaka coaching thing on her uh, on her on her little uh, on the water bottle that's at the table that people were, were watching. So I think we would technically. I'll, I'll go with that, Joe. I, I will say that Faraj is the intervening cause of her being the worst poker player ever, and not me. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. So I guess you're you're sitting at home. I mean, what's your impression of this situation? I mean, you are like I don't know if you watch much poker. I don't know if you're familiar with how crazy the poker community can be. And now you're obviously getting a little some exposure to it. So maybe just give us your take on what you're seeing from your side. Yeah, look, I, I think the whole situation is very unfortunate. You know, I, I'll tell you the, the first part that's sad for me, sitting obviously as a husband, which is the first position that I would take is I've seen this woman who is an extraordinarily intelligent person. So Doug Polk's comment about her being dumb, dumb, dumb is it's, de it's offensive, demeaning, misogynistic. It's, it's actually fairly horrible. This is a woman that spent the last 10 years of her life in biotechnology, oncology, working on cancer cures, there is nothing dumb about her. She's an extraordinarily intelligent woman. Let me stop this right here. He mentions this several times during the call that he's mad that people keep saying she's dumb. So this really was bothering him. I will say that from her background that I found by looking into her, she couldn't be dumb. She got a double major at UC Santa Barbara and completed that. She has worked in the biotech industry. I, I don't know if she was involved in any of the scientific element of that or if she was more in the administrative element, but whatever it was that she was in the industry, it does require some understanding no matter what. And you can't say this is a dumb person just because she isn't a good poker player. I will say she's not a good poker player from what I see. She's only been playing for a year. But yeah, um, you would think with the coaching that she's getting that you would expect her to be better, but some people just don't have the aptitude for poker. Poker play does not mean that you're smart or dumb based upon how good you are at poker. 
there are some really smart people I know who just aren't very good at poker, even though they've been playing for a long time. They just aren't good. They just don't have the aptitude to be good poker players. And there's some great poker players I know who just aren't that smart, that you take them out of the poker environment and they're not smart with anything. They're not smart common sense-wise. They're not smart from the book smart standpoint. It's hard to explain things to them and get them to understand. They seem like a space cadet with everything except poker. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I'm sure you've known people like that as well in the poker community. But then at the poker table, they're great. So there's all kinds. There's also smart people who are also very good at poker. There's also dumb people who are very bad at poker. It's all over the spectrum, okay? So I will say she does not appear to be a good poker player, but that does not mean she's dumb. And it doesn't mean that she's dumb because when she tries to explain it, she's all over the place. That may mean she's not 100% honest, but it doesn't mean she's dumb. So I don't believe she's dumb. And I can understand as her husband why this bothers him to hear this, but he mentions this over and over during this call. So, I, I look, I think everybody's passionate about this. Everybody's riled up. Everybody's excited. I, yeah, I think the excitement's good for the sport, and it's good for the ratings, but I think there has to be a, a modicum of respect right, that right. should be given to everybody. So calling anybody dumb, 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 especially, again, a woman that spent 10 years of her life uh, working on cancer cures is, is offensive, not only as a husband, but uh, as a human being. So that, that's, you know, that's where I would start. The second thing that I would say is, is sad is this is an individual on top of that who I've never seen anybody work harder in my life. When I tell you that she is up watching poker till four or five, six o'clock in the morning every single night of her life without fail, this is someone who has entirely dedicated herself to this craft. She is tirelessly pursuing it. Mm -hmm. She has brought private coaches in. She never skips a day. She never takes a day off. So I think demeaning her for uh, a, a call that you know is questionable is also denigrating in a fashion that's just unfair. It's just it's just not right. Again, but look, the internet is fun, it's wild, it's fluid. There's trolls, there's trolling. Mm -hmm. So we can't take any of it seriously. I think I, I think I read something a little earlier today that said I'm a metaverse lawyer. Hint, as in. I wrote articles for Entrepreneur and Forbes on technology as if that would give me some kind of inside information as to RFID devices. So it, it's become completely absurd. Uh, the ring that I read about in question is from Cassandian Jeweler in Beverly Hills. It's mm. a 5.5 carat Tanzanian ruby. There's no device in it. I can guarantee anybody. What he's talking about here is that some stupid conspiracy theory that went around on Twitter Someone saw she was wearing a ring that at some point during the broadcast, you saw like a little glimmer of light from it. Like she's got some sort of signaling ring that lights up when she has the best hand. That wouldn't make any sense because everyone would see it. <laughs> you wouldn't want something lighting up. Anyway, it's pretty clear from that video, that little clip that's posted. It's just a reflection of the light fixtures above. So th these are the stupid things that are being put. But you could see sh that this husband of hers has been reading all this on social media and seeing everything. So ignore the ring thing. It's stupid. But he can go look at it. When I rushed to the casino yesterday uh, to see her, 
uh, in the midst of all of this madness, both of the alleged JFK stylized water bottles were sitting on the table right where they had always been uh, or sitting in the table, the card table outside. She wasn't hiding them. They weren't being moved. The lid was on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the belt, the the vibrating packs and her waist. It, how, how absolutely stupid, imbecilic would someone have to be to wear skin tight pants and and then put a a obviously thick device under said skin tight pants <laughs> and not? It's it's absurd. The whole thing is absurd. So about the device in her pants, some guy messaged Joey, and then I looked at what the guy was messaging, because Joey showed it on the screen for a little bit, and the guy was alleging, this is some anonymous guy, that she had a device in her jacket, then she completely removed the jacket from the chair, you couldn't see it anymore, and then at some point after that, there was a rectangular bulge in the leggings or tight pants she was wearing, and The funny thing was I did go through the timestamps the guy said, and it is true for about a 40-minute period, the jacket just completely disappeared, and then somehow the jacket appeared again, and then, yes, at one of the camera angles, you could see what kind of did look like a rectangular thing that was in her leggings. But I wouldn't make too much of this. First of all, the jacket didn't disappear until like two and a half hours after that big jack forehand. So if there's something to hide with the jacket, she would have ditched it a long time ago. Plus, the jacket came back. Now, this guy's theory was that she moved the device from the jacket into her pants because he felt that the one thing that the hustler would never be able to search was inside her pants. <laughs> but then how did she transfer it? Because during that time, she didn't get up and leave the table. The only time she left the table was to go with Garrett. Aside from that, she didn't go to the bathroom. She didn't leave the table. So how did she transfer the device into her pants? How come nobody saw it happening? And how come this would have happened like two and a half hours later rather than like right afterwards? So none of this makes any sense. The only thing I did notice that weird rectangular thing, but it wasn't super clear, so it was hard to tell. But it did seem like there was some kind of rectangular bulge in her pants. But it could have been anything, you know, like who knows? These things by themselves mean nothing. People are fishing for anything they can find here to point that she was cheating. This is... Not even what I would qualify as circumstantial evidence. So let's go on. I, again, I understand that it's good for business, but it's not really good for business because it casts this this doubt, the shadow over a sport that that has given my wife at least a, a huge amount of joy. I mean, she is the biggest poker ambassador I could ever imagine. She is happier now playing poker than she has ever been in her life. So mm-hmm. I think it's unfortunate. I, I think hopefully uh, it will be resolved the right way. I spoke with Nick yesterday and I said, all that I ask, all that I ask is that this is approached in a neutral and open-mindedness with a neutral open-mindedness and that she is afforded due process for right. the entirety of this investigative process and that as with everything in this country, you're innocent until proven guilty. The idea when people say she hasn't proven that she didn't do this, it's such an absurd statement. Correct. Correct. That's one of my big problems here with saying she cheated. This is one hand. 
This is not like Postle, where we had 18 months worth of stuff to go through and found a ton of hands that were suspicious. Here, there is one hand. That's it. One hand. And there is no evidence that there is cheating other than her playing it in a weird way and winning and Garrett being very concerned. There is no evidence. So one hand, and we don't have any evidence, circumstantial or otherwise, that she was cheating. No one even knows how she was cheating that they're alleging. They're coming up with theories, but nobody even knows how. So how can you call her a cheater? You can't. You can't say that we're going to assume she's a cheater because the way the hand was played was weird. And until we get something exonerating her, we're going to assume she's a cheater. That's not how it works. If this is one hand and you can't show any evidence cheating was occurring, you have to assume there wasn't cheating. And that's where everybody's making the mistake. It, it, it is fundamentally a, a incorrect, a wrong, and an absurdity. So let's talk about what's been proven mm-hmm. against her. What is the evidence against her? There's idiotic videos that, that would make her dumb, dumb, dumb if they were correct. She would absolutely be the stupidest person ever if they were correct. Mm-hmm. If the ruby was a electronic reading device if her I, I think i read today her fendi glasses i i know those fendi glasses are real fendi glasses because i saw the bill for the real fendi glasses so <laughs> again i think everybody needs to get uh, that everybody just needs to look at this again objectively um i i went there yesterday mm-hmm. i told and i will share exactly what i said i told ryan I am entirely offended. I'm disgusted. In fact, I said I'm fucking disgusted Mm -hmm. that you tapped my wife in the shoulder, that you removed her from the game in the middle of the game, that you sequestered her in a hallway off of the side of the game, and that you and Garrett, who she had just said is staring at me like he wants to kill me, told her, by his admission, by his tweet, that, quote, millions of people are going to view this. And obviously in his tweet, he also told, said expressly and quite explicitly, she's a cheater, which from a legal perspective, it just had me rubbing my hands. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, so, f- from, uh, no, go ahead. I'm going to let you continue what you uh, said. So- okay, well, that's a pretty big statement there, that when he tweeted that she's a cheater, it had him, who's an attorney, Rubbing his hands. Mm. That means he wants to sue Garrett. And maybe Hustler Casino Live, too. Now, if you recall, Mike Possel sued a bunch of people, including me, for making allegations against him. It ended up not working, but he did. So is it possible now that her husband, Charles Liu, who is an attorney, might be suing anyone who were to say or imply that his wife, Robbie, was a cheater. I don't think that's his plan from listening to him. I could tell Doug Polk was a little bit nervous about this. He kept saying it over and over in his subsequent video. Don't sue me. Don't sue me. Allegedly, allegedly. But it kind of looks like that this guy is looking to go after Garrett and possibly Hustler Casino Live. And I'll get to why shortly. It may not be the reason you think. So but just we'll, but we'll dive into it. Really, I, I, look, I, I, 
I don't want to sit here and ramble on. I'm sure everybody's got other things to do than listen to me on a Friday night. It's a sad situation. This is someone that has a deep, deep love and respect for the game. And is she the greatest player in the game? No. Is she dumb, dumb, dumb? Absolutely not. She is a brilliant, independent woman. The things that I've heard over the past day are despicable. They're Mm -hmm. vile. They're Mm -hmm. loathsome. They're misogynistic. They're offensive. And there's no no place for them in the modern society, in our modern society. And when she is vindicated, which she will be, there had better be profuse apologies. Mm -hmm. And even then, it's not going to be enough. Yeah, I mean, so are you familiar with uh, what happened with Mike Postle a couple years back? I am. You're familiar with that situation? So you sort of saw how that played out with, um, you know, with investigation. And then uh, there was the lawsuit process happened where the players filed a lawsuit against Mike. And then he came back with some sort of big lawsuit against ESPN and a bunch of other people involved. So you kind of... It's funny how Joey won't admit he was one of the people. Like, why would he not say that? Why would he say that, yeah, and he sued ESPN and me? Because <laughs> they sued him, too. I was part of it. Joey was part of it. Doug was part of it. Daniel Negrani was part of it. As I said, it didn't go anywhere. It's funny how Joey just won't talk about that. I think that kind of rattled Joey, the fact that he was sued for $330 million like that. Maybe he didn't want to give Charles any ideas to sue him. But anyway... Interesting how Charles said that when she's vindicated that profuse apologies are going to be necessary, but even if she gets them, this won't be enough. Uh Uh-oh. Well, why would anyone apologize if they're going to get sued anyway? That doesn't make sense. That would be self-defeating. But of course, these could be just threats. But I will get into a little bit later why I think this guy might actually sue Garrett saw that play out and we you know we didn't we we didn't really see anything play out in that situation it seemed like they filed some type of lawsuit against Paso that really had no chance of ever being ever going through because you couldn't recover money from a gambling establishment like that i believe is what took place so i guess in this situation what you're it sounds like what you're saying is that when she is when nothing comes out then the people who have been saying that she is cheating then you're going to take some type of uh, legal action against these these people that have been saying that. What I'm saying, Joey, is that absolutely nothing will be off the table as far as a legal approach to the injustices that have occurred. And Mm -hmm. they are multiple, and they are, again, vile, and it's not going to get brushed under the rug. Mm -hmm. And it's too late for an apology. So I still think this is aimed at Garrett, and maybe possibly at Hustler Casino Live. I still don't think it's going to be against people like Doug Polk and others that have said that they felt she was cheating. It's possible, and he's definitely not ruling that out. I think he is trying to scare people on the internet to stop saying bad things about his wife. So he's making them think that if they continue, they'll get sued. And it might be effective because people watched what Possel did. And now maybe people are going to be afraid to say anything. And that's not the right approach to say... If you give an opinion on my wife who appeared on this stream that I might sue you, I can understand why he's saying he might sue Garrett. In fact, Garrett is holding $135,000 of her money and not giving it back. But he is putting it out there that others commenting on this with, quote, vile comments might get sued. I I don't think that's the right approach. I, I think that 
people are going to say what they're going to say on the internet, and he has to understand this is a very controversial situation. I happen to be, as you guys have heard by now, much more on her side than Garrett's. But if I wasn't, I, I would be honest about it. And, you know, if I got sued, I got sued. That's a risk I always take by uh, doing this show. And I dealt with it with Possel. But I don't think he should be suing anybody on the other side, even if he doesn't like what they're saying. I think if he does want to sue anybody, it should be those that actually cause damages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so what are your thoughts about how Garrett's handled the situation in terms of with the uh, writing the the six-page note, the tweet that basically, I mean, a lot of these things, that I, I, I see what you're saying as well about, like, I don't, I feel bad for everyone involved in this situation because you never want to be attacked by people on the internet and everyone here is basically, getting, I, mean, I mean, I'm getting attacked in my chat all the time, right? I'm just, I'm just talking about what's happening. So people on the internet are absolutely fucking ruthless and... I yeah. love his six-page tweet. His six-page tweet is going to be exhibit one through six. Yeah, so, so I mean, do you want to share any thoughts on, on maybe the six-page tweet, just kind of how you're seeing it from your perspective? I, I think that he obviously didn't consult with a lawyer before he wrote it, and I think that was a very foolish move, and I think that anybody who reads it from a legal perspective would agree with me that it was a very foolish move. And I've already spoken with multiple people who agreed with me that it was a very foolish move. So again, I'll leave it that his six page tweet will be exhibit one through six. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, in terms of the way hustlers handle this, you know, you mentioned earlier about you weren't happy with the way that they pulled your wife off to the side and had a discussion with her. So what what's the thoughts on hustler and the relationship that you guys might have with Hustler, how you feel like they could handle the situation now at this point in time, besides doing a full deep dive potentially. We welcome a full deep dive. I would expect nothing less than a full deep dive. Mm -hmm. I am again surprised and shocked and dismayed that this woman was pulled from a table and sequestered and told that millions of people were going to watch this. Mm -hmm. It's 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 an absurdity it's offensive and i i cannot for the life of me imagine what prudent person thought in any universe any of these actions were smart or well thought out and there will be consequences for all of them there mm -hmm. absolutely will be consequences for all of these actions so from my perspective we're going to sit tight. We're going to let this unfold. We're going to come to the conclusion very quickly that her ruby ring was not some type of secret agent spy detecting electric RFID reading device, that her belt was not one, that her incredibly tight Versace pants were not carefully and cleverly concealing some other device. Mm -hmm. This is all going to be viewed as a complete absurdity and a farce. Garrett is going to deal with it. What the Garrett that everybody saw is a real Garrett. That 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 face, you can't hide that face. That was a real face. Mm -hmm. The other manicured face that we've all witnessed, I don't know. I don't know the gentleman. Mm -hmm. I know that Oh, I don't know this, but I would love to know if he would have treated a man like that. If he had asked a man to walk through across into a hall 
and sat there and said that to another man, I would have loved to, for him to do that to me at six foot and 210 pounds. I would have loved that. And I would love to see the response he got. So it's very, very easy to do it to a, a thin, scared, whether she comes across as, as bold and courageous, which she is, and stoic, which she is. Mm-hmm. She's on the biggest stage of her life, Joey. That's a right. huge fucking stage for anybody. And anybody that downplays the size of that stage... I, I don't understand. That's mm-hmm. a huge stage. That's a big pot. That's real money. She's ripped from that stage by the golden boy of of Hustler Casino Poker and told that everybody is going to be scrutinizing this. Millions and millions of people. What what should her appropriate response have been? What should she have done? I got I got no idea. In that situation, I mean you could understand. That's I kinda of point that out on the investigation I said no one's used to this situation. So I know you're being obviously critical of Garrett. Garrett is attacking someone that you love very much. I'm, I, I can understand where Garrett's coming from. So on my end, as someone that's more objective and looking at trying to look at both sides of the situation, I see where Garrett may have been coming from in some of these situations. Now, the, 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 what you're describing, the, the sequestering took place, all we saw on stream was that they went outside of the actual room itself. They had some type of conversation and then... She comes back in, gets money, goes out, gives him the money. He comes back in, stacks the money, goes back out there. There's some sort of like altercation where he didn't get enough money or something like that. And then the, uh, the cowboy Rip, he goes out there. That's when he starts going crazy. He's calling him a pussy. He's fucking putting, telling him names. And then Garrett comes back in, leaves. So well, I didn't see the sequestering. It sounds like what you're saying took place and kind of what these guys have alluded to in the messages is that there what because i've been there before so there is like a hallway for the workers there's like a side door you go back there's stairs they're going to go upstairs to the production room there's basically like a side door that a lot of staff is going to use to move backstage to move without going through the poker room so it sounds like what you're saying is that they went inside that hallway and there wasn't anybody else there they had this conversation he somebody said something about millions of people watching this and then she and it sounds like how it was described is that she sort of like was like oh fuck like damn, I don't want no issues. And she kind of said that in the interview is that, you know, I didn't want any problems. Like, I, I'm, like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, this guy, she said she felt threatened or she felt like she w- was being pressured into giving the money back. And so I guess when we're seeing that, we're saying, okay, well, did, was it pressure? It didn't seem like, it, it might not have seemed like pressure, but obviously other people might take it where they are getting pressured too. So about the, is that sort of what you're, you're referring to with the sequestered conversation they had that was in the hallway? Because we didn't get to see any of that on the, on the camera. I'm saying that my wife was, was pulled from a table and asked to join what could only be viewed as an adversarial situation. Right. And you're saying that, that's a problem? Or are you saying that, that, that is, that's like a, a – is, I mean, that, I feel like those things, those things sometimes happen in different, different environments. So, like, you can't – no one can really – like, what, where else are they supposed to have the conversation, I suppose, right? Like, if they are going to have a conversation about it and they feel like Garrett is upset and he goes to production and says, yo, like, I think something's off here. Should Ryan not go out there and say, hey, like, let's have a conversation? Because to me, it seems... The mistake here is putting her with Garrett. You can have a conversation. You just don't put her with the person who's being the accuser and then just leave them together. That's what you don't do. Like... If you're running the show, if I'm running that show, right, I want to have a conversation and be like, hey, like, what's going on? Now, the money part of things is something that Hustlers talked about. They weren't 
involved in. They didn't facilitate. That was something that took place between Robbie and Garrett. And then the argument seems like that you're making is that that was this pressured situation. And now the community's response that a lot of people have said is that, well, why would you give the money back if you didn't do anything wrong? Because we just never really heard of that happening before. And I've never heard of that happening before. And I, I have just heard a lot about poker, not to say that it never does happen, but people are saying that that would be an indication of somebody that's guilty if they offer to give the money back without somebody asking. And what you're saying is that he, she was felt pressured into giving the money back, which is why she may have responded in that way. I, I think, and I believe, and I know for a fact that she felt extraordinarily pressured. Mm. And if the, the entirety of the situation would have possibly been okay, possibly, had there been a representative from the casino there. But the fact that it was the showrunner and Garrett and mm-hmm. no one appalling. Well, the show, I mean, I, I, I guess I disagree there because the showrunner is the guy put on the show. So when we talk about Feldman, they are, Feldman and Nick Vertucci are the guys who created the show. And they, they do the lineups. They got the relationship with the casino. So you're saying you think that someone from Hustler Casino itself should have came over there and well, stepped in as an intermediary. Of course. I think there's a general consensus that it would be impossible for her to have cheated Mm-hmm. Uh, without some kind of collusion from the casino or some kind of complicit actions by the casino. So why wouldn't someone else have been there during during the entirety of this? Like yeah, why why yeah, was your point. A report, no report taken? Why was there no uh, formal uh, preservation of evidence given? Why was she not asked to turn over anything that could have uh, uh, he made an allegation of cheating and that allegation stuck? Mm-hmm. And there was never an attempt to say, how did she cheat? What did she do that was cheating? Did, did, was there was a water bottle investigated? The water bottle w- that was sat there for the next four hours? The ring that is from Cassandian Jeweler in Beverly Hills? Mm-hmm. It's, it's absurd. I mean, the, the, you know, he brings up a good point here. Now, Nick Vertucci responds as to why they did not do this. But this was kind of weird because... Either you were cheating or you weren't. There's no in-between. There's no half-cheating. So either the hand was totally legit and she owed Garrett nothing, or she was cheating and there should be consequences, plus, of course, Garrett should get his money back. So it's got to be one of those two things. So if there was suspected cheating, it is curious why... There was no investigation on the spot when they would have all the evidence right there. So why didn't they inspect these water bottles? Why didn't they ask, can you empty your jacket pockets so we can see what's in there? Maybe she refused and then they may have to get the police involved, but they can at least ask. They can say, you know, there's these allegations. Are you willing to show what's in your pockets and your jacket pockets and everything and let her show? And if she refuses, then they can say that was suspicious or they can even call the police or whatever it might be. And we still don't know if they even preserved the deck from that particular hand, which would be a huge mistake if they didn't, just in case there's any kind of card marking or anything else. So he is right that they should have stopped it and preserved everything if they were going to have this hallway conversation. If they're going to go that far, that instead of doing that, they should have preserved everything and asked her to volunteer to let them inspect things that could be suspect items and then see how cooperative she is and then go from there, but never put her with Garrett and never even try to 
be an intermediary with this whole thing. I know they didn't ask her to give money back and they said they just didn't get involved with that, which I, I believe, but then I kind of believe that Ryan Feldman agreed to, uh, or not agreed, but he suggested that they do this without anyone seeing. So really, this just shouldn't have happened. If this was a legit hand, then there should have been no money given back. And if it wasn't a legit hand, then they should have treated this as a crime, called the police, preserved evidence, and booted her from the game. I don't see how it's ever okay for her to give money back and then just both return to the game like nothing happened and them not inspecting these items that are right there to inspect. Because even if they investigate all they can now, they don't have those water bottles. They don't have that ring. They don't have those glasses she was wearing. They may not even have the cards. So what can they find out at that point aside from the system being hacked? And even then they may not be able to find it out if the system being hacked turns out that uh, it doesn't keep any kind of logs of it. And before I'm done with this whole thing, I'll give you a technical discussion because I am someone who is qualified to have this discussion. So I will give you a technical discussion of how possible it is to hack it and what evidence could or could not be left behind if this were to occur, because there's a lot of poor understanding of that. But let's go on here. I also want to have a legal discussion shortly. You know, me and my law degree and my respected law firm. Oh, wait. Well, I'll try anyway. The ring, the, listen, the ring thing was made by, I only seen the ring thing come up one time, and in these situations, like, people just throw out fucking everything. They're like a ring, they're a belt, they're a necklace. I got messages, literally, about every possible idea that it could be, and everyone messaged me is convinced that that's just what it is. So, I'm trying to figure out, like, oh my god, like, where are these people, you know, but what you're saying I agree with is that if there was cheating suspected there, obviously there had to be some sort of communication that was going on. So you would theoretically check those kind of items. I mean, in the heat of the moment, you know, no what? one's no one's prepared what? for that and no one really knows how to handle that. So I don't fault them that yeah. like for them for not handling it the way you're describing. You're describing we got we have the we can look back on it and say, Oh, we should have done this, we should have done that, we should have done that. But but again, so the there's no one from the casino invited to go over here. And, and then they allow Robbie to go back and continue playing. Mm -hmm. So, it, it, again... Yeah, I, it's, good, it's a fair point as well, too, right? If, he has, if she has been accused of cheating, and if they felt that it really happened, then maybe they would have pulled her from the game and not let her go back in the game. And the other players f apparently felt comfortable. Guys like Phil Ivey and guys like Andy, they felt comfortable enough to keep playing with her. So it seems like they didn't suspect cheating in that moment. Even when we saw the interviews, they said, yeah, we didn't. I, I had conversations with one of the players afterwards who had some very, and, and I'm, I'm not going to divulge his name because it's absolutely irre irrelevant. He had some very choice words for Garrett and for Garrett's actions and was flummoxed and disgusted and outraged by the entirety of the situation. So this is not, this is not an, an isolated incident and it was handled poorly. And at the very least, a profuse apology should be forthcoming. At mm -hmm. the very least. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I feel like in this situation, if if Hustler feels like they took a look at something and they just did say they would announce some kind of statement in the next 48 hours, I don't, I don't personally know what that statement's going to be. I haven't talked with Ryan or Nick today. Maybe you have some insight into what this statement might be. Oh, there, there was allegedly last night some statement, some big news that I heard about. And then right. today, I, 
on three different instances, there was, quote, big news. Right, right. All at five o'clock today. And I said, if I hear any more big news comments, this is just only going to exacerbate an already uh, uh, very, very well-fueled fire. Because you cannot say, quote, big news. There's not big news coming out that's going to exonerate her. So the mere quote of big news is insinuating that there's big news that that would make her appear guilty. Mm-hmm. So I said the next time there is a statement that there is big news coming out, there better be big news coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what you're referring to, I mean, I, I kind of thought the same thing when I saw this tweet earlier. It said update in the next 48 hours. We'll be releasing another detailed statement regarding the hand from last night's stream involving Robbie and Garrett. So I had... Nick Fertucci, who's one of the co-owners, co-founders of Hustle Casino Live on the show last night, he alluded to some type of information coming out this morning. I had another guy, Josh Macchiallo, on the show. He was talking about more information as well, kind of similar to what you're alluding to. And I haven't heard any of the big news either. And then they just came out an hour ago with this statement that in the next 40 hours, they released more statements. So I can see where you're saying, you're basically saying that that's implying that there is some type of information that would say that something took place here? Well, if we're conducting an extensive investigation, that extensive investigation isn't going to occur in a 24-hour period. Right. That's an absurdity again. So Mm -hmm. any big quote, big news, monumental news, groundbreaking news would be insinuating that there's news coming out that would not be favorable to Robbie. Mm. So... I would love to know what the big news is that was talked about yesterday and was referenced four or five times today, but it seems to be very elusive for such gargantuan news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're, we all got to wait and kind of see. I mean, the chat's fired up right now. We got, we got a lot of people watching in here. They're, they're enjoying the interview. They're not enjoying it. They're, everybody got an opinion in this chat. I mean, they're nothing like uh, dealing with this, these, these comments on Twitter and YouTube. Okay, so what he just said there... I was disappointed by this, quote, big news because it never came. Nick had said on an appearance on Joey's show that, this is the day before, that there was going to be some big news that was going to be dropped sometime soon, like later that day, that he wasn't going to drop it, but that someone was going to drop this and it would be very interesting and it might shed some light on the situation, something along those lines. And this upset her husband, apparently, who brought up very fairly, because I said the same thing, that anything big that would drop obviously wouldn't be exonerating her, because the only thing that could kind of exonerate her would be a long investigation that finds nothing. But something that's dropping the next day, that's big news, is going to be something negative. That's exactly what I thought when I heard that statement. So he told Hustler, if you make any statement like that again then it's going to get legally worse for you. And if you're going to say there's big news, then there better actually be big news. And then, indeed, the big news never really materialized, and it may have been this stupid thing that was put out that there was supposed vibration that you saw some, like, motion of the of her waist or something like that shortly before she decided to fold that Jack-8 hand. But that doesn't mean anything because people do nervous fidgeting all the time at the poker table when they're making a decision. So Doug Polk said, oh, we'll notice that as soon as she folded that jack eight, the 
vibrating stopped. Well, yeah, because she was probably thinking what to do, was making some kind of nervous motion with her foot, and then decided that uh, she's going to fold, folds, and then the hand's over, so there's no more nervous motion. I'm sure there was that. And by the way, I want you guys to try something. Put your phone on vibrate mode, and then have somebody call you, and listen to it. It's going to be pretty loud, right? You're going to hear, that's what you're going to hear. Have you ever seen like silent vibration before? And if you have, has it ever been strong enough to vibrate an entire chair and somebody's body? No. Vibration tends to make noise, especially if it's making other objects vibrate. So if she really is getting some kind of vibration, it would have to be a very weak vibration for people not to be able to hear it. Anything that would make her whole body and the chair move you would hear that. People at the table would hear, nobody heard that. So that's why this vibration thing and watching her body move before she folds is ridiculous. But anyway, I don't think that her husband actually could make this demand legally. I don't think he could say that by them saying big news is coming, that this is defamatory towards her because it could only be implied that something's going to drop that makes her look bad. Because that's his opinion, and that's my opinion too, but they're not saying that. They're not directly saying that big news is going to drop against her. So just saying big news is coming, if he tends to think that means it's going to be big news that's negative, you can't just assume that from a legal standpoint. So I think from there, he's kind of blowing smoke. But he may just say, we could sue you for other things, and if you keep doing this big news crap, we're going to be more motivated to sue you for those other things instead of letting them go. So he could be bringing it along those lines rather than saying that claiming big news is coming is somehow a violation that could be remedied civilly. I don't believe it could. It seemed like you are also a content creator. I saw you had some videos on your profile, kind of went through some of the content that you got put, you're putting out there and some of the things you're talking about. Cause I'm in the, I also love the NFT world and the crypto world, even though a lot of things are very down right now and everybody's kind of depressed about things too. So uh, when you're, what's your interpretation of like the, like the way people are reacting to this? Cause I've seen you say specifically with with how people have been maybe being supportive or not supportive with Robbie. So what's kind of your impression of just this spectacle that's taken place from like a entertainment standpoint or content standpoint, kind of from, from that, that part of things? Well, I, I look, I think this, as, as you can well imagine, this has been extremely deleterious to Robbie and, and to her, her mental and to her psyche. Uh, there's been what I could only describe as overwhelmingly positive support. She has been absolutely showered with positive support from people. Mm -hmm. So thankfully, that has been the the louder voice in her ear. Uh, I believe it will continue to be so. And I believe, again, that uh, when her veracity is proven, it will only echo louder. Uh, and, and that I would like to thank everybody i would like to thank the poker community again this is this is someone's dream that she's worked very hard for mm -hmm. very very hard all right he keeps saying a lot of the same thing over and over so um he does comment a little bit later on these rumors about what her relationship is with rip but i, I won't bother to get into this we've been at this for a very long time and that's not really important to this story 
Doug was claiming they were dating. He said that that's not true, that there's there's only a business relationship, whatever. I mean, there's no way to know the truth on that. And it doesn't really have much to do with the situation. But I want to have two discussions. First, I want to have a legal discussion. Could Charles Liu or Robbie Liu really sue people for saying that she was cheating? Because there's a lot of people on Twitter saying she was cheating. There's people who released videos saying or implying she was cheating. There are some on the other side who say that she was not cheating. There's some in the middle who say they're not sure. There's some who are leaning one way or the other. But could Charles Liu sue people successfully for saying that his wife was cheating? And could he sue Garrett successfully for saying that his wife was cheating and putting out that statement on Twitter saying his wife was cheating? So I am not an attorney, as you guys know, but I want to have this discussion because there's a lot of confusion about this. Some people erroneously believe that if you make a statement about somebody that is not true, that automatically you open yourself up to being sued for defamation. And that's not necessarily true. It can be true, but it's not necessarily true. So I want to get into that before we go further. But first, I want to throw somebody on here who is just waking up. What's happening, Jeff? Hello, Trader Ruski. Welcome to the end of the show here. Not the very end, but we're near the end. We're talking about the whole thing with Robbie Jade Liu and Gary Adelstein. And I feel that as far as any kind of defamation lawsuit goes, I don't think that this really has any shot, even against Garrett. And the reason for this is because winning a defamation lawsuit in California is very difficult for a few reasons. First of all, if you file a frivolous one, then you can be responsible for the other side's attorney's fees, and it can be dismissed pretty quickly through a motion called anti-slap. That's exactly what we did with Mike Possel. And not only do you have to show damages if you're bringing a defamation lawsuit, but you also have to show that it's not protected speech that you are suing about. And if somebody is a public figure or a limited purpose public figure, which I'll explain in a second, then the lawsuit will not succeed and it would be dismissed with an anti-slap motion. So a limited purpose public figure, for anyone who doesn't know, this is exactly what we dealt with the Apostle thing, so we talked about it before on the show. But a limited-purpose public figure is somebody who either has notoriety or fame in some sort of narrow area, in this case it would be poker, or has knowingly thrust themselves into some kind of high-profile situation. So basically, once somebody is ruled to be a limited-purpose public figure, then any speech about them in that area is considered fair game unless the the person making the defamatory speech knew what they were saying was false when they said it. So you actually have to know you're lying at the time, which of course is very hard to prove anyone was doing because you can't be inside anyone's head. So you'd actually have to have evidence that they 
knew they were lying and that like maybe they told someone else or emailed someone else that they were going to do this. Aside from that, even if you defame someone who is a limited purpose public figure, as long as you stick to that particular subject, then it is considered protected speech and you cannot successfully sue them. So in this case, it could be very easily argued that Robbie Jade Lou is a limited purpose public figure in poker because she appeared on a very high profile, in fact, the biggest poker stream in the world, expecting tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of viewers, and that she knowingly appeared on it, believing that it would have such an audience. So by appearing on there, any discussion of her appearance on there or her discussion of her in poker in general would be protected speech, as long as you could show she's a limited purpose public figure in poker, which would, I think, be pretty easy to do. And at that point, anyone saying she's a cheater or any other allegations about her would be protected speech, even if it's not true. Even if she was totally innocent, and it turns out not to be true, and you can prove it's not true, it doesn't matter, it's still protected speech. So it's very hard to win a defamation lawsuit like that in California, even against Garrett himself, who started the whole thing and then put out that tweet afterwards. Even against him, it would be hard to win because one thing you can say about Garrett, no matter what, is that he believed he was cheated, at least at the time. Maybe now he doesn't think that. Maybe he even was willing to think maybe it didn't happen once he was willing to take the money and let her come back to the game. But at the time, when he wrote what he did and when he said what he did on the stream, he definitely thought he was being cheated. And that's all that's needed for a limited-purpose public figure in poker. So I think a defamation case against him or anybody else in the community commenting on this against her is not going to work, and all that's going to end up happening is Charles Liu or Robbie Liu is going to have to pay everyone's attorney's fees if they do. So that wouldn't be very wise, and I have to imagine that Charles Liu, as an attorney in California, realizes this. But, but, that doesn't mean he can't sue successfully for something else. Remember, it's not just about defamatory speech. This is more about the fact that Garrett took $135,000 from her through what she is claiming was intimidation and blackmail. And he's still holding the money and that he wasn't entitled to this money and she didn't owe him this money. So they definitely could sue Garrett for the 135000 back. They could sue him and also demand punitive damages that he got this 135000 because he was blackmailing her that she was going to be branded a cheater in front of millions of people if she didn't give him this money. And they could also sue the Hustler Casino and Hustler Casino Live because this occurred on their property and it occurred in view and in earshot of Ryan Feldman, who is a representative of Hustler Casino Live, and he did not attempt to stop it. So... I'm not saying these people should be sued, but I'm saying they could be sued, and these cases may actually have legs, especially against Garrett. So I don't think it's the defamation thing that will be the lawsuit. I think it will be this other stuff. Now, maybe the defamation stuff will be thrown in there, but I could easily see that being dismissed and even dismissed via anti-slap. But the other stuff would not be dismissed via anti-slap. There is $135,000 of real money that Garrett is holding that he should not be holding. It should not be in his hands right now. So that lawsuit may be coming, especially because Charles Liu is pissed off. And I have to imagine he may want some 
pound of revenge here against Garrett for this whole thing against his wife. He also could be just trying to scare people into apologizing and saying that his wife didn't cheat and restoring her reputation. But there's still the matter of the 135K. I don't think Charles Liu is happy at this moment that the 135K is gone. Even if some of this or all of this actually belongs to Rip, who is staking her. The bottom line is that uh, he actually owes this to her, and then she would owe this back to the staker. So she could actually claim this, even if uh, she was playing on somebody else's dime. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with this. This Charles Liu guy seems really pissed off at Garrett, and I have a feeling this is not anywhere near over. From kind of what I'm feeling here, it seems like he might let the Hustler and Hustler Casino live off if they end up ultimately exonerating her, but he's going to come after Garrett. That's what I think. I think he's going to come after Garrett and Garrett only when this whole thing is said and done, but I think that Garrett really might be experiencing uh, some legal issues over this, and he should get ready for that. I want to discuss the situation with whether it is impossible, whether it's possible or impossible to hack the cards that are being dealt on Hustler Casino Live, and can anyone see them? Is it possible to break in somehow, even if you don't have an insider helping you? So let's say you are not able to convince anyone at Hustler Casino Live to help you cheat, but you still want to cheat. Is there a way to cheat without their help? Answer, possibly. So anytime one device communicates with another device, then it can always be intercepted in some way. It's not necessarily easy. In fact, it can be extremely hard, depending upon the security features that are put in. But any kind of communication between two devices can be intercepted, especially if it's over the air. If it's not done through a hard-wired connection, where the only connection is going through a wire, if it is being transmitted over the air and then received on the other end, then it is possible to listen in to that connection the two are making and intercept what is being communicated. I'm not saying it's trivial, but it can be done in theory. And again, it depends upon what security features are being used to make it more difficult to eavesdrop. But if you can successfully eavesdrop on it with a device that you build to do so and a program that you write to do so, then yes, you could get all of this information. So these cards are RFID cards, I believe. And I believe that they are transmitting over to the control booth. I'm not sure. I've never been shown the setup, but this is my understanding. So if that's what's going on, then there is a transmission going on and it could be intercepted. So hopefully they took right, enough... But drop, hold on. But that's not still a theory, is it? I was sleeping for most of the show. I mean, in, in the case of Possel, I think that was the theory behind him continuing to look down like at his phone or whatever, right? There was none of that with her. She wasn't looking right. down at a phone. She didn't have a phone. She didn't have anything she could look down on. The theory, right. the, the theory that's being used to make these allegations is that she had some kind of vibrating device on her that didn't give her the information Possel had. Like she wasn't getting information 
that was uh, giving her cards. That's what was being uh, alleged apostle. But that she was just being told very simply, you're ahead or you're behind by the vibration. And that the person who could actually see the cards would then transmit that to her. Either like one vibrate for your ahead, two vibrate for your behind. That that's now. There's no proof of this at all. There's not even circumstantial evidence of this. This is a theory by people on how she managed to cheat without having a phone with her, without having any kind of display device that would tell her anything. And it's just a guess. And there's no evidence of this. That's why this should not be taken seriously unless evidence of this is found. But I'm talking right now of the interception of any kind of communication because some people think oh no it's impossible to do this you you just absolutely cannot intercept any communication that uh, the hustler has set up well that's not true it's possible it may be extremely difficult if they have a good setup in which case that becomes very unlikely to have occurred now do i believe this is what occurred no i do not think anything was intercepted i don't think there was any cheating i don't think she knew the cards I think this is all a bunch of paranoia. I think this is paranoia that Garrett started because the hand was very odd. And then a lot of people are running with and they're not bothering to look at the very, very basic elements here that number one, she has not been proven to have been a cheat. Number two, there's no evidence, circumstantial or otherwise, that she's a cheat. And number three, there was only one hand that was in question. So all these three three things together make it to where if they want to look into it, go ahead. But you can't assume she was cheating when there is no evidence she was cheating. That's the bottom line. But that doesn't mean you would say there's no way to cheat because there are ways. It just doesn't mean that she did it. In fact, I think she did not. And I think there's a good chance they have a pretty strong setup there to where it is difficult to intercept because they can have all kinds of encryption that would make this very difficult to intercept. Just because something's going over the air doesn't mean you can just grab it. And then there's more complication. You know, where's the person who is grabbing it? Where are they? Because you, you can't just uh, stand there with a laptop computer next to the, the table and not be noticed. So uh, there's a lot of these logistical issues with trying to intercept it that wouldn't be practical even if you had a way to technically accomplish it. So that's another reason that this might be something that is very unlikely or almost impossible to have occurred. Yes, it could happen, theoretically, but we don't know enough about their setup to say how likely it is. You can't completely rule it out, but I don't think that's what was going on. Also, it's very important to look at that of all spots to do it, this is a weird spot. Because if you do have a way to know if you're ahead or behind and you do have someone who can see all the cards to determine that, then you would think they would wait to buzz you for the spot that you should do it. So you don't end up putting your money in when you're only a 47% chance to win and 53 to lose. That they would buzz you when you have a very high chance of winning. For example, when your hand isn't that strong and they're putting a major raise in on you, But in reality, they're just bluffing and you're crushing them and you've got a 90% chance to win. That's when you would get the signal to call. So if one were to be setting up such a cheating scheme, you would think that given the money involved, since you don't have to win a lot of pots to come away with a lot of money, 
you would wait to buzz them until the perfect time to buzz them, where they're way ahead and when their opponent makes an over-aggressive move against them. That would be the perfect time to buzz them, not just when their opponent happens to be technically behind, but actually still a favor to win the hand. That is not a good time to run that through, and you don't have to be a poker genius to see that it isn't the greatest spot to put your money in with jack high, no draw against uh, an open-ended straight flush draw that is on the turn. So that's another reason, is just this spot is really weird. It's not like she called off on the river for a gigantic raise with bottom pair and it didn't make any sense, and you say, okay, she must have known he, he didn't have it. This is one where it's not at all 100%. It wasn't even 50% she was going to win. It's a weird spot to pick when all you really do need is one big spot to get a pretty nice score if you know the cards or someone else knows the cards and they're signaling you. So the whole way it went down wouldn't make a lot of sense for cheating anyway. Now, I will say a lot of cheaters are dumb and they don't form their plans very well. So we've seen that over the years that if some of these cheaters just weren't so greedy and lost some hands on purpose and things like that, then we wouldn't be having this discussion of any of those cheating scandals. We would have never known if they were just more careful. So sometimes these cheaters are dumb. You have to keep that in mind. But I just don't feel that cheating was happening. I also want to say that I noticed that she called two hands that really stupidly and lost money that she never should have lost. And you can say, oh, well, this is just for cover. Well, this wasn't really great cover because really she could have folded these hands without anyone even batting an eyebrow. So, for example, she called pocket fives on a board with eight, nine, ten, and jack on it. She actually, uh, hero called pocket fives. <laughs> and her opponent had queens, by the way, for the straight. So how do you call fives with eight, nine, ten, jack on there? And lose. It's not like she made an amazing call and won. Like a, that's a horrendous board because anyone who has a seven, eight, nine, ten, or jack or queen will beat you. There's almost nothing you beat there. They just need one of those cards in their hand. They beat you. So that's that's a crazy call to make. But she made it and lost. She also made a very bad overcall. For those of you that don't know, an overcall is when you call after someone has bet and called ahead of you. So now you're at least the second caller. And what had happened was uh, on the board of Ace, Eight, Nine, Eight, Six, so there are two eights on the board, that she had nine deuce. So she had middle pair no kicker with also the former bottom pair now made people trips if they had it. So someone bet the river and someone else called and then she called with the nine deuce. Now, how could she beat both people there? Even if one of them had a nine, they could have her out kicked. That was a horrendous call. It's not like one person's betting and you're thinking, okay, maybe they're just bluffing. It's a bet and a call on the river. So at that point, the chance of beating them in that spot is almost zero. She called out $4,000 doing that. It was a complete waste of $4,000 to make that call. That's a horrendous call. But this is what happens when you're a novice. This is a very typical amateur mistake, is that the typical amateur is calling way too much is always too paranoid that they're being bluffed. And they're not understanding concepts like the overcall, that once someone has bet the river and somebody else has called, you need a much stronger hand to call at that point than you would if it was just a single bet and nobody has called yet. Having to beat that caller 
becomes much tougher because the caller is indicating by calling that they have something and that even if you think you may have them beat, then you also would have to have the first person beat. So novice players don't think of that. Novice players just think, okay, well, I don't want to be bluffed and there's a bet and a call. So I better call too because the guy calling between us well, his hand couldn't be that strong because he's not raising, so I've got to call too just in case. But they don't think about the fact, well, what could I beat? What could be calling here that I could beat? And even if I could beat them by some fluke, then I also have to beat the person who's betting in the first place. So it's so unlikely you have to have a lot of stronger holdings to call the river. And in fact, this is even a concept in Limit Hold'em where a lot of people have a leak because people assume at Limit Hold'em, okay, it's just one more bet. Look how big the pot is. Of course, if there's a bet and call ahead of me, I don't have to call. I, I mean, I don't have to fold. It's, it's obvious I have to call, you might think, because the size of the bet in Limit Hold'em on the river compared to the pot is pretty small. So what's one more bet? Well, because a bet and a call often means your, bet, your beat there. So an experienced player, even in Limit Hold'em, will know when to fold in those spots. And those bets you save will often make the difference between being a winner and loser long term. So these are concepts that you pick up as you become an experienced player. But if you're a novice player who still makes a lot of basic mistakes, then you will make these errors, and she made this. So from watching her play, I see a lot of basic errors, and a lot of basic errors that are typical of novice players. So I think you just saw a very stupid hand being played that happened to work out in her favor, and then a cheating allegation with no substance to it. And it's unfortunate. So anyway... I'm going to play as a final thing before uh, doing my wrap-up of this topic here. I'm going to play Nick Vertucci appearing on uh, Joey Ingram's show for the second time. I won't play the first one, but the second time, this was right after Charles Liu had been on. Nick was not very happy. He felt that Charles Liu had been very uh, cordial and cooperative with him. And then wasn't very happy that <laughs> Charles Liu was kind of making legal threats to him and Hustler Casino Live through the show. I will play this, then we'll comment on it, and then I'm going to give you my wrap-up on the whole thing. I mean, I, I could spend 10 hours discussing more of this, but uh, you know, there's only so much I can talk about this. And we'll probably have more on this next week if there's any updates. I think for this week we've almost done enough here. Like, you know, Rip appeared on the show and things like that. But I think I played you most of the important stuff. But I I do want you to hear Nick Vertucci calling in for the second time now to the September 30th Joey show day two. So here it is. Nick Vertucci in the house. All right, guys, we got Nick Vertucci in the house. Hold on a second, guys. Let me get Nick Vertucci locked in here. Hey, buddy. Hey Nick, great to hear from you guys. Uh, guys, give a big give a big shout out to Nick Vertucci in the chat, please. Nick, tuning in here. So Nick, uh, how's it going, man? What's the update from the from the hustler side of things here, Poppy? Okay, so uh, first of all, I'm not the owner co-owner of uh, Live at the Bike. You got that wrong, but oh, hustler casino, hustler casino yeah. live. Sorry, I, did I fuck that up? I keep uh, for some reason I keep confusing the two. I, I I basically I cannot get the disassociation out of my head with you guys. Right. Well, they wish, but no, it's hustlers. <laughs> so here's the deal. Um, uh, I, and I mentioned to you on my text, uh, I took a sleep chocolate because I'm on an hour and 45 minutes sleep. 
from last night. So I'm running on empty here. I'm not going to be as sharp as usual, even not that I'm sharp. But wait, I'm, wait, wait, what did you just say? Did you say you're on a? On a I'm on a, a sleep chocolate. I took something to help me sleep. Sleep, because, cho- sleep chocolate. Okay, 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 okay. I like yeah. it. And so I'm, I'm, I got about just a little bit left in the battery. I only slept about an hour and 45 minutes last night dealing with this shit. So, so here's what's up. This is what I would like to say first, and then I'm going to tell you guys where we stand on this. Um, so the reason I even chose to come on is because of this. I, um, in the last 24 hours or so, have actually had three or four conversations with Charles. Out of respect for him and his wife, I have been updating him. Uh, he's been contacting me. Um, I was I gave him the courtesy to know that Robbie has been texting me, sometimes passively, sometimes aggressively. I said, I just need that to stop. Please handle that for me. I want to handle this professionally. Um, and I had some good talks with him. So I'm kind of shocked that he came on and was alluding to the fact that um, – you know, when I mentioned there's some news coming out, I was told there was something coming out. I wasn't told it was good or bad. He's and they are taking it as bad. And I could understand that. So let me stop that right here. So that's interesting that he only talked to Charles Liu because apparently Robbie was hammering Nick with text messages and was getting too aggressive. So he actually went to her husband to try to get her to stop. <laughs> I can just picture that phone call like, hey, Charles, uh, Nick Vertucci here. Uh, can you get your wife to start stop harassing me via text? She's texting me all day and all night and saying some pretty aggressive and nasty things. Can we put a stop to that, please? Can I have your help? And then according to Nick, Charles said, OK, yeah, no problem. I'll talk to her and that they had some productive conversations and that Nick felt that everything was good. And then he listened to this chicago joey interview and was shocked to hear that there are these uh, veiled legal threats let's continue here oh that's not even being disputed by me but to say that you know if that continues there's going to be consequences well if you want to take me saying that there's going to be news coming out and you want to come after me legally i'm just curious if it'll get past summary judgment so i would just ask from both sides and i could understand why they're upset and that's his wife and he should defend her to the death i have no issue with that but i'm trying to be as professional as possible with him and that is to say this happened yesterday i need time i am going to and i gave him my word and this is for her as well as anyone else I don't know what happened. If anyone, including him, says they know 100%, then they don't understand what 100% is. I do not know 100% what happened. Matter of fact, I'm stumped because there's so many factors going each way that it's almost impossible to determine at this point. So, Yeah, I didn't play that part of Charles appearing on the show, but in the portion I didn't play, he did say that he's 100% certain that she didn't cheat. So Nick is saying you can't be certain of that. You can't be 100% certain, which I guess is true because Charles wasn't there. So Charles could believe it 100%, but it's possible 
what if she was doing it without telling him? What if she and Rip were doing this on their own? I'm not saying they were. Again, I think they weren't. But you can't say 100%. I'm not going to say 100% she didn't cheat. And I'm definitely not going to say 100% she did cheat. I'm, if you want to know my percentage right now, I'm kind of between 85 and 90 that she didn't. So I'm pretty strong in the camp that she didn't right now. But I'm not 100% there. And I won't be 100% there maybe ever. But I'm already kind of getting there. What I told Mr. Lou is that I would, in the next two to four weeks, because I don't know how long it's going to take, I'm going to hire a minimum of one, maybe two independent companies to come out and to turn my system upside down. And I'm going to open that those findings to the public. Okay, hold on. See, this goes back to what I was saying before. If somebody intercepted the communications between your cards and your control room, that doesn't mean there's a log of this. That doesn't mean that the control room has a log up. Interception of communication, that's not how it works. If something is intercepted, then there would be no log of it. And even if someone found a way to hack into the control room system, which I'm not familiar with how that whole thing's set up, so I couldn't even begin to speculate on how that could be done, or maybe it couldn't be. But if it could be done, there isn't necessarily a log of that either. You only have logs of things that are set up to be logged. Otherwise, there's no evidence it happened. So that's nonsense, that you can just look at the server, you can get experts to come down and have them go through the whole system up and down and say, okay, yeah, we know with 100% certainty that nobody got in to, to get these cards. No, you, you can't do that because in many cases, there's not a trail that can be followed. And even in some cases, the hackers could delete the trail. So this is something that, yeah, they can do to make people feel better and they can see if there's any suggestions how they can make this more secure, or if there's any vulnerabilities that might be discovered, even if they weren't used here, and all of that. And they can show that there is no evidence of a breach, but the absence of evidence is not the evidence of absence. And I know this was said during the Iraq War and was derided to some degree, but it's true here that just because they can't find any evidence that their system was breached doesn't mean it didn't happen. But that doesn't mean it did happen. So that's why I think this is all so foolish that they're hanging their hat on this upcoming investigation. It is impossible to have an investigation that will cover everything. It is impossible to have an investigation that will conclusively tell us whether there was or wasn't cheating. And that's why we'll never know 100%. But I think it's good enough to look and see if you just don't see any evidence that anything was wrong, any cheating occurred, or that there was any major vulnerability to the system, to say, we don't see any evidence this happened, or was likely to have happened. We can't say with 100% certainty, but we don't see anything to show this occurred, there's no evidence it happened, so we're just going to have to assume it did not. That's the best they can say. But again, this has to be directed by someone outside of the hustler. Otherwise, there's no way the public can, cr can trust it. Even if you like Nick and you like Ryan and you trust Nick and you tr trust Ryan, still, 
they have their own interests to protect. So they should not be running this investigation if they want it to be something that the poker community will completely trust. But again, even if a proper investigation is done, you're still not going to have complete answers. But let's go on here. I'm going to hire a minimum of one, maybe two independent companies to come out and to turn my system upside down. And I'm going to open that those findings to the public, meaning I want them to check the software, the hardware, the readers, the tables, uh, any other possible anything as far as this goes to get to the bottom of it. I would like nothing more than to report for us and for them that nothing happened. But I can't change what happened in that incident. And for him, and I just mean this respectfully to say she was pulled out, okay, not exactly pulled out, asked to come out. I'm going to pull the footage from where they were discussing uh, this and body language, and I'm going to provide it for him, for you, for whoever wants it. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not disputing how Robbie felt or how she didn't feel. I, I cannot speak for that. But I promise you that whether, whether she was a man, a woman, a, a blue, purple, green, black, or white, we would have had the same conversation. So to pull that card to me is meaning I'm not saying she didn't feel that way. And I understand that a female can feel intimidated. So I apologized to him the night I got there two or three hours late. And I said, listen, because he was using the language of sequestered and a lot of the attorney talk. And I said, please, let's stop this. Let's just talk straight. If your wife felt that way, accept my sincere apologies. And I shook his hand and he appreciated it. So I don't understand why they're continuing to come out. We can't control Doug Polk. Nobody can, as you know. Uh, We cannot control your trolls. We can't control the comments they're making about his wife. We can't control what Garrett put out. That was not approved by us. Mm-hmm. I do not stand by Garrett's uh, statement. That's Garrett's statement. And the only reason why she was asked to walk out and talk is because Garrett went and got Ryan. Ryan had five seconds to decide what to do, and he decided to have a conversation with them both. They didn't like that that happened. I'm sorry. Guess what? He also said that we should have checked all of their stuff. Well, guess why I didn't check all of their stuff? To not appear that I'm accusing her of anything and making her feel accused. And guess what he told me when I told him that? That was a good call. I think that was right. I said, yeah, I didn't want to put that on her. We have never once said, us, meaning Hustler Casino, that she cheated. Okay, let's stop right here. It is interesting if he really did say to Nick that they made the right call to not examine her stuff. And then he's going and complaining that they didn't preserve evidence, then that is a contradiction. I don't understand that. But I will say this that there's some very odd contradiction going on here that if she was not suspected of cheating, then why did Ryan let Garrett take money from her, 135K no less, from a hand that she won? Because if she didn't cheat and she's not suspected of cheating, then why? Was that allowed to happen right in front of Hustler Casino Live staff? And if she was suspected of cheating, why was she allowed to return to the game? Which she did. Something's wrong here. And if you were suspecting cheating to where you thought that 
Garrett was reasonable to demand 135k back, and you'd allow it to occur in this casino, then why would you not preserve all the evidence? Why would you not ask her to show all of her stuff and examine it so you can clear these items as not being part of this whole thing? Why not at least ask her? I'm not saying grab her water bottles and grab her jacket. I'm saying, hey, can I see your jacket? Hey, can I see these bottles? I just want to, because of what Garrett's accusing, I just want to make sure there's no device in there. And you know what? If there's no device in there, then you're going to be happy to show it, unless you've got something else in there you don't want them to see. You know, if she's got the Ebony Kenny vibrator hidden in there, then maybe she won't want them to see. Other than that, I don't see why she would say no. We don't know because that never happened. We have not said that she did not cheat. You know why, Joey? Because we don't fucking know, okay? Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to ask my staff to all take lie detectors. I've asked Robbie through her husband if she would like to take one, not because I want to catch her, because I want to exonerate her because that's good for us. But I will tell you this. If there is anything that comes out that is found... And I don't care what it is, if it's a staff member, if it's not. And I don't believe that it is. But I can't say 100% or I'd be a fool. But I'll tell you this. If it does come out, I will stick my boot so far up someone's ass legally that they will, they will not want to have ever have known me. Because then they are trying and threatening what I love and what I do for a living. So he will have my full support if that happened. And guess what? If there's nothing found after weeks of of turning everything upside down by probably two independent companies, Mm -hmm. I will exonerate her. And when he gets on and he says there's an apology owed, but then there's too late for an apology, and then we're going apologies not enough, so there'll be more that happens after that, you know, I'm kind of done with it. And what I mean by that is I wanted to have a professional conversations with him and 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 keep him in the loop keep them in the loop i don't want robbie texting me she just texted me tonight again right after he got off about something i'm not going to respond to it i'm not interested in it I, yeah. I i respect her i respect him i don't blame him for uh defending his wife as he should but he does not know for sure what happened he is just leaning on his relationship and his trust with somebody and that's great and as he should he should believe in her but I'm going to find out what happened and I'm going to report it and put out every bit of that information whether it's good bad or indifferent because I believe I will get through it either way mm-hmm. well you can see he's frustrated with uh, Charles Lou and Robbie Robbie with all her text messages and Charles with the veiled legal threats And so Nick's basically just saying, okay, you know what? I'm not cooperating anymore. I'm just going to go forth, do my investigation, put out the results, and that's it. I'm not talking to you anymore. We don't have a cordial relationship anymore. So that's it. I'm done with you. (laughs) So he was not happy with that segment. He didn't like the, we needed a profuse apology, but that's not going to be enough anyway, which was a little bit weird. I do sympathize somewhat with, Charles Liu here, there's various ways this has to be frustrating to him. First of all, it does look like his wife was wronged here by Garrett. Second, it did happen at The Hustler, and Ryan Feldman was witness to it and didn't put a stop to it. Third, they're out $135,000, or at least 
$135,000 minus the amount that she was staked. Fourth, his wife is being insulted all over the internet and said she's a cheater and all these other bad things. Fifth, there's stories being put out on Doug Polk's show that she's having an affair with that rip guy who's also married. So you can imagine that this isn't exactly what the Lou's had in mind when she went on that show. So I understand why Charles Lou is so mad, especially if he believes that his wife wasn't cheating and there's a very good chance she was not. So you do have to cut him some slack there, even if he is uh, putting out some legal threats in his appearances on the show and also on Twitter. He echoed the same thing. So how is this going to play out going forward? Well, I'm pretty sure I already can predict it. I'm pretty sure that the experts are going to come in, whoever they might be, and they're going to look at the system and they're going to pull the video and nothing's going to be found to show that any breach occurred or that Robbie was cheating. Now, the lie detector thing will be interesting. That will be interesting. In fact, you could even kind of find out the truth of what she really thought when she was playing that hand, and also what was really said in that hallway, provided she's not one of those people who can beat them. I think they should give Garrett one, too, regarding what he said to her, because there's some dispute about that. So give one to Garrett if he'll agree. Give one to Robbie if she'll agree. He's saying he's going to ask his employees to do it, which, yeah, I like that idea. I do like the idea of having the employees take a polygraph of whether or not they were in cahoots with anybody to share call cards. I, again, would like to see that process directed by someone outside of the hustler or people who are hired by the hustler who are outside this community. But it is an interesting idea. It might shed some light on things. I have a feeling that if you gave Robbie a polygraph and asked her if she cheated or had any knowledge of Garrett's whole cards, and she said no, that she would pass. I have a feeling if you asked her, did you really think you had a pair of threes, then she would fail. If she said yes, I think she didn't think she had a pair of threes. But that's not important here. Who cares if she's lying about the way she played the hand to save face? What matters is if she knew what Garrett had, or if she did not. And if she didn't know what he had, then everything's in the clear. Then whatever she did for whatever reason is up to her. She can make as many bad poker decisions as she wants. It's either her money or money that she's been authorized to play with. So it would be interesting to know this, but it isn't a scandal, even if she's lying about the reason she played the hand that way. And I bet if you put Garrett on a lie detector and asked him if he ever asked or told her to give him back the money, and he said no, I bet the line would jump and he'd be shown to be a liar. Because Ryan Feldman is insisting that he overheard that and it matches with her story. So I think I understand this whole thing pretty well and I think I see which way it's going to go. And you know what? This is going to look bad for Garrett ultimately, especially if he doesn't give back the 135 k because Hustler... As Nick even admitted, from what I just played you, it's to their advantage to show that everything was on the up and up and that this was much ado about nothing. That's what they want. They don't want anything to be found. They're, they're, even if they are committing to really share honestly with what's found, even if it's negative for them, 
What they are hoping is that it will be found that their system's secure, that there was no breach, that there's no evidence of any cheating. That would be the best case scenario for them to put out. So that makes them look good. That makes Robbie look good. That makes Garrett look bad, especially if he's still holding the money. So even though this investigation is never going to completely disprove a cheating possibility, this will really make Garrett look bad. So that's why it is time for Garrett to say, I fucked up. Exactly, Jeff. Because how many times does this exact thing happen in casinos? Oh, I know. Is it, There's so many right? times people make, um, make bad decisions at the poker table and, and uh, or unusual things happen that you'd never expect. And I'll tell you, I posted this on Poker Fraud Alert's forum, but I once had on Cake Poker, I remember the site, I don't remember the player, it was just some fish I didn't know, but I had a player on Cake Poker who actually called me down with three too high, the nut low. There was no way the guy could win. The only way he could not lose would be if I also had three two and we chopped. But the guy actually called me with three too high. <laughs> he didn't even raise me to try to get me to fold. He actually called with three too high on the river. And, and probably just to see what you had because you had been hammering him, right? I'm not even sure what he was doing. This guy was like a, a major fish. Or maybe maybe he was, just a misclick. Yeah, who, who, whatever right? it was, though, it, like it happened. So um, imagine if uh, I was also betting with three too high. And and he called and I we split the pot. I'd be scratching my head, going, "What the fuck? This guy must be able to see my cards." Well, I guess if he could see my cards, he'd raise me. But I, I would still be like really, really, really shocked and wonder if something's going on. So there will always be really weird plays by people who just aren't playing well. I've also seen just some horrendous calls by people where I when I find out what they had, I just can't believe that they they've made the call against me and. Yet they do. So I've seen this so many times. So yeah, this hand was very unusual. I can understand why everyone was left scratching their head at the whole thing, but you can't just default to blaming someone for cheating. So the bottom line is, I'm sure this investigation is going to clear her. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's very likely. I think it's going to clear the hustler. And even though it's not something you can hang your head on, your, your hang your head on totally for the reasons I already gave... It's going to make Garrett look bad. He's going to look even more like an asshole and a crybaby than he already does, and someone who took advantage of a woman who was scared. I mean, the whole thing looks awful, especially because she's a woman. So he should come out with a statement. The hand was very unusual because of the whole Postle thing three years ago. I was on edge, and uh, I was sure I was cheated at the time upon examining this further and hearing everybody's explanations and her explanations, I have decided that I don't believe anymore it was cheating. I will be returning the $135,000 to her, and I wish to apologize to her for any allegations of any wrongdoing. I'm very sorry for all the inconveniences this has caused. And if he puts that out there like that, I bet a bunch of people say, Garrett, you're a great guy. You're a big man to do this, etc., etc. If he waits until this whole thing exonerates her and he still hasn't given back the money or apologized, he's going to look like a complete dick and his, his reputation is going to be shot. And all this goodwill he had in poker, a lot of that's going to be gone. And especially keeping the money like this. This just looks greedy. And uh, this is an awful look. And the fact that it's against a woman is an even worse look. 
even though this would also be a very bad look if he did it to another man. But the fact that this occurred in the hallway where he's all pissed off and there's this skinny woman there that uh, is intimidated by him and then she gives back the money which he takes and then leaves and supposedly breaks the agreement to stay and keep playing. Well, and then he tweets that about it. I mean, the whole thing looks terrible. It looks like this big muscular guy bullying this skinny woman who just beat him in a poker hand because she got lucky and made a stupid play and bullies her into giving the money back. I mean, it's just the whole thing looks terrible for him. And I don't know why he doesn't see this. So he's had time to cool down. I don't know why he doesn't give up on this at this point. And if he wants to contact her first and say, you know, I'd like to just just to make sure he doesn't get sued or something to say, I'd like to make an agreement here if I return the money and if I post an apology uh, will you agree to drop this on your end? And you, know, you can get some kind of agreement, even informal. So this way he doesn't have to worry about doing this and then getting sued because it's basically basically admitting that he was wrong. He can do that. He doesn't have to just drop it there on Twitter and then worry it's going to be used against him in a lawsuit. So he, that can always be done. But he should do something here. But if he just comes back out on Twitter and, and doubles down here, unless he's got something that I don't know about. Like, if he's got some smoking gun that she was really cheating, okay, then that changes the whole thing. Right, but how are you going to cheat if you're going if it, you if you're a dog? <laughs> That's what I don't understand. Well, you know, if, let's say just hypothetically, he came up with some smoking gun because they they uh, they they got some video from within the hustler and it showed some person who was signaling her right before she uh, acted and. They, they got pretty conclusive proof there was someone signaling her, and then right when she received the signal, she would act. That would be pretty strong, even if he didn't know exactly right. how they're pulling it. And so if he released... Right, but she's a dog, though. Right? In, right? In other words, she was a dog. I know, but it, the, the theory is that she's just being told whether she's ahead or behind, and then she decides what to do. So she doesn't know what cards are being held. That's the, that's the allegation. So that would explain. Right. I mean, plus, coming from a wealthy family, she's not at Possel. That this is the only thing he's got going on, and he either this or work at Seven Eleven or something. Well, I, so, I I I do want to address that too because I will say this in the in the favor of those that are accusing her that the she doesn't need the money argument doesn't completely make sense because she was backed in that game, and if you really don't need the money, if the money is meaningless to you or at least not meaningful enough to where it's uh, a big deal, then you wouldn't be staked. Then you would be staking yourself. You get staked because you're playing higher than you feel comfortable with, or you just don't have the money to play, and you want to play either on someone else's dime or partially on someone else's dime. So that would indicate that for whatever reason, maybe her poker bankroll is separate from everything else in her life that she can buy expensive clothes and jewelry whatever and her husband's cool with that or maybe it's even her own money but whatever it is that when it comes to a poker bankroll uh, she just doesn't have that much to invest in this and you know for example maybe her husband said look i'm not going to give you money to play high stakes poker you can use your own money that you made at your job or you can find someone else, like a friend of yours who wants to put you in, but I'm not going to fund this because I don't think you're a positive expectation player and I'm afraid you're going to lose too much. So maybe he said that, so then she got ripped to put her in. So if that's the case, if you need someone else to put you in or partially put you into the game, then 
yeah, the money does mean something to you, even if the rest of your life is very well funded. Now, at the same time, if the rest of your life is very well funded, then you're less desperate for the money. So if you lose it, it's not like you're going to go homeless or, or your lifestyle is going to take a big degradation. So I understand your point there, uh, but I, I I have mostly dropped from the defense of her of, oh, she just doesn't need the money. Clearly, her husband's rich and she had a good job before this, blah, blah, blah. Like I, I throw that out because she was backed in that game, which is a huge game. I'm not like I wouldn't play that game. It's way too big. Even even if it was a super soft lineup, forget the fact that it had Garrett and Ivy and Andy Stacks and guys who are very good players. You know, like even take that out. Even if there's like a bunch of fish in there, I wouldn't want to play those limits. They're just too damn high. The variance would just destroy me if I ran on the bad end of it. So I understand why you would want someone to back or partially back you there. But I'm saying that uh, that also means that the money is meaningful. So I'll take that out of the whole thing. But, you know, the, the point is that the chance of this being found that there's actually some real cheating going on, unless Garrett has some smoking gun he's waiting to drop on us, if he's just like waiting to lay the Hebrew hammer on us and uh, show us that she's been cheating all along and he's got the goods and there's no doubt, not just by the way she played the hand, but I mean actual real concrete evidence. Okay. If he can show that, then I change my view completely. And if he's just been sitting on it for whatever reason, I change my view completely. But I don't think he is. I think he would have presented it by now. I think that he's quiet right now because he's not sure what to do. I'm sure he doesn't want to get sued. I'm sure he doesn't want his reputation turned into dog shit. But at the same time, he kind of may still feel he was cheated and doesn't want to give back this money. And as he said in his own statement, it is very hard to get back money once you're cheated. And he was citing Postle that all of uh, the people in Postle's games never got a penny. So he feels, oh, sweet, I got money back from a cheater, which nobody else managed to do that. And now everyone's like, uh, you know, Garrett, it's possible she wasn't cheating and you just took 135k from this poor girl that didn't deserve to have you take that from her. And now you've trashed her reputation, too. It's kind of messed up. Like a lot of this is messed up. A lot of this is very contradictory. If someone's suspected of cheating, you don't bring them back in the game. If someone's suspected of cheating, then you make sure you preserve all the evidence. You even call the police. If somebody is not suspected of cheating, then you don't take money from them, and you don't let people in your casino take money from them. It's not like she was mugged out of the view of everybody else, and the casino didn't know what happened. It's not like uh, later on they had a discussion... And outside of the hustler, she gave him money or later she wired money to him. This was right inside the freaking hustler in, in Ryan Feldman's view, and he's listening to it, where she's giving him money back. This shouldn't have been allowed. I know they don't want to piss off Garrett, but look, now he's not coming back anyway. I, I really wonder if he can come back to these streams. He may not want to after this. Keep in mind, he quit the streams in mid-2021 over depression. And I bet this is going to make him depressed all over again. Because depression is not necessarily from things happening in your life that are depressing. Like the depression he had in mid-2021, I believe, was just chemical. But there can be triggers in your life that cause the clinical depression to come back when you've gotten it under control. So he could easily be like in a fit of depression right now. 
over this, that this just sent him in a spiral because you see your great reputation go in the toilet in a few days that uh, there, there's people on his side. There's plenty of people on his side, but there's a lot of people against him. So the, he's getting hate like he's never gotten before. So I, I don't know if he'll ever be back on these streams. I don't know if Hustler will ever take him back. He may be kind of considered toxic on these streams at this point. We'll have to see how that all plays out. That is the one thing I can't really predict is what the fallout will be from all this. And also, if she will be welcome on these streams. Would, would it be appropriate to have her back on Hustler Casino Live? Or should Live at the Bike take a shot with her? I would say yes. If I were Houston Curtis, I'd say, yeah, come on over here. <laughs> we'll have you. We're not going to accuse you of cheating. I would take a shot with her. I think that will get Live at the Bike the eyeballs that they've been waiting for. And Hustler Casino Live is crushing them. I think a lot of people would watch her then moving over there after that whole thing. That that should be the next move. Maybe it's already happening. Well, we will see. You know, we have a lot of different topics that we didn't do this week that we could have done, but I'm not going to do. They're all going to be tabled until next week because it is very late and because I'm not all better. And I, I did this long show analyzing this whole thing because you guys wanted it. But there's a number of topics, nothing urgent, but there's a number of topics which we can talk about, and we're not going to. We're going to talk about all of this next week. So, uh, Trader Ruski, uh, I didn't get to ask you, though, what is your opinion about cheating, didn't cheat? How do you feel about this? I just think there's no possible... I just think she did not cheat. I think she was clearly just... I don't know if she was steaming because I don't really watch a lot of it. My cousin, I guess, watches more than I do. So his opinion was that, um, yeah, that he was a complete gentleman. He was fine. But, you know, but if if somebody's just beating you every hand, you know, sometimes you might make a call. And if there's a one in 10 shot, he had what he had and you're ahead. Sometimes you'll do it just so you can just stick the needle in them. Yeah. And I, and so, I think that happened. I just feel that's what it was. A yeah. thousand percent. No, I think it's like that too. And I think she also can't fully explain how she played. Sometimes you'll just make a dumb decision and then later you'll go back, even just minutes later and go, what, what the hell was I doing? <laughs> how, how did I make that move? That was stupid. Like I've had that before too. So it could be that. And then yeah. she just didn't, she didn't want to admit it. She didn't want to own up that it was just a dumb move without a lot of good reason to it. So she's making up backstories that don't make a lot of sense. But that doesn't mean she's cheating. That just means she's kind of embarrassed to admit she made a donk play. Right. So that's I've why I've done that too, where I thought I had a jack and I had a queen or whatever. I, you know, everybody has done that or they're full of shit. Or they maybe haven't played as long. I mean, I've been playing poker, you know, since 91-ish. Wow. So it's like, I didn't know you go back that know. far. Oh, my God. I didn't know. Oh, if, yeah. Oh, you go back yeah, 10 years before me? Art, they, you would have loved it back then, Draft. They were just giving money away. Well, I couldn't have played in 91, but I, I could have played two years later. I, I didn't exactly have a very big bankroll when I was 21, but uh, I, I could have played low stakes. And, uh, you know. Yeah, and probably 80s. You know, because it's like we used to go play poker at Mirage. And then go next door at the Dunes and have a drink. Or go to downtown, you know, to Horseshoe and mm. play crafts after all night, you know, poker session. But, yeah, no. So it's just like these things happen. And I, I've seen everything. And it's just like, 
right? Like I've seen this many times too, when it's not on a stream and there is no way to cheat. And like I said, how many times did this happen the same day at Hustler? But yeah. it's not on the stream. Yeah, it's because it was on the stream, right? Again, a very big pot in a very high stakes game. And then the the loser of the pot made a huge deal about it and insisted he was cheated. So yeah, a lot of these factors had to come together. And yeah, it is too bad though. You know, if you really think about it, what if she's innocent, which I think is the overwhelming chance here, then you really have had an innocent person dragged through the mud. And that's that's not good. That's not right. And that's yeah, she's appearing on the stream. It's worth discussing. It's a very unusual hand. I'm not saying that the people watching can't comment and the people that think it could be cheating, you know, they should have the right to say that because that's what you sign up for that when you go on a stream like that. But to have one of the other players who uh, is very experienced and wins a ton of money, to have him put this out there and to have him take the money back, I mean, that's just so outrageous. The, the, the peanut gallery on Twitter saying, oh, we think she cheated, that, that's just part of appearing on a stream and making a weird play. And you're always going to get these conspiracy theories. That's not the big deal. But, but everything else after it was the big deal. And especially if she's innocent, that's just... Uh, really shouldn't be happening. And if that's the case, I feel bad for her. I really do. So uh, I, I hope you guys enjoyed this analysis. And I'm sure some of you will disagree with me. And if you do, you're welcome to text me 775-372-8355 and tell me why you disagree. You know, I'm not going to be insulted. You could say you're totally off base. Your take is horrible. You may think that it's 100% that she cheated and that I'm just being a moron by saying it. I don't think she did. Everybody's welcome to have their opinion, but I believe I've put it together pretty well. And I think reading between the lines gives you a pretty good idea of what really happened. She just seems to have been afraid that she was not going to be able to come back on and she was doing well and she felt like she's like printing money there. And she probably liked the notoriety, and she didn't want to lose it. So it was worth 135k for her to get out of it. And even if it was somebody else's money, partially, or whatever, then she may have felt that for them it was the right decision. But I think what uh, Darren told us, Darren Atterbury, when he called in, I think that was very enlightening. And by the way, before I close this whole topic, there was also a guy who had played with her at the World Series, who talked about an experience with her. And that was interesting as well. He had said that she had a very unusual play style and that she did make a lot of hero calls and that he doesn't think she cheated after having played with her at the World Series and seeing a lot of the same type of stuff out of her. He didn't want to say that in a way she was a fish, but but he was kind of saying it without directly saying it. She even retweeted it so she wasn't insulted. But he was saying that basically this is just her style and that this is not cheating and that people should back off. So everything I'm hearing from people who have played with her, like Darren Atterbury's story when he called in tonight and said that she was play- with a, in a satellite – where she, or I guess it was a survivor tournament, basically the same thing. She has it locked up where she can fold every hand and win, and she's still playing hands. Like, that type of thing. 
So someone who's doing that, is it really that surprising that they're going to call off with Jack High, no draw? Like, really? I think it's pretty obvious when you look at all this. I was kind of 50-50 on this. In fact, I was kind of leaning more on the side of cheating at very beginning. But then as I learned more and more, I said, nope. Sometimes not everything is what it seems. I just don't think she has much of an aptitude to be a successful poker player. That's what I think. The guy who played against her was Ben Moon. And he said, WSOP 2021 $1,500 shootout. That's where you play until everyone at the table is busted except for one person. And then that person wins the table and moves on to another table the next day. So at table number one, she got with him heads up. So they got down to the final two. So he said that he had five, seven of diamonds and the flop was king, queen, 10 with two diamonds. And that, uh, the turn was a jack, still not a diamond. So it's king, queen, 10, jack, two diamonds. And uh, so she bets and he raises, which I don't know if I like that raise, but I guess he didn't believe she had the ace. You know, he's figuring she's going to fold if she doesn't have the ace there. So she thinks about it and calls. And then the river's a total blank. So the board is king, queen, 10, jack, seven, no flush possible. And then he bets 7K, and she says, I have to see the ace, and calls with queen 10. So he couldn't run her off the hand. This wasn't horrible, but he could not run her off the hand no matter how much he kept betting. He, and and then remember, this is a, a tournament there, so you, you can't just reload with chips. So chips are precious in tournaments. And How about the nine? She didn't want to see the nine either. Yeah, I guess she didn't want to see the nine either, right. So um, then he also mentioned that she limped in a, uh, this is a different hand, this was uh, uh, in the shootout that, uh, I guess it wasn't even heads up when that first hand happened. I don't know why I thought it was heads up. But uh, in another hand there, that she limped one before the cutoff, which is two off the button, and then he went all in with 16 big blinds with ace-jack offsuit. And then she called king-10 offsuit for 16 big blinds from that limp. And then she ended up rivering the king to, to, beat, her, to beat him. He was mentioning how she limps and he puts in all 16 big blinds all in over her. And then she still calls with king-10 off. So basically, he's saying here that he sees a lot of bad plays that a good player would make where she just didn't want to fold. And as I said, she supported this tweet. She was showing, hey, look, I'm a fish sometimes. <laughs> I don't know if she took it that way, but that's, that's what the guy is saying, that this is someone who just doesn't know how to lay down a hand. Now, I know none of these compare to that Jack High call, not even close, but still... When someone has the profile that they will not lay down a hand, then when they don't lay down a hand in a spot where you'd be sure they would, you can't be that shocked. I am pretty convinced that this is not a cheating incident, in which case it's pretty much a shame. Think, think if there was no panic by Garrett here. Think of Garrett's like, wow, I can't believe that, but okay, nice hand. That's amazing. And then he just said nothing about it. 
like we'd be talking about it briefly on the show wow this amazing hand but we wouldn't be discussing this for hours and hours and joey wouldn't be doing a 30 hour show within three days discussing this like we would remark this was unusual and move on Maybe there'd be some conspiracy theorists saying there's cheating, but that would be that. It's the fact that Garrett freaked out about this is what has uh, ruined the whole thing. And obviously the other players in the game weren't afraid she was cheating them because nobody left except for Garrett. Everybody continued playing. Every single person there kept playing after she came back to the table. You you think that Andy Stacks and and Ivy and... uh, Anyone else there would have continued playing if they really thought that she could see their cards? No, they would not. But they kept playing because they didn't believe it. Well, we will see what Garrett does. The ball's in his court. And I guess that is it. So what we're going to do, since we didn't cover any other topics this week, we're just going to wait until next week to cover these. And then we'll add on whatever topics come up as well from the upcoming week and update you on this story as well. We're not going to take nearly as long. In fact, there may be only a very short update if there's not much to say. The last day or so, there hasn't really been anything. So it's probably going to slow down. But that happens once in a while. We have to do a very long show on a single topic. I still feel this is the sixth biggest story all time in poker. It was covered in USA Today, the New York Post, the Daily Mail, which got her age wrong and said she's 35. She's actually 38. But still, when we start seeing things in the regular media that happened in poker, you know it's a big story, because that does not happen often. Usually we're kind of our own isolated little world, but not this time. In fact, I've had people contact me and say, hey, have you heard about this story about this girl accused of cheating, blah, blah, blah. That shows you that a lot of people have read around the world that she's an accused cheater. So that's not good. Like, you Google her name, you're going to find that for the rest of her life. So you have to understand why she and her husband are pissed if she didn't do anything. And that's why you have to be careful before you start accusing someone of this with no evidence and based on one hand. And finally, before we shut this down... Can you imagine if every time you lose or every time you win a hand against someone in the casino who feels that you cheated them that they can get the money back from you? Can you imagine if that were to be a precedent that is set that if they're sure you cheated that the casino will then bring you to the hallway with them and they will browbeat you into giving the money back to them? Can you imagine if that were to be the case? Imagine if that happened to you. Even if you wouldn't ultimately give back the money, even just being pressured to give back the money would be crazy. This is something that the poker world can't support. So at least let's agree on this final thing. Let's at least agree that even if you think she was cheating, that without concrete evidence it was happening, that Garrett should not have been allowed to take the money, nor should he have even accepted it if he wants to claim that she offered it to him. Let's agree that demanding money or taking money from someone you think cheated you but have no proof or evidence of it should never happen in a poker room environment. And with that, I am done for the week. We won't be on Friday again because it's too soon. 
but I'll announce on the site and on the Poker Fraudler Twitter when the next show will be when we cover everything else. Trader Ruski, thank you for joining us at the end of the show. A crazy story. Huh. Well, I got through this at least. I mean, we had some technical difficulties. But if you're listening to the archives, you won't hear much of that. We hadn't had this happen for a while. But hopefully this won't continue. Uh, it's never easy, you know? I get a cold. The cold goes away. The cold comes back. Turns into a cough. I can't do radio when the biggest story in three years happens. The sixth biggest of all time in poker. Because of the cold. And then when I finally do the damn show, there's technical difficulties where it cuts out. Why can't this just be easy? Why can't I just be healthy when this occurs and I can come on and do an emergency show like Matt Berkey did and Joey Ingram did? No, I've got to wait more than two full days to get this going because something that I already recovered from comes back. And by the way, it's not COVID. I even took a test. And then I have technical difficulties on top of it. Like, this isn't easy. And this site doesn't make money. Boy, this sucks. I should have the good luck here with this show because I'm doing it for free. But I'm the one who's got the colds coming in the wrong time and the technical issues at the wrong time. Alrighty. Well, we will be back. And hey, at least the poker room is back up. At least the No Fraud Online poker room is back up. I think we had our free roll. If that free roll didn't work either, I'm going to be really pissed. Don't even tell me right now. I'll I'll find out later. Good night, good morning, and shalom.